entertained? Are you not entertained? I want you to hit me as hard as you can. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. What's up, Video Landers? I'm Brad. I'm Cousin Wayne. I'm Josh. Welcome to episode 200. Fucking A. Isn't that badass? <laughs> that is badass. 200. All right, so let's just take a second and uh, let's just talk about what Adventures in Video Land means to you. Now, we have a pretty deep episode tonight, okay? Oh, God, so yeah. we won't get too emotional. We won't cry on each other's shoulders. We won't okay? just start sucking each other's we dicks won't. yet. We won't, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but no, 200 episodes, man. What do you think? Oh man, that's that's a loaded question. For me, Adventures in Video Land actually started when you and I were just kids. Yeah. You know, always renting movies over at grandma's or being over at your dad's and shit. Like we had a conversation about this, the tattoos we're gonna get and everything. Uh, it's you know, Adventures in Video Land has always been with us. It's just now it has we a just name. Didn't, yeah, exactly. It's got a name and it's got a, a, a you know, a rules and a, an outlet for it. And to see what, you know, just started out as you and me. Then as a simple Facebook page, now to a, a great group of over 1,000 members just yeah. blows my mind. Yeah, I love it. Like you said, man, like video line. We just know what to call it. You know, yeah, for, exactly. Uh, if anybody doesn't know, like Wayne and I, we grew up together uh, watching movies. You know, so video land started in, in Grandma's um, uh, front room. Yeah. You yeah. know, just watching TV, going to the like, video what, store. Like, like 87 or 88. You know? oh, some of the best times <laughs> of my life, man, Fuck just going yeah. into the video store, getting $2 an hour working on the farm. Yep. You know, and then just uh, <laughs> wasting, not wasting. No, that was not a waste. <laughs> educating ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> it was cinema. Uh, some of the best times ever. But uh, you've been around since the very beginning, which is very special to me. Both of you guys have. And uh, with 200 episodes, man, we started in tw- uh, 2015. Uh, real quick, a big shout out to Seth Fisher. He started um, on episode zero. We filmed the first episode um, at the Game Preserve. Yeah, now, can that be seen on YouTube? I think I if you actually search on Facebook, if you search on Facebook, you can find it, but that's the only place you can find oh, it. Oh, man. Yeah, it was, uh, I think we didn't even, I don't even know if we, I don't think we put it on, yeah, we didn't put it on YouTube. I didn't even, you know, have a YouTube account at the time. Uh, but when you first started, Wayne, we did, we can only do 15 minute videos. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. You know, we can only do 15 <laughs> minute videos. That was a bitch. Thank yeah, God we've moved past that. Yeah, no, no, we should do an introduction in 15 fucking minutes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> and tonight's going to be the worst, man. Oh, I, yeah. I, no, it's yeah. going to be the, the best, too. The, 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 really... the episode's going to be great, but the time is going to just slay some people. I've got my coffee, man. I know shit. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's just so cool. Like You started on episode... What was uh, it? Number four, I believe. Number four. Was that your AV Assemble? Yeah. Okay. AV Assemble. AV Assemble was number four. We're at 33 of those. I only do those every couple months. And then your first actual episode... Was uh, Mad Max. What episode was that? Uh, was that number 10? The number 10? Something around okay. there, yeah. And then you, you we did, uh, uh, what was it, the Cine- what was that? It was the, we did the we did a Comic-Con Mad- trailer for yes. Fury Road. That was it. That was the first one. Yeah. And then... Uh, which then is we- which is funny because it gets, <laughs> right now if you look at uh, that video, video, because it was in two parts, 15 minute increments, right? So 30 minutes talking about the Comic-Con trailer. The first one has, the first part of that trailer, okay, or the first part of that conversation about the trailer yeah. is, I think it's a... Uh, 55, 55 views. So not very many, right? Part two of that video is 211 views. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? I think it's because we're talking about uh, drinking his piss. Yeah, like I don't even know. And tattoos, and tattoos on his ass. Yeah, we're trying to figure out what Max was doing in the fucking wasteland. So Drinking piss and getting tattoos on his ass. I think ass. those hits were most people going, can you rewind that, honey? Did they say drinking piss? <laughs> so listen to that episode. But yeah, you've been around since the beginning. So yeah. thanks, man. I appreciate oh, hey, it. Not a problem. Yeah. I'm glad you, this is your baby and I'm just glad yeah, to be part of it. 200 episodes. Josh, 
Same thing, man. It wasn't a farmhouse, but we met each other, man, what, 13 years ago? I believe so, 13 years ago, we were in a factory, and Video Land also, uh, I don't know, it was, that factory was my escapism, just talking about movies, you know, and which inspired this, too. A lot of the... Not working. Not working, yeah. It was kind of the the, the structure of Video Land was kind of formed, actually, I would say. Video Land was formed in Grandma's living room, but the structure of it, I think, was at the factory. We went over, you know, uh, what what makes a movie and marathons and verses, and what does 200 episodes mean to you? Well, I I think that, to to double down on what Wayne said, I mean, it started far before the first AV episode, before AV was named. Um, The foundation's always been conversation. AV has now become a location where people can come and have that conversation. And, you know, we've been educating ourselves all our lives about movies. We love movies. And we're just refining that yeah. day in and day out now. That's what AV is has become and what it's, I mean, it's helping improve my scope, my perspective on film. And um, for you and I, a lot of that started uh, back at Indiana Packers when we were working there. Yeah. Um, just neglecting work. There was times, <laughs> finding, Josh. Finding the nooks and crannies to hide in. <laughs> we could talk about movies. There was times that Josh actually was upset with me and he told me to get away because he was actually trying to get work done so we didn't have, <laughs> so we, so we didn't have to work the weekend, right? And I'm like, right away, we'd clock in and I would pull up next to, next to him with my fork truck and I'd be like, so Josh, guess who they cast as James Bond? <laughs> True story. True story. And then I'd shoo him off, and, and he'd be like, "All right, fuck you then." And then drive away. And then he'd be back twenty minutes later with a new tidbit he heard in his podcast, and he just had to fucking tell somebody. And every once in a while, it would perk his ears. It would perk his ears. I've got shit to who? <laughs> with Wayne and I, you know, Wayne would disappear for a year or two and wouldn't see him, and we always pick right back up. And at movies was that connection, though. Like I wouldn't oh, see Wayne for a year. And I'd call him up and like, how you doing, Wayne? He's like, oh, not too bad. So what's coming out lately? <laughs> and we would. That and would we would just blam, pick up right and where we left off. You know, credit where credit's due on that as well. Um, you were the one bringing the news to me. Uh, I didn't I didn't browse the internet as regularly as you did. You were, I mean, you told me once, I go home, I turn on my computer, and I fucking dig for this shit. <laughs> and it, it, was, it was great for me because you were bringing me that information. And when AV started on Facebook, I was... I, I didn't even have a fucking Facebook account, you know. Uh, and you asked me about doing my AV assemble episode, number seven, I, was, I think. Was it seven or eleven? It's, <clears throat> yeah, no, recall. it's in the top ten. Uh, okay, well, uh, you asked me to do that, and that is what actually got me to get on fucking Facebook. Yep. I didn't join the social media um, network until you asked me to do that, and when I did, I found that I could get the news to come to me. You know, all those things that you and I after uh, after I left Indiana Packers. Um, a lot of that tapered off. The same thing you're talking about right there with uh, with Wayne. There was a year lapse, and then you guys would get together and you talk about the one thing you knew you could connect on, and yeah. it was fun to have that conversation. I get that regularly now because AV, this community that yeah. you built, it, it's just it screams news. Yeah. It, it brings it all to the oh, forefront. I, I love scrolling through and seeing somebody's post something about like Blade Runner or this and yeah. that, and it's just that's fucking awesome. And what about the balance, man? The balance <laughs> is so great, man. I mean, we're talking. Horror films, we talk, you know, comic books, Star Wars, we talk independent films, classic films. I mean, we're all over the place. I mean, look at our Pantheon nominations this year from uh, animation to um, biopics, music. I mean, um, a classic started off with Rear Window. So we're all over the place. So we have these different outlets that kind of spur the conversation and move it it forward. Because I think on day one, we had a lot of comic book 
that's that's just the time we live in. You yeah. know, I mean, fuck Marvel, DC. I mean, they're pumping out three movies a year. I mean, that's you're gonna get a lot of that. If this was '70s, it would be fucking horror films. You know, um, but we try to. Oh, if it were the '70s. Yeah, I know, right? Amen. <laughs> if it was the '80s, man. And oh yeah. So it's like we try to you know, give that balance by talking about, you know, verses and marathons and Pantheon, which you helped me start Pantheon. You were the, one of the first members of that, you know? So, uh, but yeah, the, the marathons and the verses, that structure, you know, started when we started, uh, I think the first one where I really got excited about, and I'm like, man, we're onto something. Here's our boxing marathon. It's been one of my favorite ones. Um, that I've done. Well, besides this year, because this year I think we really fucking nailed the formula of it, you know, with verses and stuff. So I'm just excited, man. 200 episodes. Yeah. I also want to give one more person a shout out tonight, and that's Ryan Smith. Uh, Ryan oh, yeah. Smith, um, <laughs> he deserves to be in this conversation. Um, when I think about Videoland, seriously, it's it's Cousin Wayne, you know, growing up with you, talking movies with Josh in the factory. Um, Ryan Smith, one of my best friends. Um, fuck, I remember... God, he's been around for... Yeah, I've known him for 20 plus years, man, and you know, just be able to talk movies with him. And it's it's mm-hmm. one of our favorite things to do, and we still do it to this day. And then Seth Fisher just, you know, he's been here since you know, episode zero, and he still does episodes with me every Thursday night. So here's to 200 more episodes, guys. And I still get giddy. I still get giddy. <laughs> I, I'm excited. Too, I love it. I, I yeah. fucking love it, man. The only, the only uh, type of excitement that's missing is... Our supervisor opening the door and realizing we haven't done anything for the last fuck. hour. <laughs> no shit, right? <laughs> well, fuck him. <laughs> if you're listening, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> we made it. <laughs> so suck our cocks and let's go. <laughs> let's go. All right, guys. You ready for our verses? I'm fucking ready, bro. <laughs> All right. Let's give the spill. Welcome to Verses. Verses is AV's fight club of sorts, where we pit two movies against each other and see who comes out the victor. Consider, if you would, versus the Thunderdome of movie watching, where two movies enter and only one movie leaves. We use versus to examine and discuss films we've needed to see or haven't seen in a while. We recognize a genre or director's achievements by forming a list of categories. The various category winners are awarded a golden idol, and the film with the most golden idols wins. This exercise has helped us understand filmmaking and change the way we watch movies. We are currently in the superhero movie season. Guardians of the Galaxy uh, Volume 2 releases in the next few weeks and is one of the most anticipated superhero movies of the year. We figured it would be a great time to examine two movies that deconstruct the superhero genre. Tonight we will talk about two movies that have very different tones, but I hope you will see are very similar in plot. Watchmen and Incredibles. Uh, Watchmen is a cult classic and quite possibly the most underrated superhero movie of the 21st century and is adapted from one of the most influential graphic novels of all time. Uh, The Incredibles won the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature in 2004 and has been met with universal acclaim and is considered in many groups a Pixar masterpiece. Cousin Wayne, how do these two films stack up? Against each other. Well, let me tell you something, Cousin Brad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, first we've got The Watchmen. Uh, came out in 2004, uh, directed by Zack Snyder. Stars Patrick Wilson, uh, Jackie Earl Haley, and Carla Gugino. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, IMDb gave it a 7.6. Did you pronounce it right, Josh? Six. Did I pronounce it right? I don't know. He's, Josh is sitting here with like fucking oh, no a shit. stack like, of Watchmen DVDs. It, it's unfucking bleak. I thought it was a board game you brought. <laughs> I, mean, I thought it was a fucking lunchbox. No shit. You got a thermos in there, buddy? <laughs> I'm looking for it. <laughs> I'll keep an eye out for you. <laughs> so tell me about this cast. Why? Right. Uh, oh, yeah, I just did. Well, fuck it. <laughs> That's it but it's a great fucking cast. <laughs> it is. It is. I love Patrick Wilson, so... So do I. Oh, All right. So I'll what's next? IMDb seven point six. It was. <laughs> I love how you make those awkward moments, Brad. 
<laughs> Rotten Tomatoes give it a 65%. Whoa. But Rotten Tomatoes, they just have... If it doesn't have a name brand or, or something or people aren't raving about it already, they give it a lower rating. I disagree. Just for the record, I fucking hate Rotten Tomatoes. I don't think you know shit about Rotten Tomatoes. You know what? <laughs> I don't fucking care. Okay. I, think, I think that Rotten Tomato score accurately reflects the way that people feel about The Watchmen. Now, whether I think that's right or wrong, we'll yeah. find out in the episode, but I think it accurately reflects it. Elegantly put it, Josh. <clears throat> All right, so 64% on Rotten Tomatoes. 65. Yeah. 65. Do you Brad have any other ones like IMDb or Metacritic? Uh, IMDb was 7.6. Seven, okay, okay. So what's next? Uh, the Incredibles uh, came out in 2004, so five years before. Uh, director Brad Bird stars uh, Craig T. Nelson, Samuel L. Jackson, and Holly Hunter. Okay. Uh, IMDb gave it an 8.0 and Rotten Tomatoes 97%. So wow. Blam. God damn. Way to go, Pixar. Well, <laughs> Way to pay fucking masterpiece. Off. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know where Wayne went today. <laughs> all no, right. I just, I, just, I just, they they just shit all over independent films. I just, I don't like them. Okay, well, I've been met with a little bit of adversity with this one right here. Um, a lot of people don't think there's anything similar between these two movies. So let's just break down the similarities, just like we did yeah. with um, our last episode, Judge Dredd and um, The Raid. All right, so... Let's look at some of the scenes that are very similar. Um, our heroes are banned by the government, forced into retirement, and the plot takes place many years later. Um, our heroes miss the glory days, and a few can't stop their fight against crime. Two heroes save people from burning buildings. Um, our heroes are cornered by the police while trying to do their job. An unlikely superhero duo, they have kids together. The villain is killing former superheroes. The evil layer is far away from civilization. The villain wants to make everyone in the world believe a lie. Heroes openly use their powers in the third act. And does that cover most of the similarities? There's something about capes too, isn't there? Yeah, there's something about capes. And also, the let's not forget the uh, black and white uh, photos of the past. There's a lot of similarities. You yeah. may not like to see them, you know, but they're there, like it or not. There's a scene where Rorschach is looking for his suit as well, right? Right after he comes out of the... Uh... Yeah, he's like, where's my face? Where's my face? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's right there, too. I mean, so there's a True. bunch of scenes. And then at the end of Watchmen, they're watching monitors, right? That same scene is almost in Incredibles, isn't it? Where they're watching monitors and seeing what's going on at home? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. He's got a, I didn't think about he, that one. He, he even says, it's like, a, it's like being at the movies or something. I think that was a Simpsons yeah. quote uh, there. And then... Uh, Manhattan makes the point to say, what have you got there? Some new super weapon? I guess yeah. you could say that. And he turns yeah. on the TV. It's fucking beautiful. Yeah, and another <laughs> scene, or scene would be the um, Bob Dylan song, and it shows the Minutemen from 1940, right? Oh, yeah. We also yeah. get a um, an old newsreel in Incredibles mm-hmm. showing all the old superheroes, you know? Kind so, of lawsuit. Yeah, yeah, the lawsuit yeah, reel. So that kind of was familiar, too, just watching you know old school superheroes do yeah, their Yeah, showing what they did then and what, where they're at today. Now, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so then the question becomes... Which one did it better? Mm. <laughs> exactly. Let's find out. <laughs> so let me ask a question before we get into the idols. Um, do you think The Incredibles ripped off the Watchmen graphic novel? Because I think the Watchmen movie was 2009 and The Incredibles was 2004. So if they ripped off anybody, it would be the graphic novel. And I do think there's a very strong similarity at the end because in, in the Watchmen graphic novel, we have like this huge alien squid and the movie is Dr. Manhattan. In Incredibles, you have... Like, what were they, Omnidroids or something like that? What do you think about that comparison there, though? It's a loose comparison out of some of them. I, you know what? I, The cape thing really drew my eye to it. I, 
I'm inclined to believe Brad Bird. Uh, I read a quote from him saying that he had never, and I don't know how the fuck this is possible, but he said he had never explored any superhero material. (laughs) You're deconstructing the comic book genre. Well, but he's not, though. He actually publicly comes out and he says that uh, Incredibles is a deconstruction of the family unit, Uh the home, you know, uh, which, and it's a beautiful statement. Uh, He comes out and he says that uh, the father in the family is expected to be strong, so he made Mr. Incredible strong and indestructible. The mom is supposed to be able to bend and, and you know, uh, be everywhere and do everything, so he made her elastic and stretchable so she can go where she needs to. Uh, young girls are supposed to be shy and insecure, so he made this girl able to turn invisible <laughs> and generate a force field. And uh, young boys are supposed to be balls of energy that can't be controlled, so yeah. he made them super fast. <clears throat> All of that... Helps create the, the his deconstruction of the family unit. It also lends itself well to the the superhero element, uh, which I believe is just what he decided he wanted to do. I, I'm inclined to believe that uh-huh. that he didn't rip it off, but it just it is really amazing that they ended up. It's being just so another one of those similar. coincidences, right, Josh? <laughs> but I, the question becomes though: yeah. Is it a basic story that same thing we ran into with Raid and Dread? Mm-hmm. Is it a basic story that you have the bullet points that you build off of and they feel similar because we're really telling the same type of story but scope style um subject matter that we're addressing makes them feel so very different and obviously one being animated one being live action <clears throat> i'm inclined to believe that is the case but i don't know the the they really hit me over the head with yeah the and see i'm s- yeah. there's there's so much deconstruction <laughs> here though i can't buy that because he even said, I read a quote from his, him as well that said he was inspired by Nick Fury comics back in the day, you know, because they were one comic and then second spy espionage. All right. So, you know, he was digging around. I'm sorry. If you're if you're he specifically referenced <clears throat> Watchmen. Uh-huh. He said, I haven't seen or haven't read any of those classic comics. I had only heard of the Watchmen when I made. This yeah. Movie. See, that I mean, may- maybe, said. maybe I, I can't I can't really say. Right. But. Watchmen, it's just not, you know, like some independent comic. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how it's, you don't know about Exactly. Yeah. I, I can't but, I can't picture uh, that. That being said, here I am. Uh, when we were at the factory, I was told about Watchmen by you, uh-huh. which inspired me to go get the book because I wanted to read the graphic novel before the movie came out. And I hadn't fucking heard of it or done anything with it up to that point until that movie came out. So it is possible. It is definitely feasible. Yeah, I don't know. I think the only thing this this is missing, The Incredibles, is um, Mr. Incredible, you know, not getting his dick hard, okay? <laughs> and then fucking Elastigirl with, like, Hallelujah in the background. I think that's all it's missing. <laughs> I think it's all it's missing for being a straight ripoff of fucking Watchmen. <laughs> so, I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm seriously... Like, Sorry, I, I just... Put that's that, a graphic picture Yeah, have Mr. Incredible with limp dick, and then fucking, you know, after the burning building scene, you know, after him and Frozo... <laughs> And then he just picks up, you know, Elastigirl and just fucks the shit out of her. And you got the fucking Watchmen. I I don't buy it, man. I I don't know. I can't see Rorschach working in an insurance company. Yeah. Well, check this out. Because, like, Watchmen was 2009. This was 2004. Unless it's owned by Pyramid Transnational. Yeah. Well, they always said that. He ain't going to be working there. They said that Watchmen, everyone everyone always said that Watchmen was unfilmable. Okay? So, imagine Brad Bird 2004. Never heard of it. (laughs) You know? They're not going to film that shit. You know, if you're breaking down the comic book genre like he does, if you... If it's hard to break down... This, I mean, this is a fair point. It's hard to break down the comic book genre 
if you've never experienced comic books yeah. before. Yeah, and he does a fucking good job with it, with Incredible. So I have a feeling that he mm-hmm. did not just explore that, but he explored some Fantastic Four, that he explored some fucking Marvel, that he explored some yeah. DC. I think he was all over the place trying to craft a Pixar story. I don't know? think he delved too deeply into into anything, really. I think he just kind of scraped, scraped the top of what was popular and shit like that. So I, I think it's possible that he could have done something with the Watchmen. But. Yeah. Well, let me ask you guys this. Do you think that Incredibles is Watchmen for children? Like a Watchmen light? It is. I think yep. so. So you've kind of got the same... It pretty almost is the same background story with just a more family-friendly environment. What do you think, Josh? Yes. But I'm not going to give Incredibles too much credit for being light. It's a pretty gritty uh i mean it has moments yeah there well there's there's death left and right the kids are killing people and there's no way they didn't fucking die yeah. and uh <laughs> their their mother uh elastigirl tells them you know this is not like your tv shows at home they will try to kill you yeah and just run away she says run away but in reality what happens is we run away, learn how to use our powers, and we start killing motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. And uh, when uh, when Mr. Incredible falls into the water and swims into the cave, you see the skeleton of a dead fucking superhero. I mean, the, and he uses all of them, the pictures of him that say terminated over him. I mean, he's killing people. So, I mean, that's pretty heavy stuff. I, it's, it's, I, it's, I think it's just very they did what Pixar yeah. They did what Pixar does well, which is that's there for the adults. But the kids don't pick up on it. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. It's. It, it's. It's well. Kids don't dig as deep. So that, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They definitely inhabited a world where you know these the henchmen will kill the kids if they get a hold yep, of them. Exactly. You know? So it is, it is very dark. Yeah. Well, he was going to kidnap uh, Baby Jack there at the very end and raise him as his own. And do I know. Blackout. And then he gets sucked into a fucking turbine <laughs> because of the cape. Yeah. <laughs> because of the cape. Yeah. But he's dead. Like. The, oh yeah, that the huge kids, fucking the kids explosion. Ask. What they they didn't show like Doctor Manhattan's explosion and blood flies all over <laughs> everyone. They didn't show him getting sucked out the other side of the turbine. They they chose to do an explosion. But I mean, yeah, it, it's a pretty gritty movie when you sit and think about what's happening yeah. on screen. Yeah, I think for a gateway, I think if Matrix can be a gateway to like martial art flicks for a lot of people, I think The Incredibles can be a, a gateway for for kids to get into superhero movies or movies like The Watchmen. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, I think there's plenty of gateways out there. Yeah, for yeah, super yeah, God, no, yeah, definitely a lot of gateways. And Watchmen is not one of them. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> no, know, that's a watch when you're older, kind of thing. You know, we were talking about how he kind of uh, Brad Bird skimmed the surface of comics. Fuck, man, he goes into Chronos. Chronos is basically it looks like Cerebro. You know, from X Men. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, he's touching that. I mean, their their talents or their their abilities are straight from fucking Fantastic Four. You know, um, so I think he took a lot of stuff, but man, I, I just can't, um, I don't, I can't get away from the fact that the core here, retired superheroes, scene for scene on c- certain things, mm-hmm. um, very, very, and they were a all lot dead of similar. in some way, somebody had offed them, and it yeah. just, yeah. And I mean, you have uh, with uh, Ozzy Mendez, he's, uh, what, he's very fascinated by Alexander the Great, and with um, Syndrome, he's very inspired by, uh, fucking Kronos is Greek mythology. You know, I mean, look at that there. There's a lot of shit going on. So let's let's break it down. You guys ready? 
I am ready. It, it amazes me. It does. <laughs> it, does. It, it is. This versus and our last one. I mean, it, it's unmistakable to, to look at those bullet points that we just laid out and say that there's there's nothing similar about them. You can't do it. Yeah, no, there's yeah. plenty similar. But, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm interested to see how this goes. All right, so let's just jump into it. Um, our first idol is best film location. Wayne, where did you go? Uh, my runner-up for that. I, I've got a runner-up for just about every award. <laughs> it was just fucking impossible. Both these movies were just great, but... Uh, my runner-up was for Watchmen, uh, the Research Medical Center, okay, uh, the military. That was just fucking great. I mean, it, it looked so, I don't know, almost run down on the outside when Rorschach tr- breaks in, drops over the fence and stuff. But when you get inside, I mean, it's just this top-of-the-line secret government facility. Yeah, where, that's pretty cool. Where shit that you know most people haven't even dreamed of yet <clears throat> is being experimented on. I, I, I loved it. Uh, but as far as my award goes, I gave it to The Incredibles. With Syndrome's Island. It was just such a classic villain hideout. Tropical island. Fortress under the volcano. Uh, flying droids with video cameras on them. It, it was just uh, fucking classic. Yeah, and I very Bond-esque. It. It, was, it was. It was. There's a lot of Bond elements to it. Uh, it was just, you know, when I would think of a, a super villain's hideout, just a classic like that, I, I would think of something like Syndrome. I know there's a name for the island. I can't think of what the name of it is now, but it, it's uh, Syndrome's Island. Okay. I loved it. Right on. Where'd you go? My runner-up would have also been that military base that you were talking about where Manhattan was holed up. But I actually wrote down fucking Mars. How often do I get to pick Mars as a location? <laughs> Fair I enough. Just, I love, I love uh, that whole segment with Manhattan. is one of my favorite things from the graphic novel. It's also one of my favorite things in the movie. When he self-reflects and, and he's, he's there, Mars gives him the isolation that he needs to do that. And he tells Laurie at one point, like, take a look around, and I'll ask you how much of this could be improved with a, with the presence of a shopping mall. Yeah, or a pipeline. You know, and... my, this red planet, my red planet, means more to me than your blue one. It just speaks volumes about where a man who sees every aspect of his life at all times needs to go to clear his head. And that takes me back to something that you had said before uh, years ago. Actually, this was back when we worked at the factory. You asked me simply, how far would you have to go to hear no artificial sound? Mm, yeah. You know, And I, I thought that was a very important question when you asked me back then. It was about clearing your head. You were talking about isolation yeah. tanks and all that stuff that you were getting into. And uh, I, I feel like that's what happened with this moment. And that's a very important moment for Manhattan he has to leave the fucking planet and go somewhere <laughs> devoid of life to even not experience anything but himself and focus on himself. And I, I just thought it was too important to the character for me to not bring that up. I, I like right Mars. On. Right on. So one for Incredibles, mm-hmm. one for Watchmen. I'm going to... Sp- okay, which one? Where, where am I going? Uh, best location, I think you're going to go Watchmen. Nope, going Incredibles. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to... Both these movies deal with superheroes. They're banned by government. And then uh, they're kind of like living the, the glory days, trying to get back into the glory days. So one of my favorite locations was, um, I think it was in the trailer for Incredibles. And then it only has a few minutes of screen time in the movie, but it's the trophy room for Mr. Incredible. And it has like, you know, newspaper magazines. He has a... It's a, his man cave. It's, it's his, his own man personal cave. Yeah, man cave. Yeah, but it's really yeah. cool that you're this huge superhero, you know? And he's got a fucking like water heater on the side, you know? <laughs> and it's just like, he, he has all of his glory days on the wall. It shows like Time Magazine and like Life Magazine articles. And uh, it's just really cool uh, trophies and th- that glass case that has like superheroes or some kind of like um, figures 
in there that you, I couldn't really tell what they were. Yeah. But just really cool to have this trophy room. All those the pictures and stuff just show so much history. Mm-hmm. And it's, oh, only, yeah, it's, yeah. Only, it's only it's only a few. Yeah, it's only a few shots though. Like um, mm-hmm. it's when right but right before he um, decides to go out and start doing superhero shit again because he's like looking at all the you know the history <laughs> that's in that room and all the glory day stuff. Um, but runner ups was. Uh, Hollis Mason had his like room, Hell you yeah, know, he did. and had a, yeah. lo- a lot of cool stuff in there, a lot of uh, memorabilia from the glory days. Um, but the incredible room just stuck with me. It was just something that was really cool because you know Hollis Mason was just an average guy, you know, just a, just a normal guy. Fucking Mister Incredible has superhuman strength. He's fucking Superman, you know what I'm saying? And you have this little dinky man cave. I just I, something really stuck with me on that. Um, but I also liked the uh, Watchmen's uh, uh, Night Owl, uh, his owl cave. Yeah, that was like kind of cool. Yeah, we kept working. Yeah, and then Ozzy Mendez is Antarctica later. I thought it was cool too. But something about that trophy room really stuck with me. So. Right on. Uh, best character, I have a runner up for it, but that particular person wins an award later on, so I'm going to skip that. But as far as best character, I went with the Watchman, Rorschach. Okay. Uh, just fucking fascinating. Really, you know what I mean? Uh, he, he's just. At times you can't really tell. He, is he a, a really great bad guy or a really bad good guy? I mean, he's just all over the place. Uh, he he will kill to do the right thing, and it's so questionable everything he does, and he's he's clearly insane too. That's what he gets. I mean, he just is. The guy is fucking nuts. Uh, he had a horrible horrible childhood. Uh, went through. Well, he talks about the moment where uh, he's uh, in prison, and he's talking to the uh, counselor, and he says, "I'll tell you the time where uh, I died and Rorschach began, and yes, how he found that little girl, how she'd been raped and tortured and all this, and." Uh, fed to the fucking dogs, and he killed the guy. And it, you can just tell that's where this character it's began. where he fucking snaps. Yeah, it's where he just snaps, and that's where he just goes crazy. But yet he's still, he does the right thing in an odd way. But at the same time, it, uh, when they were... Uh, it's vigilante you know, justice. Exactly. Uh, Night Owl and... Uh, uh, or does or too. does he do the right thing? Because I think well, Watchmen always fucks with that moral compass. right question to ask. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, the, well, one part I thought uh, was actually kind of evil in a way uh night owl and uh, specter two were eating dinner together and they were telling a story about how a guy <laughs> would chase them down the road you know fight me fight me uh-huh. and uh specter two goes well, whatever happened to that guy night i was well he tried that on rorschach and well rorschach shoved him down an elevator <laughs> and she goes that's not funny goes, it is kind of funny <laughs> so, i mean it's just <laughs> how do you take it and i just fascinated with his character i loved it right on also, Rorschach. Fuck There's yeah. no other answer uh, for me. <clears throat> He's got so many things going for him. And, and <coughs> as far as the character being adapted, it was adapted well. <clears throat> his suit, his outfit looks awesome. Oh, yeah. It just stands out. I, oh, it, in the beginning of Watchmen, I had trouble with the stuff moving around on his face. Mm-hmm. That is so background for me now that it doesn't even matter. Um, <clears throat> his character is so fascinating because he, he likens himself to the mask. Not to the man underneath. That man is dead yep. because of that very night that you were talking about, where he he's uh, trying to find uh, a kidnap victim. Yeah, he, he and, became and the he mask. And it's interesting to point out that there is a version of Rorschach in this movie that is not like that. It's brief. It's when so he was a brief. little kid, right? Or... No, <clears throat> the first meeting of the Watchmen, <clears throat> where um, Comedian lights the map on fire and basically talks shit to Ozymandias. Rorschach's dialogue there is more normal because I don't think he's experienced that yet. So if you listen to him in that conversation, he is like a, a team player. He's a member of the Watchmen at that point. Yeah, somebody, yeah, he does say something. To... And Comedian breaks all that down 
in that very moment, the comedian breaks all that down, and then Rorschach goes out on his own. Rorschach becomes the version that we see in this movie. And he he's steadfast. He stands his ground. You're right. It's hard to tell what his motivations are. He, he says he's, he's you know, give, doling out justice, but you see him kill a lot of fucking people. Yeah, I don't think he makes a punishment for at, the at this point, at, time, so. at this point, he's decided what that justice is. If you uh, are guaranteed to be guilty... You're already sentenced to death, type mm-hmm. thing, uh, which there's a lot of what Rorschach does. I can't get behind. I can't say that I 100 percent agree with everything that he does, but unflinchingly, he believes in liberty mm-hmm. and the freedom and the choice to do the things that we. He's sitting here, sitting here, speaking out against the filth of the city, the liberalism, as he calls it, the the, the gutters and you know. And the whores and politicians, politicians. All he's speaking out against all that, but he's defending it. And yeah, I think that that's the best part of Rorschach's character is that he can acknowledge, "I hate this, 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 and this," but I'm going to preserve all of you fucks being able to do what you do because there's a right and a wrong. Mm-hmm. He's just a fascinating character. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100 percent on that. Oh man, for my best character, this was one of the hardest I think for me. Um, to, to come up with my favorite character. Um, I'm going Watchmen. It took me... All the Watchmen characters are so interesting to me. Um, you know, it's like, who do you go with? Uh, you go with the god, the smartest man on the planet, the noir hero. Uh, even the comedian is comedian badass. He's got this twisted, nihilistic yeah. worldview. I love him, but there's just something about a rapist that you can't give your favorite character to. So, <laughs> Attempted rapist. <laughs> yeah. So, but um, even Silk Spectre, you know, has a very complex, um, interesting character arc. Um, but overall, um, I don't have the most complex one here. Um, and you guys, you and Nathan went back and forth um, on, I think it was Rorschach and then Ozzy Mendez, right? Yep. And great. I, mean, I agree with both of you. <laughs> awesome stuff right there. But mine at the end of the day is Night Owl. I just, there's something. Terrific. Yeah, there's something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's, there's no wrong answer here, I don't think. But he's a fanboy, man. He's got... Um, he reminds me of Clark Kent when he's Dude, not on, yep. in the costume. Well, he's, I think he's it's a fucking good old boy. I think it's yeah, a, I think is, it's a perfect deconstruction. Just though. shy around the girls and keeps to himself, respects his elders. Yep. Yeah. I think that you're missing one though. It's Clark Kent and some Batman though. A little with bit with his night out. I mean, you can't. Yeah, there's there's definitely some Batman deconstruction of Batman and Clark Kent there. Yeah, he I think won't it's really cool. Kill. I mean, that's some yeah. Of Batman, yeah. Al themed gadgets. Al shaped flying vehicle named Archie. <laughs> Um, who's, I guess it's named after Merlin's pet, Al, and, you know, um, the Sword in the Stone, which is really cool. Huh. Nothing. Yeah. So, I no, I thought that was great. And then I love how he talks to uh, Hollis Mason. He goes on Saturday nights, and he just shoots the shit with him. About, Has a beer with him. Yeah, just, just, I love Night that. Owl 1, Night Owl 2. Meeting. Yeah. yeah. It's just so <laughs> cool, man. So, at the end of the day, it wasn't the most complex, but when I walk away, this was the one that was so hard for me, because, like I said at the, at the beginning here, the god, the smartest man on the planet, there's so many that I love on 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 screen that I just had to walk away and be like, okay, who do you think of when the movie's over? And at the end of the day, and I, I do like Patrick Wilson a lot. Yeah, he's I good. think he's a great actor. He I think he really embodies this character a lot too. So maybe that had something to do with it. But um, at the end of the day, man, I just love the deconstruction of this Clark Kent Batman character. I think he's a true superhero. He, he is the, the good person. Uh, the person I think a lot of people want to be emotionally. And he's just- the one who jumps out of Archie in the end when the comedian's going fucking crazy yeah. because he loves what he's doing. He's a, what and by that American I mean dream. assaulting American people. And he says, what happened to us? He's the yeah. one willing to ask that question because he is still fighting for everything without being punished. The comedian has 
become a parody of the negativity and the cynicism that mm-hmm. he sees in the world. Yeah. Rorschach has been pushed to the brink, gone a bridge too far, because he's angry. He's mad. Still wants to keep fighting for justice, but unwilling to slow down. He's a fucking out-of-control yeah, he's train. He's fuck about the whole thing, too. Night Owl is the center. You're talking about... These characters He's the only one running around, too, like a costume hero. You know, with not with... With not the permission of the government, you know, because Comedian and, and uh, Dr. Manhattan are backed by the government. He's the only one at the beginning of this movie that's actually going around doing Follows his thing. the rules. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, he's the centrist. Um, you, you can look at all these characters from so many different aspects. Social, mm-hmm. uh, the social climate and that spectrum, where they fit in that, and also the, the same thing with the political one. Night Owl sits firmly in the middle on all of those and you get this nice just spherical well-rounded world with all of the different yeah. issues and, and subjects that they're they're tackling a lot of broken characters <laughs> and they're yeah. and that is yeah. the beauty of the watchman yeah, I, think and so. I, I just think that it, it's worth noting that between these two movies we are talking about a versus so i'm gonna go ahead and throw a punch <laughs> here and say there's no fucking contest with the quality of the characters in Watchmen compared to what we get in Incredibles. Yeah. Incredibles, it's very superficial. It is very basic. <clears throat> I think that fits beautifully in the deconstruction of the family element, but Watchmen offers so much more that I couldn't even begin to consider uh, characters from Incredibles for this award. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I agree. Um, I do have runner-up, you know, Bob Parr from Incredibles, though. I do. I do. That think being said, yeah. Yeah. With that being said, suburban life, dealing with the white-collar job, with which most of us have, either white-collar or blue-collar, and then longing for those glory days. I think there but is a lot Hollis there. Hollis Mason is a better fucking example Yeah, of that. but we don't get Hollis Mason that much, depending on in what version you watch. Well, even the director's <laughs> cut, we don't get enough, but I do like the scenes that we, we do get in there. So, but yeah, Hollis Mason is definitely an yeah, interesting character. I'm going to have to character. fucking watch that director's cut. Ace. Yeah, you do get a little bit more Hollis Mason, which I really did enjoy. And <laughs> I kind of like to see that, because there's a scene, again, where him and a subspector, too, were <laughs> eating dinner, and just for a split second, she says something he just kind of grins and he pushes his glasses up. I thought, my God, that is such a fifties Clark Kent. Mm-hmm. He, he plays he plays that dweeb element exactly. really well. Just yeah. like the, that shy around the ladies. He's not a fucking rapist like the comedian. Yeah, he hasn't snapped like even Rorschach. in the end. He has that uncomfortable Brilliant. smile when uh, uh, Sally Jupiter walks in the room. Mrs. Jupiter, he's drying. You know, he's he's wiping. Yeah, his she hands smacks up. his ass. Yeah, and he's he's just. He's really. Still, is I think the he's character. the one that's possibly still innocent too, and in, in, in his own way, he still ha- carries a little I bit of right. innocence. Yeah, I, and I. I mean, everybody else kissed that fucking shit goodbye years ago, but he's still just just a teeny pebble yeah. that he carries. With you him. know, there's a lot of categories here where I was like, man, it could go either way. Watchmen, Incredibles, but I, I agree with you, Josh. Um, when it came to characters, um, it was a uh, which Watchmen character do I go with? They're they're legendary, and it's not just that. There's a single legendary character in this this story. They are all cogs in the machine. They're all important pieces. I, you can't pull one of them out. Right down to fucking Moloch. You can't pull one of them out and and have it be the same story. Yeah. Um. And, but then, real quick, to end that with with uh, Bob Parr, Mister Incredible. You know, I think we've all you know um we know what it feels like to to wish to to be back in that glory days. Maybe not as a superhero. But, you know, to kind of experience being in grandma's living room, watching TV, and not having that fucking job that just sucks the life out of you. Yeah. You know, you see Bob Parr, Mr. Incredible, just fucking going to town in his fucking little cubicle, you know, just fucking the world keeping him down. And I think there's something that a lot of people can relate to there. 
um, which I think the poll, man, the poll, we'll go over the poll results at yeah. the end of this episode. But, man, I think Incredibles, a lot of people really like The Incredibles. We'll talk about oh, that more with Tone. Terrific movie. Yeah, we'll yeah, talk about Tone and, and what we think people see there um, at the end. But uh, let's get into best screen duo. This was a bitch, too. Uh, all of them really were. <laughs> <laughs> let's just start off every category like that. <laughs> Uh, Disclaimer, the these were all difficult. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I went with The Incredibles. Uh, Mr. Incredible and Frozone. Oh, that, that's a great duo, man. I mean, they it worked really together. I mean, like, uh, even when they were just sitting in the car together listening to the radio, you could tell not only were they, they uh, partners and their yeah. jobs, but they were friends when they took the masks off. Yep. And they had been that way for a long fucking time. Yeah. You know, I mean, just like I said, they were talking about bowling one second. Then the next thing you know, they've got masks on, and they're in a building, and they're talking about how they're going to fuck get the fuck out of there yeah. with the people on their shoulders. And you, you know? got one guy sitting in the driver's seat saying, why don't we go do what our wives think we're yeah. at? Yeah. And, and go bowling. And then Bob doesn't hear a word of it, and he's like, can you turn that up? Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> they know each other so well, and I liked that. Uh-huh. You know, they, they weren't, you know, because some of them uh, in The Watchmen, it almost felt like they were forced to be together, like we're, we're together for a purpose, and that's it. Some of them were friends outside, some of them weren't, yada, yada. But these two, it was almost like they were brothers. Yeah, I lo- you know, and I love the bond that they shared in doing that. I love that fucking scene in Incredibles, where it's that same scene where they're sitting in the car exactly. together. Yeah, I love and that. he's talking about how, uh, I forget the villain's name, but he's like, I. so I had this interaction with the villain. Yeah. And, and I he, caught him monologuing. I caught him monologuing. <laughs> he had you know? me on a platter. Yeah, he had me on a platter. <laughs> 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 just a great and he scene. Wouldn't of, shut up. <laughs> great scene about monologuing, which is fantastic. And later, later when Syndrome has him, uh, has Mister Incredible yeah. you know, on the ropes, uh-huh. and he's sitting there talking, and he's like, "Look at you, you, you sly dog." <laughs> which I didn't even think about. That's another strong similarity between Watchmen because at the end, specifically calls it out. Yeah, yeah specifically hey, calls it out. Comic book villain. Yeah, I and pushed the button thirty five minutes ago. If there was any chance you could yeah, stop and he me. gives them a long monologue. Yep. You know, there's some. That's another fucking I similarity. Thirty five minutes. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, I, I, I got fucking goosebumps when he said that. I'm like, yeah. Oh, we have surely though. Oh, they're fucked. <laughs> I mean, it's, just, it's done. Uh, yeah, there's another you see the clock you do. ticking down. 10 another interesting similarity though. Yeah, great. All right, uh, what about you, Josh? All right, so there's a, there's a ton of duos mm. to choose Yo, from. Okay, you yeah, got man. uh, Manhattan and Silk Spectre. <laughs> you got uh, Comedian and Everyone, really. Yeah. Um, uh, Rorschach and Night Owl are a terrific duo because mm. of the on-again, off-again. Mm. You know, the, just, just the conversation. There's two of them. Um, down in Night Owl's cave where he... Um, what was he? Okay, so he, there were two moments. The first one is when he's talking to him about, you know, down here is the way you get out. And he says, yeah, I know, been here, came here a lot. Yeah, what happened what to happened us? What happened to us? You, you quit. quit. <laughs> you get the sense that there's history there. And then later on, Night Owl breaks down with Rorschach, yeah. right? And he says, you fucking live off of people, and then you bitch about, you know. Well, he was under a lot of mental strength. I think that's when a Silk Spectre uh, disappeared to Mars. And Rorschach stands up and just stands in front of him. Mm-hmm. And you get this faceless man. He's sitting here with a white but mask you, on, and but Night Owl gets it. He says, oh yeah. "I'm sorry." And then that Warshak, for the first and only time in the movie, apologizes for something. I think it's because they'd had a bond from working together. I mean, they were so if far that apart. They were like scream this. Solid relationship duo material. Mm-hmm. I don't know what does. That being said, I went with Bob and Helen Parr. <laughs> 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 from Incredibles, because the stuff that's on screen is undeniable. Um, 
<laughs> the family element. You monologue, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, seriously, though, the family element that's there. Um, the the breakdown in the relationship. The she she knows that he's off lying to her, yeah. and then you have their relationship as a superhero duo. You have the relationship as a mother father duo, and then them personally in their the romantic relationship. There's just so much going on, and the breakdowns of the relationship when he thinks that she's been shot out of the sky. And you see him just break. You see his rage pick up. I mean, that that, that shows love right there. And that's all because all of it worked. Yeah, mm-hmm. all of it worked. That family unit. It's hard. They're the they're the ones that drive it. You know. And I think that that's one thing that Brad Bird nailed with this fucking movie yeah. was that breakdown of the family unit. And those two are the leaders of it. And they they work well together on screen. I, I just thought it was great. Yeah, um, for me, Mr. Incredible and Frozone were fantastic together. I thought they were awesome. Um, but that's not what I went with. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, too. <laughs> fantastic, though. I love that pick. It's in my runner-ups, okay? Um, actually, that would have been my, my number two pick. Um, but I have to give some respect to Watchmen, all great duos. No matter who or what combination, um, I really enjoy seeing it all the chemistry the right there. Strings, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you 100%, Josh. That's who I went with, Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl. And something I really enjoyed about The Incredibles is their focus on relationship, marriage, mm-hmm. and family. And um, I was talking to Nathan for a second on Facebook, and he was going into the themes of Watchmen, which are amazing. I fucking love the themes of Watchmen. And he was pretty much, if I have to go look at the poll again, but I think he was saying that, you know, it doesn't even come close or, you know, it knocks it out of the water. What, what does Incredibles have to offer, you know, is kind of what he was getting at compared to that. And I was like, well, how about family? How about marriage and relationship? Aren't those important themes too in a movie? And I think there is a lot to unpack there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some scenes in this. Um, that that core right there of, of marriage and family and friendship is what makes this movie work for me so well. And uh, there's some scenes that you hit on that I love. And it's within that duo, you know, of, <laughs> of a family or superheroes or, or lovers, you know. And there's that one where he thought that she was going to die that you hit on, you know. And he goes, um, you're my greatest adventure. And I almost lost it. You know, I thought that was, I almost, yeah, I almost missed it. You know, and they build it so well, too, because, you know, when she finally makes it back, he's hugging Mirage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, know? I know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the, the, I don't remember what it was exactly that he said to her, but I mean, it was perfect. Yeah. I almost, I got a little teary eyed when, yeah. when he goes, You are my greatest adventure, and I almost missed it. I was it, like, That's it, fucking awesome. It conveys exactly what they intended. Yeah. It does it well. It does it powerfully. But at their wedding, too, when she's like, I love you. But you know if we're going to make this work, you're going to have to be a little bit more than just Mr. Incredible. Mm-hmm. More than Mr. Incredible. I know. Because you're going to have kids. You're going to have a family, you know. There's going to be there's going to be more to this now, you know. Uh, 15 years later, yeah. angry face on the freeway. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a, there's a scene that this duo is so powerful. I remember I was doing, because every time I watch um, anything for Versus or Marathons, I'm always taking notes on my phone, you know, and, and writing stuff down. And there was a scene that pulled me right up. And I was like, fuck, this is an animated movie. And they're getting deep. And it was the fight between um, Elastigirl and, and uh, Mr. Incredible. He has that little rubble. Yeah. He has that little rubble on his on his shoulder. She comes in and she's like, where have you been? And they, they get into an argument about, you know, being a superhero and uprooting the family again, you know, for the, what, the umpteenth time. And then um, about Dash and using his, his powers at school and how we're holding him back. And all this about just the, the, the marriage and the family unit. And I was like... Fuck man, it captures, it captures the truth of it so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and you're right. And and to take that one step further, the end of that scene when the kids show up, they, they stop just... and they say, you know, everything's fine. We're just having a discussion. Yeah. It, it, it it's so well done because that's what two responsible parents in those roles do. Is you, you 
it's okay to see that there's an argument taking place, but you understand that it's not destructive. It's supposed to be constructive, yeah. you know, and they embodied that really well in that scene when they told the kids to go back to get bed. Everything's fine. Yeah. You know, um, granted he lied to her and went off to a tropical Island after that. But dynamics. So it was great. Yeah. Great pick, man. Um, that was good. so let's get into best villain or antagonist. Uh, God, uh, runner up was uh, syndrome. Okay. You know, uh, a, a kid who, who idolized Mr. Incredible. And because he was shot down by him, you know, go away, kid, I work alone, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Became obsessed with being a villain from there on. I mean, that was his obsession. Not to not to worship the ground Mr. Incredible walked on, but to wipe out every superhero on the planet. And even his idol, Mr. Incredible. I yeah. love that. That is, that is really... I mean, that's fucking, a fucking obsession. Yeah, that, I, I do yeah. love that storyline. You become here. a genius and your whole <laughs> life is revolved around... All right, so <laughs> I have to throw this in. Uh, I, <clears throat> another similarity between Watchmen and Incredibles. Uh-oh. <laughs> here you go, Natalie. So you, have, <laughs> so you have Captain Carnage chasing around Night Owl, Silk Spectre, and Rorschach, and he gets his ass thrown down an elevator shaft, right? <laughs> Trying to be a villain. Yes. <laughs> so I just had to throw that out there. Well, uh, but the award went to who I thought, honestly, at the end of the day, no matter your take on Osmodeus or whatever, uh, I think the comedian okay. was the most evil motherfucker. And I don't even get how he was a watchman. The guy was a fucking Nazi. You know what I mean? He didn't have the shaved head. He didn't have the swastika. He wasn't going around saying, hail Hitler and I hate black people and all this shit. But the guy was a fucking Nazi. Okay. I see his character very differently. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you do. Politically, the guy was a Nazi. Okay, now let's go to Nam. What's he doing, Nam? Shoots a woman who is pregnant with his child. That's fucked up. Fucking terrible. Because a terrible person, a terrible person robs a bank. Josh, they don't shoot a pregnant woman. (laughs) That's evil, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I agree. Villainous bastard. Oh yeah, an attempted rape of one of his you know coworkers. These people that are supposed to entrust their lives to each other. She can't even bend over, (laughs) you know, without him you know trying to stick it in her. He, I, I have such a fascination with this character. I loved. The character, but it just blew my mind. This guy is evil. He's doing evil in the name of good. You know what I mean? He's out there saying, "Oh, justice! Oh, the American dream!" And he's just having a great time being evil. <clears throat> I loved that. The comedian to me is an extension of American privilege. Uh, the comedian is the idea that. We're superior so we can do what we want. Well, he is a parody of that. He takes it to the nth degree. And he literally does whatever the fuck he wants. Nothing's going to get in his way. Nothing's going to stop him. Yes, it's evil. Yes, it's terrible. It's destructive. It's it's everything that you just said. And it's villainous. But he still maintains a humanity somehow. <clears throat> and you're, you're right. Yeah, I won't argue about the humanity. The, com- but the comedian evil. is humanity. a case study. The comedian is a case study, and one that you could dig into for hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he comes across actually better in the graphic novel than he does in the movie. See, I, I really need to dig into that. I, I, I'd I, love I, to see I, that. I, I would definitely recommend that you do. I think he comes across better in the graphic novel than he does in the movie. Um, <clears throat> just for the, the reasons that... That that scene where he shoots the pregnant woman is yeah. the one that you can't step away from. In the movie, it's really prominent. Um, you know, because even though he'd almost... I thought for sure maybe he would pistol whip her or something like that. I thought 
Yeah, she slashed his face. But I mean, he just, without almost thinking about it, just blam. My Think about God. this, though. <clears throat> Think about this, though. He makes a statement at, at one point where he says, and not, none of this is defensible. None of this is in defense of the, in the comedian. <laughs> Uh, but he makes a statement uh, it, when he goes into Moloch's room where he says, like, I've done some terrible shit. I've killed women. I've killed I've killed kids. But that was different. That was war. That's a sick fucking justification, but it's the one that he sells to himself. Yeah. He was in Vietnam. <clears throat> as far as he's concerned, because he's fucking crazy, that's a, the entire country was a battlefield for him. And he killed that woman in front of who? Dr. Manhattan. Who has what? <laughs> A detachment from humanity. No conscience. Nobody no. fucking knows he even did that, but Manhattan. Yeah. And Manhattan, when he steps away from that that scene, it's it's distancing itself from him. You know, it becomes <clears throat> something. That, I mean, he he remembers it. He reflects on it when the comedian dies. What do you say? How like, much time? Hey, do you if think I remember, he, spent? So he even tried to blame it on Manhattan, didn't he? Like, well, you could have stopped did. it. You could have. You could have took the bullet, bullet you know, turn, turn it into shaker or something. Yeah. Yeah. Turn the bottle into snow or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, snowflakes. Yeah, he does, and he says like. You're, you're drifting out of touch, Doc. And he pushes it off like it's no big fucking deal. <laughs> Turns around and yells for a medic. Medic, yeah. For him, that was a battlefield scenario. And that's a, not a justification for it. But that's just one of those dynamics of his character that makes mm -hmm. him really interesting. And he fucking shot JFK in the beginning. Yeah, I forgot about that. There's that quick little... He does whatever is asked of him to do in the name of... Furthering the American dream, the ideal, the, the, the you know, the growth of society. It's it's a fascinating concept, but definitely terrible. So respectable. Yeah. <laughs> Understood. All right, where'd you go with Josh? Uh, I went with Osmandius um, because he is the antithesis of Rorschach. He's the opposite end of the spectrum, and mm -hmm. you, you, it's almost like he drives the entire story of the Watchmen. Um, just. The questions that rise out of his actions and the things that he does are, it's clearly for the greater good, but was it the right thing to do? Uh, I love the conversation that the ending of The Watchmen generates, and it can't be had without Ozymandias being willing to say, like, this, and it goes back to when the comedian set the map on fire and says, Ozymandias here is going to be the smartest man on the cinder. <clears throat> That was the moment that I feel that Osmandius realized all of this is for nothing. Everything that we do as the Watchmen is irrelevant because people are going to continue to be yeah, terrible. He said, uh, I think the comedian even said, we've been trying to kill ourselves since time began. What makes you think we're going to stop now? Exactly. And and it's it, the smartest man in the world was given that revelation by the comedian because the comedian was so cynical that it made him snap and realize that justice is a joke. Everybody realizes at one time or another that something is a joke, and the comedian is right there to help them deliver them to that realization. And that was Ozymandias' snapping point, and he decided, I can't save humanity without changing humanity. Valid point, but when you manufacture the murder of millions of people to do it, did you save humanity, or did you bastardize it did you make it something you didn't save it you literally destroyed it you mutated it and and <laughs> mutated it into something else that's awesome that's the fucking that's villainy right there in my opinion i'm so torn on that i watched that I I watched, and I that's a fair for, that's a fair position and, and he does he makes such a good case for it. he does he really but does. at the same time i can't and this is going to sound very unlike me 
I think he doesn't enter in the human factor of hope. Exactly. You know what I mean? I think mankind. You, that, that's will exactly, and that's have where hope. I am with Rorschach. And that's he, where Nasmodeus just he tossed that you know equation, so to speak, out of it. And and the, to his credit, as a villain, in yeah. my opinion, he had to make himself the villain to generate good, mm-hmm. right? So I, I think it's a firm acknowledgement that he is he is definitely a villain. But he had to generate that in himself. Yeah. He and he did. had to do it in secret because he knew that even his closest allies would not support him. So he had to trick them all. And he had to put them in a position where he had succeeded so that they would say, you bastard. Yeah. You just murdered millions of people. But I know that what is now done is a good thing. Mm-hmm. You murdering all these people was bad. But what is here is good, and I'm not going to sacrifice that. The only one that wouldn't compromise and who believed in human hope that we may not push those buttons and make those bombs fly was Rorschach, Rorschach. which yep. is why I put him a rung above. Yep. I, I am right, wrong, and different. I am of the mind that we should be allowed to choose our own path. Yes. Which is why I ally myself with Rorschach. Because if somebody murders my entire family because they were on vacation in New York when I was chilling somewhere out, you know, in the Midwest in the breadbasket. <clears throat> They're all dead. Fuck that guy because mm-hmm. he didn't let us make a choice. And I, I, I can... But see, I think... We'll talk about this more in depth later, but I think Rorschach, he pretty much... I think he, at the end of the day, he lines up with Ozzy Mendez because he could have walked away... And, and tried to get back to America to tell that the truth, you know? But what's he tell? He begs Dr. Manhattan to kill him. He walked because... out of there knowing he was dead. I don't oh, know. Yeah. They I all know. knew it. They, I, they no, all no. knew it. Because I don't think even so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Rorschach's going to be Absolutely. dead. No, because that look on his he face, He was though. willing to march to his death. No, 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 no. I think this is what I... This Standing is, for what he believes This is what in. I get out of it, dude. Rorschach is... Uh, and this is going to get into one of my other categories, but I think Rorschach <laughs> is such a black and white character. He is. Okay? Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. he's he's dealt this very gray reality, okay? And he knows if he makes it back to America and he tells what happens, it could trigger World War III, but it's against his character. He has, If he gets there, he, he will tell the truth. And he looks at Dr. Manhattan, I think, and he was like, fuck, dude. If I get there, I will say it, and we will trigger this World War III fucking kill me because he doesn't want to have to deal I think it's with nice it. that you pull that from it uh, I don't I don't get that same impression I, I I don't think it's even about World War three it's not he's not going back to tell people hey go back to having your war he's going back to tell people everything you believe is a lie yeah you've been duped I, no, I, you, yeah. I think that he he would have to tell that he would have to project that because of who he is as a just because of his 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 character's DNA he would have to present that case, and I think that he, when he asked like um, Manhattan, he like kill me, you know, because he knows if he makes it back, I think that will trigger something. I think that he doesn't know what to do in that fight. And the case. reason I'm going to tell you that I think that that's not the case is that he went to Antarctica knowing he might not be coming back. Uh-huh. And he dropped off his journal at the New Frontier exactly for he knew that it. reason. He wanted that story out. Regardless, he wanted the truth to be told because truth and justice is what he believes in. Even if that justice is ugly, which he's willing to dole out. And even if it's going to cost him his life. Well, we even talked about this moral compass, though. When you're so black and white and you are dealt with a gray reality, you know, this is the grayest as it gets. How do you confront that? It would totally throw your character. The only way he knows how. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. And that, the truth. I think that he knows the consequences of telling that truth. He doesn't know what I think, that will be. I, I think it's very complicated. Yeah, it he, he sees... 
he sees Woo! the truth in things. I know, and it's it, that's that's the. I knew this was going to be a good story. talk, man. <laughs> he sees the truth in things, right? Um, he he sees how ugly the world is, but yet he's still fighting for it yeah. because he has some simple ideals that he believes in, and he will not compromise mm-hmm. on them. And Dan is standing there in uh, in that temple, right? Ozymandias and Doctor Manhattan make eye contact, and Dan says. Don't you even think about it. He knows what's in their mind. He knows that Rorschach's not going to back, back down. No. Osmandius knows he's not going to back down. Manhattan knows what's at stake. And it's not about <clears throat> doling out justice against Osmandius and, and showing the world what he's done. It's about preserving the future that his villainy has now created. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they're willing to weigh the greater good against Rorschach's dedication to the truth. Yep. That is some heavy yeah. fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> and all of that is because of Ozymandias. There is no other answer to best villain, in my opinion. Yeah. All right, that's, yeah. deep. that's a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get to my, my runner-ups real quick, but I want to ask a question real quick. Do you think that uh, the comedian, right? Because you picked comedian for villain, right? Oh, yeah. Do you think uh, Charleston Heston... Planet of the Apes, that character there. You think he would get along with the fucking comedian? You know, I think he would. <laughs> Do you think so? I, th- I think they would smoke cigars and drink beer together. I, I don't really know. I'd have to re- revisit. He's that. a fucking cynic, man. Like he's he's got a very he's nihilistic worldview. Like does. you know, fuck you know, like look what you fucking did to us. Like yeah. I think that's why he pretty much took the mission. You know, he, he's kind of like, yeah, we're all gonna die anyway, so fuck it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 really I just I was thinking about that when I was watching the watch. That, that's a just, good. You know, that's a good observation. Um, but I want to talk a little bit more about oh, my runner-up, which is Syndrome. I don't think we gave him enough praise because I'm even when you talked about Syndrome, you didn't talk about like he lured you know all the people that were at bob's and helen's wedding those were the old school like um, yeah, they're gone <laughs> well, those were the other superheroes right there um that was just a little easter egg that i was looking up but uh those were the other superheroes all of them are fucking dead when he looks them up on the computer mm-hmm. like dynaman or dynamite or whatever his name is yeah, and have, yeah exactly all of them are dead and uh it's because of um syndrome luring all of them to the island and fucking killing them okay and at the end um, having some this, sinister shit. Yeah, there's some yeah, sinister stuff. And then you look at Operation Kronos. Like, I got into a little bit deeper with that, and the Titan Kronos eats all of his children so he can remain the only king. All right? I found that there, and that goes right along with his character where Syndrome murders all the supers so he can be the only super. So he can fight the droid and the, the yeah, droid and the Yeah, exactly. He can be the good guy. He can be king. <laughs> but and the other thing uh, to throw in there is the, the next step in his plan is not for him to be king. But it's to become king so that people respect him, so he can sell them shit and make everyone equal. Yeah, and yeah, but it would still make him even richer and still king. And the plot of that, the meat of that, is all based off of a lie, mm-hmm. you know? So there's mm-hmm. so much there that you can, you know, relate back to, not even with just the mythology of, you know, Kronos and then um, um, Ozymandias' um, love of, you know, Alexander the Great, you know? So there's just a lot there that you can take. Um, but also, um, the Omnidroid, you know how he, his plan is to defeat this Omnidroid in public and show everybody that, uh, you know, that he's, he's, he's super and then he can sell some of his tech to everybody? What is wrong with that plan? Because he wants everybody to be power powerful, not just the fucking supers. He wants to, to dilute the pool, yeah. Uh-huh. He wants to bring everybody up to the same level, uh, basically embracing the idea of mediocrity yeah. by making everybody equal. It's a weird concept, but that's what we—that's kind of like the world we live in, though, right? Where we want everyone to have iPhones, we want everybody mm-hmm. to have the, the new computers and the technology. We want everybody on this level playing field, you know. So his end game here, where I mean, it would suck real bad to live in this world where you have a fucking guy who can lift a train, 
You know, or you can he can fucking well, see. That's one thing I thought of when he said, "I'm going to sell all this technology." I thought, "My God, people would wipe each other out." Uh, <laughs> well, that's true I mean, too. That's true too. World War Three. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what it would end. You know, with and but, I, but personal one on one grudge matches fought with. Uh, that uh, zero technology oh, or whatever yeah. he's got. Can you imagine that? Should he be flying around in the yeah. God knows yeah. what? But the, the the core of that idea from this mental character, you know, like, the core of that, I mean, if I was living in a world where you have a Superman, okay, a fucking god, okay, this alien, wouldn't you want that same kind of power, good or bad, you know, there's good people that would want that power, you know, just so they can be on that same, you know, playing field. So I don't, I think there's some... A little bit of truth and honesty to wanting everybody to to have those kind of powers and to be super. It would suck not to be super in a superhuman world. More faith in humanity than I do. No, yeah. I, I think that's exactly where it would go. It would definitely go to the fucking doomsday hour with syndrome. <laughs> you but, know, I, I could go over there and punch my neighbor in the face, but fuck him. I'm going to blow the whole house up. You yeah. know what I mean? They would do it. There's just too much evil in the world and too much temptation. Yeah, for sure. But, but I think I thought he was a pretty interesting character. I will oh, yeah. say, um, I don't like his design at all. I don't like his look as Syndrome, with the with the fucking red hair going really? up. So yeah, I just I, that was one thing that took me out of just his his overall design. I think he's supposed to look goofy though. He's yeah, not, yeah. He's, he, he's he's not still a that real kid. superhero. Yeah, you know, exactly. He, he's so yeah. <clears throat> just something I to say because at that moment when that that traumatized him, caused him his obsession, he was a child with child thoughts, and I think hear... he stayed that way. And did anybody here get the impression that Mirage was like kind of into him uh, up right up until? He basically told her, oh, "Fucking break her back. Fuck yeah. that shit. What happened to Mirage? She just kind of disappeared." <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Why her name is Mirage? Oh, go there, you know. For Incredibles two, I kind of want her to be the one that leads the super. You know, from from home base, uh-huh. talks to them about what's going on. Basically, the one on the radio and working with. Uh, Mr. Incredible and and his family. I think that'd be fucking cool because she uh, and Elastic Girl kind of be a little leery of her, you know. <laughs> well, I suppose it's possible. <laughs> My best villain, okay, or in this case, because an antagonist can be your villain, but it's something someone who also antagonizes your characters. And I'm not convinced he's a villain. All right, but it's uh, Ozymandias, you know, where I, I don't think he's a villain, but he. He, he definitely is a bad guy. I mean, he killed the fucking comedian, okay? He manipulated Dr. Manhattan, which I love that scene, you know? Yeah. This fucking god that you can, knows everything, can be in multiple places at once, the smartest man in the world, because he even says, like, you know, you might be the smartest man in the world, but to me, you're you might, no like, the smallest, a, smartest, smartest man in the world. Poses no more threat to me than the world's smartest term. Wrong. <laughs> you know, like, he just <laughs> fucking manipulated. I love that. I think it's so smart. Mm-hmm. You know, the human did that, you know? Uh, but he manip- manipulated Dr. Manhattan, um, and then he stopped World War Three, but by killing, you know, millions. millions of fucking people. So, do you agree? I want to throw it out. Where's your moral Highest comp- kill count in any Fuck. verses ever. <laughs> <laughs> right? Goes to. <laughs> that weird Egyptian But yeah, guy. I, I don't know. My moral compass is all over the place on this. because I, I can see, I do agree that you do need that that hope and you need to give hope a chance. Okay? The, but the, when you have World War fucking three and missiles coming to, to you, yourself, do you want to give hope a chance? <laughs> exactly. But the question, we've been in that situation yeah, you before. Know, I, let the dice fall what, what is? I mean, really. When you, when you look at alternate history uh, stories, it's looking at the opposite side of if this pivotal moment had gone differently. That's what the Watchmen's doing. It is looking at the Cold War 
and getting us right there where we were going to press the buttons. We've fucking been there. Yeah. And we're still here. We came out the yeah, other side. True. Humanity found a way to do it. Although I think if there, Nixon had really ran and got elected five times, I don't think that really would have happened. <laughs> right. Well, but, but That's a bleak fucking universe. <laughs> but did Nixon, in that movie, the, the, just the version of him that you saw, did he look like he wanted to fire the nukes? No, I don't think he did. We don't get any, any time with the Russian president at all, but... That question remains. Would we have been willing and able to do it? This world presents such a grim reality that you're led to believe that we would. But I am poised to believe in human perseverance, hope, the good that is there, standing above all that shit. Ozymandias gave up on that. I will say, let's put all your chips on the table, though. It is, sure. But at, at the end of the day... If we're all going to to get to that point, I I'm willing to say I don't think we deserve to fucking be around, you know. And I think that's the the position that uh, Doctor Manhattan pretty much gets to is you know uh, I think the the uh, the presence of life is overrated. Yeah. <laughs> he fucking says that, and it it is when we take for granted everything we have a reason to be here for, which is what I think that that dialogue between. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Silk Spectre and, and Manhattan on Mars was all about, which is one of my favorite fucking things in the entire thing. But regardless, I believe in that hope. And when you make that decision, you take that side, you know where you stand as far as Ozymandias' decisions. Do you believe that we could have come out the other side of it? Or do you believe that we're so worthless yeah. that we have to be manipulated and, into being... And my moral compass is so all over the place. All I can say here is that he sure did antagonize people. (laughs) (laughs) You got that goddamn right. (laughs) Especially Rorschach. So uh, (laughs) antagonized him all over the fucking snow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was Manhattan. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) But no, I, I, yeah, that's where I went with. But um, I thought that was a pretty, uh, pretty shit thing to do. (laughs) But no, it's it's very complicated, and that's what I love about Watchmen, though. And that's where I think it gets better with repeat repeat viewings. I remember uh, when you first, uh, when we first started talking about this movie when it first came out, I didn't really care for it. And this was before Zack Snyder was a thing, you know. Uh, Was this before Dawn of the Dead? I can't remember. Oh no, Dawn of the Dead was his first. Okay. Was it? No, yeah, I think no, it was. Yeah, I think I think he Donald might be Dead right. Was his first movie? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. And I remember, I was like, I'm not a fan of Dawn of the Dead at all. I can't because it was Dawn of the Dead, and then he no. did 300. Yeah, and I like 300. So he yeah, was I didn't at like that, 300. He, at, he was a bad name to me from the beginning. At this until. point, I do not like Zack Snyder, but at the beginning with those three movies, he had a good, he had a decent track record for me because I liked. Um, I did not like Dawn of the Dead. I actually loathe that movie, mm. and then I really do like 300. You at one point called Zack Snyder the uh, man's the, man movie maker. Uh, I think that was probably for three hundred. For three hundred, yeah. yeah. And then uh, Watchmen just kind of confused me. I don't think I was uh, mature enough or ready for Watchmen <clears throat> because now I was like, you know, I, I did, that was like what two thousand nine, okay, yes. two thousand nine. I was definitely so fucking mature in two thousand nine, but. <laughs> no, 2009. Oh, I mean, that's Christ. fucking man. You know, that's uh, what seven years ago? That's, that's eight years ago. Okay, eight years ago. My bad. <laughs> Fuck my math. But um, eight years ago, I don't know. A lot has changed from my perceptions of movies. You know, um, for from eight years ago. <clears throat> you know what's changed the most though is your understanding of the story of the Watchmen. Uh, I think that anybody who goes into this with a healthy understanding of the story of Watchmen gets more out of it, mm-hmm. and I think that that screams at me because it is such a well-done adaptation. You know those elements and those those bullet points from the story 
carry over. Yeah. And it's it's a dry movie. It is a drama. It is not an action. You know, it is it is a character study. Yeah. With a beginning and an end, and it is bleak and it is not welcoming. It, it you know, <laughs> yeah. it is all those things that everyone got when they watched it and they said, What the fuck am I watching? But it's a year after Iron Man has yeah. come out. I'm expecting to watch a superhero movie, and what I get is a bunch of fucking murder, blood, death, dark alleys, and a story genocide. that has no fucking hope. Genocide, murder, yeah. And just like Brad Bird. Philosophy. And just like Brad Bird, I had no idea about The Watchmen. You know, graphic novel. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even know it existed. Who's The Watchmen? <laughs> who, who, who are those guys? But no, I... Uh, yeah, Who's the I, greatest cynic in this movie? Oh, the comedian. Ozymandias. See, I would have went with the comedian. Comedian cried. He broke yeah, down. Yeah, he did. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Because <laughs> it was a step too far. He's mm. murdered. He's killed. He's done all these things. Yeah, that list. And he went on Ozzie about that. fucking gave up. Humanity is yeah. worthless. You know I what? have to form it to my vision so that they will understand how and you to know what, though? how to keep themselves I Actually, I'm going to go back. I'm going to back up my statement where I said I don't think I was mature enough because in 2007 is when I started creating top 10, top 10 lists. Because um, I used to buy, remember Wayne, dude, I would yeah. go out to the stores and I would buy every fucking movie that came out. I didn't care what it was. I wanted to build up my movie collection. I hear people say that now. I'm like, man, I really wish you would just save some money, man. Pump the brakes. Because ever since I started doing my top 10 list in 2007, that was two years pr- uh, prior to Watchmen. At that point, I was still all over the board and, and you know, and like what I wanted. You know, I had this huge buffet of movies. I'd buy, 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 t- take, take in, take in, take in. And now... I only buy fucking eight movies a year, seven movies a year because of my top ten list. It's kind of really helped me see what I want from movies. This was 2009. I didn't even know what I wanted. I was still working on knowing myself as a video lander, if you would, you know. So um, I don't think I was ready because every time I watch Watchmen now, I see how there's some really unique stuff going on. There's some really cool character buildings, great characters, duos, and all kinds of stuff going on. Themes that I can really sink my teeth into now Which that it's been fucking eight years later. Not a credit to Zack Snyder. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, we, I'm, we have to be honest. With yeah, you. I, will, I will say no because I think that he tapped into. I think this is the probably the best version of Watchmen that we will ever probably get. It is literally, yeah. Uh, I don't think that even if they they sat down and tried again, that yep. they could get close to to what he did, but. That is a credit to him being able to take an existing panel-for-panel adaptation of a graphic novel, using it as a storyboard, and don't fuck with it, (laughs) and it'll turn out... (laughs) You know what? He did fuck with it, and I think it makes something better than the The original. writers fucked with it. Yeah? But he approved, and he had so much creative control But that story was written back in the 90s. Those guys had written that story back in the 90s. And it was... I read this today, But he changed something, which we'll get into with the ending... He changed something to the ending that I think works better than their fucking story, The Watchmen, with Alan Moore. We'll get to that later then if you're okay. planning on bringing that yeah. up because I think uh, we probably have forgotten what category we're yeah, Okay, on. so uh, where do we that hero? Uh, this, it's our fifth category. Uh, I'm just going to jump right into this and, you know, fuck it. Uh, mine went to The Incredibles, Mr. Incredible. Okay. Uh, Why? Far by far, The Watchmen had the best characters. Mm-hmm. Everything was so deep, so complex. I, I watched The Watchmen first. Okay. And then I watched The Incredibles. And he was just, even more so than Night Owl, Mr. Incredible was a classic good guy, but he was so fucking human. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, lying to his wife, trying to relive the mm-hmm. glory days, yeah. working this uh, you know, insurance job. 
you know, getting exhausted, like, oh, my God, even the kids, you know what I mean? Loving his family and stuff, but just like, oh, you know, and that that's not superhero. That is fucking human. It, it's simple. It's basic. And, and for that, I, I loved him as a hero just because I knew he lived that that life. You know, some of the, the Watchmen, they didn't. You've got millionaires. You've got guys working for the government. You know, you've got guys that are just fucking crazy and going where God knows where. Yeah. And then you got Mr. Incredible, a family man, a uh, nine-to-five worker. I like that. I think that's doing good. That. And that's that's why I chose him. Yeah, I think that's good. Very, so you very... want to say the best characters in Watchmen? I won't argue one bit. Yeah. But I think, I, you I know, I mean, I mean, if you break it down, I mean, that's that's not wrong. I mean, he is a fucking classic hero. Yeah. You know, he's a classic hero type, and he does it well. So I'm, I can I can see that. that. That's why I chose him. Okay. Um, so I've already kind of covered Mr. Incredible and the duo thing. I think that if I were to pick him as best hero, it would tap into a lot of what I already said about his role in the family and, and you know, leading with... Uh, with Elastigirl, with with uh, Helen Parr. <clears throat> so I'm going to go a different route, and I'm going to go ahead and pick the only redeemable fucking character in Watchmen, and I'm going to go with Night Owl because I haven't given him, okay. him, him any love myself yet. He was my second choice. He's and, 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 and uh, Mr. Incredible was my second choice. All right, all right. I just went the other way because <clears throat> for the same reasons. Honestly, they're very similar they in are. that way. <clears throat> they're human, down-to-earth, mm-hmm. um, trying to follow the rules, uh, doesn't necessarily sit with him well. I mean, you can tell he misses it. Um, yeah, especially when he talks to Rorschach. And, and he's like, he's a good guy. He he doesn't really make any wrong decisions, terrible decisions. Uh, the only th- the only time you see him really induce any mayhem is in the alley scene where he fucking breaks a guy's arm and basically gives him a compound fracture. And yeah, out the fucking- I think he just he was with the Silk Spectre too, and you know they were talking about the good old days. And he's like, I just want to kick some ass. And, and that and may that have was been a human it. quality. That, that may have been it. I also think that it was just uh, that's what they do. They fight bad guys. If you put yourself in our way, you're gonna, <laughs> you know you're gonna fucking get hit, and yeah. we're not gonna pull any punches. I think peak physical condition, and there's a, there's a little bit that goes into that. Um, one of the merits of the graphic novel was the fragility of the heroes on display. They weren't super. You know, they're, yeah. they're real people, and there's real risk there. Dollar Bill gets his uh, his cape caught in a, a revolving door and gets gunned down. You fucking die. Uh, Silhouette Mothman gets went. murdered. Mm-hmm. You know, Mothman gets committed. Uh, they're human. They're, 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 a little bit of that was in the movie. Uh, I think it's, again, I think that's better in the graphic novel, better displayed. But we get it said out loud, you know. Uh, Hollis Mason says that when, when uh, Dr. Manhattan comes in it's the dawn of the superhero they're masked heroes masked mm-hmm. vigilantes before that when manhattan shows up that's fucking superman you know that yeah, uh, gods are coming god <laughs> exists and he is american you know yeah. <laughs> um but night owl is the human element mm-hmm. uh, of it and i went with him over mr incredible only because i've already covered mr incredible uh, really it was a toss-up between those two I didn't actually. I, I still don't have anything written down on this paper. <laughs> you I made that down because I got to I made that computer. decision. I made that decision right now. Write <laughs> <So>. that down. <laughs> right now, goddammit. All right. What so, was it? What did I say? <laughs> I went with. Uh, so, runner up, real quick. I do like what you. I mean, there's a lot of people like, well, Mr. Incredible, what the fuck? I mean, yeah, he's your classic hero, you know, type. I mean, he, there's there's a lot to love about him. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a family man. He's. You know, loves his kids. He's out there doing. His depression is literally that he can't be. Out he can't there be out there people. doing his things. Yeah, exactly. And uh, there's a person that I want to give some love to that is out there day and night doing shit when he's not supposed to, 
and that's Rorschach. Really? Yeah. As a hero? No, check this out. He's the only... Uh, well, protagonist. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to align him with protagonist. protagonist. Okay, yeah. 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 Exactly, protagonist. But no, you know what? He's sure. the only one out there working outside of the government. You know, you have a comedian True. and you have... Um, Dr. Manhattan, who worked for the government, you know, fucking Night Owl, he's not doing anything. You know, he's fucking retired. Yeah, he was you know? what happened to us? You quit. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Rorschach's probably not funded by shit. And I can't no, imagine well, look, him working I mean, a job. He didn't know that was the fucking guy. Yeah, he's funded by Night Owl. He, he, <laughs> he breaks in and he, he just steals his beans. <laughs> but, I stole your beans, but buddy. No, think about this, man. He's uh, He's out there day and night. Doing his thing. I mean, he didn't know that was the fucking comedian that got launched through the window. He's investigating a murder, and then he finds yeah. out that it's the fucking comedian. Um, that girl, you know, he's out there doing his job, putting the pieces to the puzzle. You know, um, if it wasn't for and him, I firmly believe that that uh, <clears throat> tracking down that kidnap victim happened after they were banned. Yeah. Because the Watchmen meeting was near yeah, the, the end. The Keen the, Act, the Keen yeah. Act was passed, you know, way before the beginning of that movie. You know, um, what, what would you say? Oh, no. Fifth? Because it happened when uh, well, they talked about and Archie were in, yeah, he jumped in out of the riots. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but how long ago was that? I think there was, like, there was some time. It's hard to say. I, think there was, I felt like there was time passed. I feel like a few years at least. No, no, no. Look, look at Comedian. I mean, he's fucking old, you know, when he's up there still, you know, like, thrown out of his apartment. I thought it was like 10 years at least. Like, Probably. Look at the really? age. Look at the aging on him when he's, because they actually did aged makeup on him. He looked mm-hmm. old. Yeah, he did have that white Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I thought that law had been in effect for a while. That's what I'm saying. The Keen Act. And so, with with uh, Rorschach, he's the only one out there stopping these fucking child murderers. You know, everyone else is quitting. And, and he realizes that the Keen Act has been passed. I'm out here. I'm doing what needs to be done. In his viewpoint, and he finds this little girl. She's been looks like eaten and burned by oh, this God, guy. Yeah, the Possibly on raped. The wall, you know? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, the shackles on the what, table like that for a reason. And that that, that's bad. the turning point for Rorschach. That is the moment. And if there's he, no one I mean, out there cleaning up that mess. You know, mm-hmm. fucking, you know, you need that guy. You know, he might be twisted and kind of fucked up and might be doing things outside the, the law, but he's the only mass vigilante. I felt that's bad doing stuff outside right of the government. That. I felt like he was trying to shovel a walk while it was still snowing. Yeah. And he's the only one out there doing it. You, you know? are you are labeling this protagonist. Protagonist, true, right? yeah. But you know what? <laughs> but then, it, no, it depends how you look at it, too. Because, again, I put in my notes here, I go, it depends on your moral compass again. Because I look at him, and I'll just hit on this briefly because we already talked about it, but um, I look at him standing in that snow. As this, as this black and white character dealt with this gray reality. Fucking so good. But I look at him, I don't see him being like, just, I knew I was going to die. I don't think he, I, I've never read all of like the, the graphic novel up to that point. You know, I haven't read that far. I've, I've read probably three quarters of it. And uh, I like it, just one of those things I just need to fucking finish. Yeah. Um, but, um, I, so I don't know how that's presented in the book, but in, in the movie, my only dose of this, I feel that he's out there. I feel like he went to Antarctica where he could actually either solve the problem like he always does or, you know, um, or stop it. Because he, when he's out in the snow, it's not like, a, oh, fuck, God, just kill me. He looks at him, he takes off that mask, he's like, fucking kill me because man can you imagine this black and white character dealt with such a gray reality that yeah he could go back and if he does he doesn't know what the fuck to do in this case i think that it's I really think he knows exactly what he wants to do i think i think it's he's demanding manhattan kill him because if he gets there it's in his character it's his fucking dna that he's gonna fucking squill he's gonna say something but is that right it's not is that wrong and just it's the truth it's the yeah. truth but no but then i think that he is represented or i think he is presented the same question that i am like 
is it right? Is it wrong? Because I don't know. I, I'm all no, over the place. I think he knew it was wrong. I don't, no, I don't think so. Because he's so black and white when he fucking hears all of this. He hears Dr. Manhattan and he hears everything that went on. I he think, says, he tells you right in the end. Yeah. The people have no a choice. No compromise. Yes. Even in the face of exactly. Armageddon. That's the difference exactly. between me, Dan. Exactly. But I think with him standing in the snow, there is no compromise for him. He will go back and he, he, will, will. he will fucking say, but is it right? He doesn't know. Like yes, there, it is. I said, no. I There's no compromise. Okay, I, maybe I'm not explaining Ozymandias right. specifically became everything they had spent their entire career yeah. fighting. He became it. And it doesn't change just because... But what if? Just because... But what if? The world has been tricked yeah. into believing something that's not true. But what if such a black and white character has dealt with this gray reality where he's like... I will go back and I will say, I will See, to him it's not a great reality. I'm not going to take that from you. No, no, no. Me, that's the beauty of art. Yeah. But <laughs> I, you can pull that out. But of I, that think, and I, think that's I think that he knows, just like, because I think they know that when we're watching this as video landers, that we are going to be presented with this this moral, you know, kind of balance, this moral trick that we got to figure out. And I think with him, where there is no compromise in the, in this, the, in the, what was that quote? There's no compromise in the. And that's the difference between you and me, Dan. No compromise even in the face of our Yeah. Friend. What happens if he does go back and he does say that, and it does trigger World War Three? That has to be something that's going through his head because he is a hero. He's if, willing to do it. Yeah, it, I don't exactly. think he cares that he would trigger World War Three. I would like to. Like, can you look up Wikipedia? I'm curious how they explain the end of that. Uh, do they? I wonder if they if they explain it because it's not in my notes. But I'm curious how they explain the end there. We won't rest on that too much. But I think I really do think that he is like fucking calling Doctor Manhattan to fucking kill him so he does not go. So he does not make it I, back. I, I, I think he's 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 telling him to do it because he knows that he's not going to make it. Back. I mean, think about it. He, he's walking out the doors uh-huh. of a, a a pyramid built in Antarctica, and he doesn't know how to fly Archie. <laughs> he knows he's not fucking making yeah. it back. <laughs> but he's he's telling Manhattan, "I am going to go back. You might as well just do it." Uh-huh. That is that is Rorschach's. But, but yeah, but see, he doesn't say it like that. There is fucking grief there because I think that the way that he's making that sound there is... Uh, that grief? God damn, if I do go back, you know, if I do not compromise, you know, I, I that's what I'm going to do. But fuck, what if? And I think if his character being so black and white, this has to be the gr- most greatest thing he's ever had to deal with. I think just like it fucks with me... I think it has to fuck with him in that moment too, because everything else. In that I movie, think he is black and white enough, yeah. and the purest version of a black and white character character that exists. That there's no way that I can agree with you on. But that. as a hero, maybe you could trigger World War Three, and a hero does not want to do that. Why would a you know? I, I don't. Know, I think there's a lot to chew on there. There is, yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah. and that's how do they how do they say it? So although his allies realized that revealing the truth would only disrupt this new peace, okay, check this out. <laughs> Although his allies realize that revealing the truth would only disrupt this new peace, Rorschach refuses to compromise and attempts to return to America to expose um, Ozymandias. Manhattan intervenes, and Rorschach demands that Manhattan kill him to keep him from revealing the truth. I disagree. Yeah? I, I, I get something completely different. Manhattan I, complies. I don't kill, think he does Killing him it. so he won't tell the truth. So he's asking him to fucking kill me so I don't have... <laughs> To fucking cause World War Three, and that is no. goddamn awesome. <laughs> it's a wonderful oh. sentiment. It's a wonderful sentiment. It really oh. comes down to what you gotta, believe. Rorschach I just is. got it hard on. Oh, Jesus Christ! Look at the size. I, of that. I think that's badass. So, sacrificing himself not to cause Armageddon gets me excited. 
<laughs> but also to preserve his his uh, his ideals to yeah. never compromise. Um, maybe you're right. I don't know. I think that's a that's a wonderful way to look at it. And it could go either way. And yeah. regardless, it's still a powerful ending. Yeah, it is. I love it. So um, let's get into best kill. Uh, we knew this was going to be a long one, oh, guys. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, I was ready. <laughs> and it's episode 200. Exactly. We deserve this. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, right, best, best kill. Oh, my God. I haven't picked one yet. Uh, oh, I wrote I... down all, like, fucking 15 million of them. <laughs> uh, there were so goddamn many. I, again, I went with The Incredibles. Syndrome getting his cape. Caught in the fucking propeller. That's nice. <laughs> you know, I love it because I mean, after all this shit that's happened, what's he doing? He's fucking monologuing. Yep, he's distracted. Oh, so good. His cape gets caught in the thing. He gets shredded and blown up simultaneously, and it's just beautiful. And that's a dark moment for a, what is, for the most part, yeah, a, a light-hearted family yeah, movie. Yeah, it fucking is. He but doesn't come back from that beat. shit. Yeah, no, he, there's no he's way. He's kidnapping a child. In yeah. the process, he's got to be like, I'm going to steal your baby. I'm going to raise it as my wife. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and to me, I, I love, there's a lot of great kills, but I, I, I felt that syndrome, that was it. Yeah, let, let me talk about that real quick. That's my runner-up, okay? Um, I love it. It's, uh, yeah, Jack-Jack, you finally get to see what his power is. Yeah. He goes ape shit on Syndrome. Yeah, he okay? goes fucking Fantastic Four, turns yeah. into a fire. And a He's Bob, a shapeshifter. Bob throws into a little demon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a metal thing. Bo- <laughs> Mr. Incredible throws a fucking car, okay, into the propeller, okay, which causes his fucking cape, which they warned us, okay? Several times. Yeah, and then he fucking just, yeah, it's awesome. The, the cape kill. And it's, that's it's the awesome. thing. It spent so much time on that fucking cape thing. Yeah. And, 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 and Watchmen starts with the death of a superhero. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's before uh, a masked hero mm-hmm. stuck in a revolving door because of his cape. Yeah. And he got shot. Well, by I hate to break this. All oh, the similarities. Who was the guy that had the, like, the noose around his neck that stopped the comedian from raping Silk Spectre? Hood of Justice. I like his voice. Hood of Justice. Okay, thank you. I, I thought that's who it was, but it's like, uh, there wasn't a lot of detailed information in there. Yeah, Hood of like... Justice didn't come up a lot in the, uh, in the movie. Okay, he was, yeah. He was kind of a footnote. Um, which is actually consequently why there's special features on the disc that cover the story of Hooded Justice because he actually dies uh, in the graphic novel like off camera so to speak uh, and I don't think I don't remember if he's murdered or if they, he just disappears I think he just disappears it's been a while and we, we talked about the stakes in Incredibles how it is dark like you know there's something Josh touched on that's why I think it's for for children and adults alike. Yeah, the henchmen, the villain, and incredible Pixar does well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah are did. willing to use deadly force against any of the characters, which I think raises the stakes a little bit. So, all right, what do you got, Josh? Um, so Syndrome is literally the only kill in that movie that I can reference, in Incredibles that I can reference. Well, I don't know. The yeah. ending doesn't show it. But a lot of fucking people had to die when the enemy <laughs> was there. Somebody was flying that fucking plane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but there's a lot of off-screen deaths in Incredibles. A fucking all lot. Deaths, all deaths in that movie are consumed in fire. <laughs> Which, consequently, uh, explosions were a new thing for Pixar. They had never done them. So that was... Really? So yeah. That didn't even occur to me. That movie pushed a lot of boundaries. I'll get into that later with uh, one of my awards. But um, basically a bunch of fucking people crashed planes and blew up. Um, the guys that, uh, Mr. Incredible may have thrown the fucking, uh, rail car thing at, yeah. <laughs> fucking just, they may have died, and <laughs> yeah. I might be able to, to note that one, but 
For the most part, Syndrome's the only one in that movie that has a credible death. Watchmen, however. <laughs> <laughs> like every ten seconds, somebody gets fucked. <laughs> so I'm just going to go through the list I've got here real quick. Uh, Dollar Bill gets gunned down with his cape stuck in the door. Uh, Similarity. The comedian kills JFK. Good shit. Uh, Ozymandias killing the scientists is fucking beautiful. When he's sitting there and he pours the glass they're all standing there it toasts he toasts them right yeah he holds up the glass and it zooms in on him all the while he's talking about the great things we've done and like a true fucking pharaoh sacrificing his people to conceal his secrets yeah, he was talking yeah. to dead he people. says <laughs> and for this i am shamed because you'll never be able to share in them with me mm. flip the camera they're all dead on the floor that was awesome um and then i've got rorschach Never disposed of sewage with the toilet before. Obvious. Oh, really. yeah, that's a good <laughs> Fucking awesome. Uh, right there, same segment. Separated by maybe a minute. The guy gets his arms cut off by the fucking angle grinder oh, on the door. Yeah. That's some bitchin' shit. <laughs> <laughs> bitchin' shit. <laughs> they were one man down before they even got the fucking door open. Dr. Manhattan. Pick an explosion. I don't fucking care. I'm gonna <laughs> yeah, pick the ones. Shit. I'm gonna pick the ones in the bar that cover everyone yeah. in. Oh yeah. The slop. Oh that's yeah. Left just over. Like on the ceiling and shit. That's in my notes. Is that anytime that Doctor Manhattan makes someone explode. <laughs> and I'm Works gonna reference. That's some shit. I'm gonna reference the bar where the women had the shit mm. splatter all over the face, but Rorschach specifically was one of the most powerful kills yeah. in the entire movie yeah. because of the emotional weight that that moment carried. But my best kill that I went with is the one that took the longest, and that's Rorschach hitting that motherfucker in the face with the fryer. Mm. <laughs> I love that shit. That was good. That whole moment was awesome. So that that's the one I'm going to go with. All right, um, my best kill, very simple, man. Uh, Mazimandias uh, killing millions to stop nuclear war <laughs> and, and just, you know, stopping the destruction of our planet. And 15 they, million plus to choose geez, from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you, you went with genocide. Yeah, well, yeah, it, it, that's a fucking badass kill. <laughs> but, but stopping World War Three in the process and blaming it on the fucking blue guy with the big dick. <laughs> Good call. That's a bitchin' shit. That is some bitchin' shit. <laughs> all right, so yeah, you guys hit all my runner-ups. The fucking making people explode and um, yeah, at, yeah. This the the cape kill, fucking great. Yeah, I love that. the cape kill. Garbage. Was my number one for a while, and I was like, God damn. Fucking Ozymandias is killing millions to stop nuclear war. Blame it on that. With a push of a button. Yeah, <laughs> fucking good with me. So can't can't really beat that one. Um, this gets into our WTF, which is what the fuck moment. Wayne, well, I gotta go. My runner up. Speaking of Dr. Manhattan's no. dick, I gotta admit, I could not stop looking at this dude's dick. <laughs> I just, what? I mean, there's this big blue dick. Constantly. Uh-huh. I mean, but here's the thing sometimes he's wearing bikini briefs. Uh-huh. I don't know if I was relieved or disappointed whenever he wore those. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and nobody says anything. You'd think there'd be like, dude, my, Dr. Manhattan, I love you. You're a genius. Cover your cock. <laughs> but no, everybody just accepts this as, oh, there's Dr. Manhattan and his dick. <laughs> you know, nothing gets said. It's the, it's the elephant in the room. Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> so to speak. But that was my runner-up. But all in all, the thing that just, I, I thought maybe I'd missed something, and I rewound this part three fucking times. Uh-huh. But they're on Mars. They're in his uh, fortress. You know, they're flying around. You know, all these metal, whatever, workings going around and shit. Silk Spectre gets upset. She hits it a few times. The whole fucking thing shatters. The fuck? What, what if he would actually hit a rock? What, the whole fucking fortress would shatter? What's this thing made out of? Glass? Yep. It, it just... That bothered me. That bothered me 
bad. <laughs> I I actually really liked it um, because it, it. I mean, it's a discussion about the uh, fragility of uh, a machine, um, us humans being that machine, and how we crack and we break. And how easy it is to get to that point. Did he expect that, that the humans a, up there though? That was a exactly. Represent- <laughs> <laughs> that was a representation of her emotion. Just in case, I'm going to build this one fucking structure of glass so I can prove my point. <laughs> I'm Doctor Manhattan. I could build like this ultimate, you know, I mean, like something unbreakable. But uh, fuck it. <laughs> but what on that world posed that threat? Rocks. For, but from him, I mean, he can. You look at Manhattan and his power and the potency of it, and another key thing that we haven't touched on that I'm going to bring up later is the uh, the moment where he kills Rorschach. The whole fucking world stops, right? He has that ability. That moment is so charged, the snow stops falling. I don't know if you guys noticed that around them, but the I snow didn't. stands still. In that moment, they're, they're locked in, in, in there. Mars is no different. He's in control. He's in a world where no one has any external Then why have influence. a giant fortress that he can stand in the middle of? Why indeed? Because he can fucking do it. And it, it, it represents a clock. Uh, when you look at the structure of it, it's yeah. a bunch of cogs going together. It's what he knows. He designed it based upon that to be something beautiful, and she came in and she shattered it. And it's exactly that. Um, I think he had full control of it until he gave her control on that moment. He could have stopped those cracks from forming, but he chose not to. Well, and he a... just he just sheltered her. It was, it, I mean, take it or leave it. It was I thought it was a good moment. I will leave it. <laughs> <laughs> What's yours, Josh? Uh, my what the fuck was actually it didn't take place in the movie, but um, I was reading on the history of the Watchmen script and all that stuff. And uh, Terry Gilliam almost directed this fucking movie. Whoa, really? And Terry Gilliam was. <laughs> we would have had a whole different Watchmen back in the nineties. <laughs> wow, really? So what the fuck would that have looked like? Yeah, that would have been shit. That was my what the fuck. Well, there, there was actually a lot of people attached to it. I don't remember all the names. Yeah, now. that would Well, can I connect to that real yeah. quick? Okay, so my what the fuck was the same thing. All right, but I missed that when I looked shit up. <laughs> Tim Burton. Tim Burton was a t- he was the last one attached to it before Snyder. Yeah, but yeah. check this out. Can you he, imagine he wanted- Danny Elfman doing the fucking soundtrack? <laughs> oh my that? god! Yeah, my what the fuck is Tim Burton was interested in directing The Watchmen with Johnny Depp as the comedian. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and, oh who's that one chick he has in every? Oh fucking my god! Movie? But he got Coming too he got yeah. too busy with Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so glad you fucked yourself, buddy. <laughs> Bad for him, good for us. Yeah. There, were, there were a couple of other directors yeah. in in between that spectrum, but yeah. yeah, Terry Gilliam was the first one that was attached that I know of, and Tim Burton was the last, and then Snyder Jeez. picked it up. God, yeah. if Terry Gilliam would have done it, it would have been a psychedelic head trip. It might have been interesting. If Burton would have done it, it would have just been shit. Yeah, which <laughs> brings me to a point that needs to be made. The faithfulness with which Zack yep. Snyder adapted this. Yeah, I'm normally not a Zack Snyder fan, but... Yeah, Damn. yeah. I mean, you I'll said you haven't read the graphic novel yet, but when yeah, you I do, I think you're gonna see that he was fucking as faithful as you can get. He took he he added his dark shit in there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when you watch The Watchmen, it is a lot darker. The book, by contrast, is colorful. Yeah, really. Um, yeah, it is. But the themes remain for for a, a translation from the written page, the way that uh, Gibbons and Moore did it, over to the movie well, medium. It was a perfect translation. Check this out. Another what the fuck for me. Runner up, okay? I just couldn't get past Johnny Depp as the fucking comedian. Yeah, that would have been bad. But my uh, my, another runner up was, you know, Alan Moore. He doesn't want to even fucking watch The Watchmen. To this day, I don't think he has. And he's just fucking all shitty with Zack Snyder. And I'm thinking to myself, I can be so shitty 
with someone who put your book back on the bestseller list no, in 2009. <laughs> you know what I mean? He respects it more than he's seen what they fucking did with Leaf Extraordinary yeah. Gentlemen. I just, yeah. <laughs> rightfully so. All right, all right. I can see yeah, some bitterness so. there. Um, another runner-up was, uh, you know, what happened to Mirage, you know, Syndrome's uh, partner. Yeah. I don't know what happened to her. Um, but another maybe she one, was she on the plane. She stayed on the island. Oh, I figured she, she was on the, the plane. plane. But she was, like, kind of crucial to getting no, them there the and all kinds of stuff. But launched the ship. Because they couldn't get the, the, the rocket. They needed to get the rocket. How do we launch it? Uh, they had a discussion about that. And she's like, I'll do it. So she pushed the button. Usually, you have, usually though, you have a little bit more going on with that, that kind of character. Yeah, you know, like Syndrome's third girlfriend. Because you, know? you, you see that she's going through a transition. Yeah, exactly. She's obviously leaving Syndrome. I didn't feel like there was any completion to that. There was not. Yeah. You're right. There was so not. So not, not a big one, though. But here's my other run-up. This almost took the number one, okay? <laughs> so Incredibles 2 is coming out next year. Yeah, 2018. All right, it's in the works already. Um, now, this is 14 years after the fucking original. And I think there's so much untapped potential here. I mean, look what we live in. We live oh, in the comic yeah. book age. You know what I'm saying? Uh, there's fucking, like, what, 10 superhero movies a year that come out? Are they going to do the time lapse in the movie? I, I would know. love I that. Know. I think so, too. I think it'd be cool. Kids Dash. growing up, older. Yeah, exactly. They've got their, and like the, the grandparents. You yeah. know what I mean? They've now got their own kids. Now, here's, here's my... It's like a combo here, okay? Like, so, what the fuck... 14 years. I hate that, man. If you were, like, say Incredibles was your fucking number one favorite movie of all time, you're fucked. It's like Avatar. You know, can you imagine if that's your favorite movie been waiting 20 goddamn years, 15 years for a fucking Avatar sequel? Fuck that. I think that's Who does that? Yeah, who no does shit. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, all right. <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, if you're that much of a... Go fuck yourself. Yeah, right. Story, gives a but now check like. this out. How does Cars... <laughs> which I think is the shittiest Pixar film. How does it get three goddamn sequels and something that is so untapped and considered a masterpiece that you won't do a, a fucking incredible sequel, but you'll do three Cars movies? Because to me, it's not aimed at adults at all. It is aimed directly at kids. But it's, but it's popular enough. I mean, look at the poll. And look who they use. They use uh, what's, what's that dumbass redneck's name? Uh, uh, Larry the Cable Guy. Um, you know what I mean? You use somebody popular. Mater. Yeah, somebody popular uh, like him that people just love. Yeah, or, but I have to argue, though. I, I think that they, what, they prey on... People's stupidity when uh -huh. they make movies like that. But see, that. I gotta argue this though that they know it's 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 considered a Pixar masterpiece. It's highly rated, <laughs> and the poll you look at the poll, everyone loved fucking Incredibles. It, it blew Watchmen out of the water, and they're still doing a sequel just in 2018. Okay, so the money's there. Anything that Pixar makes is fucking gold unless yeah. it's the good dinosaur. You know, there's money in Incredibles for sure. I mean, oh, no, I'm all for a, the Incredibles. I was talking about uh, uh, Cars. <laughs> oh, that's what I'm saying. But I think the Incredibles is so untapped, and it should. B, yeah. I don't understand why we had to wait 14 years to get a fucking part two. That's crazy. To me. You know, one time Time People, uh, Time Magazine nominated Adolf Hitler as a uh, man of the year. Hmm. People's stupidity. Yeah, and, and Hitler <laughs> loves King so, Kong. That's right. But enough of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying people get prey on her for that. Huh. Uh, honestly, to, I don't know that I can address that. <clears throat> um, I'm vaguely familiar with. Uh, uh, the, the the production history of, of the Incredibles, but it comes down to Brad Bird being really dedicated to his story. I know that uh, he did Iron Giant, <laughs> and it was a critical failure. Yeah, yeah. Um, or I don't know, if it was a critical failure. It was uh, uh, definitely a financial bomb. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they didn't make any money off of it, and he he moved into this, and it's good to be buddies with John Lasseter, I yeah, guess, because yeah. uh, he got in. He was the first director <clears throat> that was hired by Pixar. From outside the yeah. company. Everything else was yeah. done from within. So once he finished this, I read a quote from him where he said basically he he, he came in and he made a lot of people worried yeah. by asking for all these things for Christmas. 
but in the end, he ended up getting almost everything that he, that he yeah. wanted. You know, and it stressed the studio yeah. a lot because they had to adapt a bunch of technologies. Yeah. I think that they probably learned from that, but they took it and they went elsewhere. And this is and this is their fourth. Uh, I think this was only their fourth movie, Pixar. I think in two thousand. And Incredibles. It's worth mentioning, is not their highest grossing film. Yeah. It is critically uh, but, lauded, but yeah. But but, but look at everything though. I mean, every Pixar movie has a sequel. You got fucking Cars one through three, Toy Story one through three. I think they were three, chasing money. Monsters, yeah. Monsters Incorporated, money. Monster Incredibles University. I think it's the only one, isn't it? That right. Every one of them you just mentioned. Was a box office. Made box more office, yeah. than Incredibles. Yeah. It just kept getting pushed to the back of the line. Maybe. But it just, it. I think it's odd because, I mean, especially the time we live in, you know, where superhero movies are so heavy, it's it's a gold ticket. I guarantee you when this comes out, it will be probably the top Pixar movie. Maybe underneath Toy Story 3. Uh, you, you're right. Yeah. It will be. So yeah. I can't, I don't know why wait so long because we've been in that season of, of, of comic book movies for a long fucking time. You know what? Last 10 years. Uh, no end in sight either. Yeah, so I'm surprised that they waited 14 to get that golden ticket. Guys, I think we might be halfway through these awards. We're on <laughs> number eight. All right, so let's get into best score or soundtrack. Uh, Do we all agree on this one? Mine was fucking Watchmen. Okay. Watchmen. Watchmen. <laughs> There's no <laughs> other answer. Yeah. That, I mean... Fucking perfect. Let's, let's, let's give the Incredibles Let's give the Incredibles the credit. It's a Yes, easily. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll give uh, Incredibles no. the d- discussion, right? Um, they set out with a goal to have the soundtrack represent like 60s um, spy mm-hmm. movies. They fucking did that. Yeah, they did. They did good. And, that. and it was recorded on analog tapes. So it has that old mm-hmm. feel, that old sound to they it, which really is cool. They really went the distance yeah. to, to get the sound. It was good. It, I'll give it credit. And it worked. Yeah. It was, I loved it. If this was any other... Yeah. If this oh, was yeah. any other Versus or Marathon, Incredibles probably would have ran, ran away with it. Like the superhero, oh, yeah, yeah. James Bond-esque score soundtrack was, was phenomenal. I really loved it. The old school analog tape sound was awesome. But at the end of the day, fuck, man. I mean, who do you have on this? You have yeah. Bob Dylan, The Times Are Changing, The Sound of Silence, Simon and Garfunkel, I'm Your Boogeyman, Casey and the Sunshine Band, Hallelujah, uh, mm-hmm. Along the Watchtower, Right of the Valkyries. I mean, but what's important is all of those, I love with, yeah. I love them in the movie. The only other soundtrack that I could ever think that, that would give this a run for its money would be The Crow. Do I you like know, that, uh, that weaved in and out with it too, but I like the, the Snyder, crew soundtrack is badass. It is fucking yeah. amazing. I think Snyder <laughs> is that's one of the things he does well is nail music in his movies, even down to <clears throat> hold back, gentlemen. <laughs> Sucker Punch <clears throat> has good music in it. It is a fucking music video from hell. Is exactly what it is, and it hits it hits well. He's good with music. This is no different. And it helps that the graphic novel actually gives him a short list of songs from the era that they reference that he's able to put right in there. And they fit. Which just goes to show, again, the uh, the foresight that, that Moore had when writing this and the, the, the realization that he had of what he was tackling. Uh, they handled it really well. And... It, it, he brought it to life. Yeah. He brought it to life, and it all fit and worked well. In my I, I think so too. That being said, Hallelujah is laced right over a scene, <laughs> yeah, which I consider to be a blemish to the film for sure. The awkwardness of that sex scene. I like the it. Burning building. I see. I did really. Like it. To me, it was almost like a way of like 
uh, without his costume, he's impotent. Uh-huh. You put that costume on him, and, and that's what I like about it. It is, and, and I, that's <laughs> what I like. I, it. I like the he theme. Is, it's like his uh, what do you call I, Viagra? Uh-huh. That costume is his fucking Viagra. That is his manhood. That crime fighting gets him hard. Yeah, you know, and hallelujah, he's able to do it. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised stupid, but to hear you that. guys praising that scene yeah. because. Uh, I was expecting that you would feel similar to me, and just that it, it's it's as awkward as Gorgo fucking Leonidas in Three Hundred. Snyder just doesn't get sex scenes very well. He doesn't sell them very well. In my, I opinion. was sold on that one, dude. I, I was. She was I could so see hot coming from. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm not refuting that. <laughs> but even even the transition from the slow mo to when he picked up the speed. And the look on her face, and it all was like a really weird climax oh. moment. And I know they were leading up to the flamethrower thing, but <clears throat> I <laughs> always cool. felt like that yeah. was just awkward enough to be unreal. Yeah. And real quick, I did <coughs> want to point out something too that I, I think it was kind of uh, kind of odd too. Incredibles. Uh, back to that real quick. Um, I think it was their fourth Pixar film, you know, and it was the only Pixar film at the time that was not um, nominated for an Oscar for their their, their score. And I don't, I don't. I don't see it, that yeah. because the superhero James Bond esque score, I really did love it. I thought it was fantastic. It really set the mood for the deconstruction of Only both genres. one at that time, which was four of them. It wasn't a musical. No, I'm talking about the score for the Academy Awards. For, okay. for yeah, for the whole score, and so for 2004, four Pixar films, it wasn't nominated, and I don't see why it wouldn't be nominated. Um, I'd have to go back and listen to the other ones to see how powerful they are, but I really enjoyed this the score. Um, it was a deconstruction of it the score good. as well. It was so, good. Yeah. Um, uh, the but, prison scene, the the prison fight scene. I listened to the soundtrack. I took a cue from you, and I put them on. Yeah. Uh, and listen to him. I didn't have to this time. I didn't have to. Well, I did. Yeah. Because I, I, I knew the songs, but I wanted to hear the bits in between. And uh, the, the prison the prison segment where they start that fight and they're oh. going down the hallway. Fucking beautiful stuff. But the music for that is really good as well. Yeah. So anyone who's listening, we usually uh, listen to the score or the soundtrack, iTunes or YouTube or whatever, while we're doing our awards. And this is one for me. It was just when I did the, uh, the 20 awards, this was the only one that I knew right away. That it was gonna yeah. get. It just it's fucking it's a pantheon soundtrack. Agreed. So um let's get into best quote. We're halfway through, guys. Uh best quote uh came from the same guy, same movie. Uh for my, my runner up, uh Rorschach, Watchman. Uh if God saw what either of us did that night, he didn't seem to mind. And that that tells the story of <laughs> when he became Rorschach. Yeah, from that day I knew it's when he snapped. Uh his human or God, I can't remember his name. Was it Eddie? Was his name? Uh Rorschach's real name? Oh, uh, I can't uh, even Kovacs. know Walter Kovacs. Walter Kovacs. Yeah, that's it. Eddie Jesus. <clears throat> but that's when he died. And, and that, that quote is from, you know, uh, whether Rorschach did good or not, one man did evil. Rorschach corrected that evil. And just him saying, you know, if God saw what he just did that night, he didn't seem to mind. Yeah. They were saying there was no God because of what happened. But uh, the actual award I gave to, you know, Watchman Rorschach, uh, the prison scene. I'm, uh, you don't understand. I'm not in here with you. You're in here with me. <laughs> and he's screaming, and he means it, and you know everybody around him fucking believes it. Yeah, yeah. Because he's just such a bad... And what gets me, too, Fury. he's, he's a yes. small guy, but he's just so much rage and anger. Even a little psycho, that'll feel you, too. You know, he is going to kick <coughs> the shit out of anybody in there. And it's just a beautiful scene, beautiful quote, a lot of emotions going through it. And I just fucking loved it. I believed him. I believed, I believed he could have kicked the shit out of anybody in that lunch line. So I went with 
None of you seem to understand. I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me. That line, everybody, everybody that watched that movie remembers that fucking line. So when you talk about the potency of a quote, the presence and the memorability mm-hmm. of a quote, that line has it. It's fucking it, beautiful. It, it, I, I, that's why I tie it with my best kill because if he fucking thought that shit out. Oh yeah. He's walking through the line. He knows it's coming. And he's walking. He's looking. What can I use as a weapon? There it is. Hot oil. He's just ready for it. (laughs) That being said, I I, want to give uh, some uh, shout-outs to a couple of other quotes. I I talked to you about this a bit. There was the line that has punch, and then there's a lot of quotes in this that have depth. Exactly like what you just said with Rorschach's quote, you know, about uh, knowing from that day, God doesn't make the world like this, we do. Mm -hmm. That's awesome shit. Manhattan, Manhattan does that left and right for me. Um, oh yeah, just the things that he says. Uh, one specifically, they ask him, uh, they ask him about the the doomsday clock, and he says to him, "My father was a watchmaker. He gave it up when Einstein discovered that time is relative." <clears throat> I would say to you that a, a a clock, a picture of a clock, has about as much intellectual significance as picture of oxygen to a drowning man Mm -hmm. and i fucking love that one but the one that i couldn't get away from the one that i was torn between over the one with punch and the one with depth is the entire i won't go through the whole thing but that whole discussion with laurie where he says would you smile if i said i was wrong yeah that's cool and i i i I, uh, miracles are not possible but i neglect that in human coupling you know and against all odds your mother falls in love with a man who she should hate and out of that is you it's like turning oxygen to gold yeah. that is fucking beautiful that, yeah that's that, good. that i wanted to give it i went with the powerful one the one that was memorable the one that was you can laugh you oh. can just feel rorschach's rage but honestly the one that moved me the most was was manhattan's Either way, yeah. Watchmen gets it for me. This one was a fucking pain in the ass. <laughs> so many. So many. I, I didn't even touch on Ozzy's. You yeah. Know, the stuff that he says. And like you said, there was the ones that had punch, and then there was just those, those other ones, you know, mm-hmm. that had yeah, depth. And uh, so I'm going to give a couple of my runner-ups real quick. I don't know if you guys noticed it, but the henchmen, they go, every time they run, we take a shot. Did you hear him say that? Yeah, I was yeah, like, I just, they're making a game out of it. Yeah, it's just kind of funny. You see that this is a, a villainy aimed yeah. towards kids and adults. You yeah. know, so that, can... that fucking henchman probably should have got best villain. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like another runner up. I I honestly thought this was going to be my my number one, and uh, it's the from Watchmen. Another runner up. It's like the accumulated filth of all their sex and murder will foam up mm-hmm. about their waist, and all the whores and politicians will look up and shout, save us. And I'll whisper no. I love that. It's a classic quote, yeah. man. I mean, that's what I. It's one of the lines I think about when yeah. I see the movie. Or, and it's it's, it's prevalent. It's yeah. prevalent because it was in the trailer, and everybody knew yeah. Rorschach from that moment. Yeah, and then I'm gonna give one more runner up, and that's from Incredibles, where he says, and I've been saying this. This did almost you say got from Rorschach and in Incredibles. Did I? I don't know. Yeah, no, yeah no. I think you just did. Huh. <clears throat> we'll find that in the edit. <laughs> <laughs> but no, from Incredibles. Um, there's a quote where I, I can't stop saying it. Like ever since I watched it, it's something so simple, but it's just with Samuel Jackson's voice and how he says it. And it's where's <laughs> my, my super soup? <laughs> I love that line. Yeah. And uh, the reason that uh, Brad Bird cast Samuel Jackson was because he wanted the a character with the coolest voice, and he got it. Everything that fucking Samuel Jackson says is yeah. gold in this movie. Um, but I have to go at what the end. It's a matter of the greater good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love that whole that whole. I'm no greater good. Yeah, I'm no greater good. So I, man, I, I had that I as my that number with my one. Girls and they loved that. But I'm gonna go with 
you sly dog, you got me monologuing. Yeah. You know, and it's <laughs> good. Yeah, good. It's so good. good. And it's because of the, the similarities too for this verses. I think that's probably why it stood out so much for me. But you have, you know, him monologuing, you have uh, uh Mr. Incredible and Frozone talking about monologuing earlier in the movie, but then you have the Watchmen, where they get the villain monologuing, but he has the plan. You know, so some... and, and and I have to tie that directly to Watchmen, Ozzy's Ozzy's line where yeah. he says, "You know, do you think I would explain my master stroke? Do you think I'm a comic book villain? Yeah, that I would explain my master stroke if there yeah. was any chance you could stop me?" And I he's triggered at 35 minutes. Yeah. And what is what is uh you know he doing? He's he's doing he's explaining everything. He's explaining everything he wants to do uh, right in front of the city. So um, I thought that fit perfect for our our little verses here, and I, I loved it. You slide dog, you got me monologuing. <clears throat> So I, I also loved that line. Yeah, loved it. Great, a lot, lot of great quotes. I could have picked fucking goddamn oh, ten man. from Watchmen, you know. Um, but uh, that was so good uh, with the similarities. I had to go mm. with something for Incredibles. So um, let's get into best screenplay. Uh, for me, uh, it was the Watchmen. Okay. Uh, I love the screenplay for the Incredibles. Great story, you know. But the Watchmen, there was so much going on at one time, mm-hmm. so fucking much, and it it's all an tied in together, story. and it's beautiful. I mean, you've got, oh, Jesus Christ, I don't even know where to begin. you got somebody killing them off. You know, you see, you don't know who that is. You've got Rorschach, you know, wanted for murder, so there's always somebody after him. You know, uh, it, there's mystery going on. I mean, there's just always something. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you got people in the, uh, the threat of nuclear war. That's going on with all this. You just don't know where it's going to go. The, the I, cool, I really the cool, exactly. yeah, the cool take on alternate, you know, America, yeah, which exactly. is really cool. And, and you've got like this. I might as well say a god messing with uh, time travel and track yeah. kick yawns and stuff. Well, look at our best character. All of us had a hell of a time coming oh, up with yeah. our best character. Right? That's on the written page. I really almost at one point didn't quite know what the movie was going to be about. I was like, where's this leading to? Or just this murderer? Is nuclear war really going to happen? Yeah. And by the end of the movie, it all ties together and it's fucking perfect so like i said uh credits was good but my screenplay watchman hands down yeah yeah and i i mean obviously you guys probably know where i'm going with this uh <laughs> watchman is it has a leg up mm-hmm. incredibles never had a chance because watchman already exists as one of the greatest stories that i've ever yeah. experienced um, Incredibles is special, uh, no doubt about it. The way that it's written, it does exactly what it sets out to do, which is, I'm not even sure if it was set out to deconstruct the superhero genre or if it did that as a byproduct of tackling the family stuff that he wanted to go for, but uh, that's what it did, and that's what it did well. What it offers, though, is so much less than what's on display in The Watchmen, and it's presented well in that world. They cover world building, character building, depth, intricate storylines. Um, all that stuff's on the page because all of that is right out of the book. It's lifted right out of the book. And first and foremost, the thing that has to be mentioned is it's an adapted screenplay. And it is one of the best adapted screenplays that I've ever experienced because it does what other adaptations are not willing to do, which is not fuck with it no they try and make it their own the changes that were made were well suited for the 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 medium jump right originally watchmen the ending was not manhattan it was this genetically created alien thing right it was supposed to be the threat of alien invasion and all that 
in this one, it made so much sense to go with Manhattan and to tie that to an energy crisis thing. It it just worked. If you had done the alien thing, what kind of, what would that have done to the budget? No. You know, you have to take that into account. All those things get taken into account, and the way that they adapted that story was well done to the point where Alan Moore, who fucking hates the idea of anything that he has ever done being adapted into a film, said, I've read that script, and it is literally, I think it is the best that Watchmen could have possibly been done. That being said, I won't watch that piece of shit. I mean, he fucking, <laughs> he, he, he read it. He read the script, and he was impressed with how well they did adapt it. That speaks volumes to me, because Alan Moore, A, I respect his writing ability and uh, his, his character design, everything everything about The Watchmen. I mean, it speaks for itself. He's Alan fucking Moore, and The Watchmen's one of the greatest things that I've ever experienced. <clears throat> for him to praise it after he's already got so much negativity for the concept of it even being adapted tells me that it's a good adaptation, and then I've experienced it. <clears throat> you know, it's there, I can watch it, and it, it parallels the book so well. I mean, I, I, I'm driving this home because yeah. I, it's, it is an adaptation that I think people need to give credit to because more often than not, you see adaptations that take yeah. liberties. And this one didn't, and I feel like it works because um, it didn't. Yeah, and I'm going to agree with you guys. That's where I went. I do want to give some love, though, to Incredibles because, yeah. like, like I said earlier, I got into a little bit of a conversation in the poll with Nathan and he was pretty much like, you know, very, very quick and dismissive of Incredibles. And it's it's a lighter tone for sure, but I can't not stress enough how important it is to have this movie that, you know, I've been married for 20 fucking years. You know, I think there's a, a, a lot of, um, I, was, I was joking around with this older guy not too long ago. He's like 75. I was like, what am I going to do? Get rid of my wife? I'll have to train another one. I was just joking with him, you know? He, just this fun little, you know, <laughs> yeah. old guy humor, you know? And he's like, oh, I got you. I got you, Brad. And I was like, but it was, you know, it's like, I love my wife to death. And it's, you know, people fall into these romances where it's just real quick. And then what happens three or four months later, you know? Um, you kind of, that romance wears off, you know? And I just see a lot of people go through that. Um, I think it's really cool to have this movie that focuses on on family and, and, and friendship and, it does and it marriage, well. you know? And, uh, yeah, I think it does it really well. I think those themes are so important. Um, are, the, are the themes a little bit deeper in Watchmen? Sure. You know, but I think a little bit deeper. Well, for sure, but no, that's what I'm saying again. I mean, what this is a animated movie we're talking about that's dealing with some really heavy family themes, and I think that's so important. So I want to give it some love real quick, and I also wanted to give some love to the idea of why the uh, the superheroes are outlawed, because at the end of the day, I with talking about the outlawed uh, section of the movie. I actually kind of like The Incredibles better on that point. Um, I like because with the Watchmen, you have the Keen Act. And it was because, you know, the uh, our superheroes got a little bit too crazy, too wild, sadistic, and violent. And so it's like, no, we got to outlaw this stuff, you know. And, and that's how that happens. With Incredibles, I like that it's more of a collateral damage thing. Because every time I watch a Marvel movie or DC movie, that's always in my, it's always in my <laughs> yeah. head. You know, and they answered this like in 2004 when it came out, you know. Um, fucking... What is it? Mr. Incredible's trying to save somebody. It's the same thing, though. What's up? Between the two, between the two movies. No, but I like how this is collateral damage, and the Keen Act wasn't they, about collateral those, damage. Those two things. It was. Yeah. I mean, the, the it's cost, about it's about the the cost of benefit ratio creating carnage. Yeah. I think it's the same thing. I think that both laws that are passed represent the tone of the movie that they're in. Yeah, exactly. But that's what I'm saying. I like the, them speaking to collateral damage, like fucking um, what is it? The L train. 
you know, and uh, skyscrapers. It's and the reason for the turn. It's the reason in, for the turn. In, in, in Incredibles. It's in Watchmen. Yeah. They talk about it. But it's it's a backseat thing. It's something that, I mean, Rorschach is um, against the law because they've they put him out because of the Keen Act. Uh-huh. You know, Dryberg's in retirement because of the Keen Act. They're all already affected yeah. by it when we first are introduced to them. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Incredibles, we get the nice glory days moment. Yeah, but I like the I like the, the, the small the little details though of like you know because we watch all these superhero movies and Mister Incredible gets fucked because he saves this guy and breaks his neck. Okay, when he's trying to commit suicide, <laughs> yeah. I think that is really brilliant. And they fucking touched on suicide. I was really yeah. surprised to even hear that word come yeah. up in that. Yeah. Movie. And it's two thousand four. I think that's very progressive. It is for yeah. fucking two thousand four animation. And you I've know? seen that. I saw that movie uh, back when it came out. The year it came out. I actually, I believe it was the first movie I watched with my daughter, who was born a week before. <laughs> right? <laughs> so she doesn't remember watching it, but I do. Yeah. But I didn't remember that stuff. I, I watched it uh, just yesterday with both of them, and my youngest obviously didn't pick up on any of that. My oldest, who is 12 now, did. Oh. They brought up that, just that hey, word. I remember this. This <laughs> guy trying to commit suicide. She's talking to me about it. She's yeah. asking me questions about it. I'm like, that's some real shit. Yeah. You know, and that speaks back to, to what I said earlier about people dying in the movie. I think it's really well done, and I, I don't want to discredit it, yeah. um, because that stuff is there. You've got the family stuff, and you've also got the seriousness that's there masquerading as yeah. child, a children's movie. It, it's good. It's yeah. quality. There's yeah. no doubt about so it. So I really enjoyed that, but um, I always have this movie. So I went with Watchmen, obviously, and um, like you said, I think Watchmen is, is as good as it could have been. I don't think we'll get a better Watchmen. I mean, he was so faithful. He was very oh, yeah, there's no way. He was very slavish to the material, in a good way. And that's why I think a lot of people don't I like think it people need to take fucking notes from that, to be no honest. No shit. I, I, mean, I, I know. <laughs> I, I agree. Okay, I have, one of my movie rules is own your bad baby. So if you're going to keep on making your, like I'll use DC real quick as an example. If you're going to have Man of Steel, BVS, and you want to get on your right track, yeah, these movies suck. Or Star Wars, I got a lot of problems with the prequels, but fuck, you got to go back and acknowledge that. So you can't yeah. pretend it didn't happen. It did. As much you know? as you'd like to. <laughs> as much as you'd like to. So yeah. the best thing you can do at this point, own your bad baby and fucking beef it up a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Try to make that stuff better. However you can, There's a you can write something a million and one ways, okay? Fucking prep that up. What I have a problem with, my one of my other movie rules is you can do something different from the thing that you're adapting, but you need to do it better. Um, I think I was talking to you about this not too long ago. Walking Dead does this all the time oh, where they change yeah. things. Never for the better. It's always for the worst. It's always for the worst. It's always to keep the story going out, to get another season going. That's, I was out of Walking Dead. Season two for me. fucked up Andrea. Yeah. Well, check this out. <laughs> exactly. That's a, that's a big one. But it's, it doesn't even... It maybe starts there. It, it is fucking horrible. I have watched place. it. Well, years. here's here's what they do. Yeah. With, like, with, just for a good example, Walking Dead... They change things to throw you off, okay? In case you read the graphic. Fuck that shit. I know what I'm getting into. If it's good, Mm -hmm. if it's good, don't fucking change it, okay? If that's the best scenario, then we want to see it unfold on the screen. And I I am so thankful that he just didn't go and he he changed something, but I think he changed something for the better. It's one of the first times I've ever seen where it's definitely for the better. Like, I love the ending of this movie, the third act, where it's not the... The fucking alien squid, you know, octopus thing. So I gotta go to a comic book store to buy this. Can I go to Barnes and Nobles? What do I uh, no, I'll let you borrow it. You only borrow, yeah. okay. But um, <laughs> yes, in the third act of the book, you have this alien fucking squid, octopus thing going around, and it makes, like you said, it makes so much sense to spin it from a budget standpoint to and bring from storytelling. Your character, one of your characters, right into the fold. Yeah. 
And, uh, and the that, one who can detach himself from humanity, mm-hmm. who they saw get mad on TV and then leave the planet. Yeah, you know? I, I would say that, you know, give and take here a little bit, because in the graphic novel, the, the only thing I don't agree that Zack Snyder did that I know of so far, uh, without reading all of Watchmen, is in the Watchmen, they don't have superpowers. You know, like fucking incredible hitting and punching through fucking walls. Yeah. I actually like that they're very human in the comic book. They're just bad motherfuckers. <laughs> they're not even that. They're and pretty I think weak. humanity's still there. I think they're very weak, but they don't. They can't punch through fucking brick walls, right, in the graphic novel? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's... Not, exactly. I mean, they can't do half the stuff that they do in here. And they're very human, kind of broken, weak characters. And, like, I, I, I don't I don't like that he kind of turned that up to ten. But... Yeah, see, from when I watched the movie, I kind of got the opinion that they weren't quite like Dr. Manhattan, but they were just a little bit Yeah, and in the graphic novel, they're not, right? Joe. They're very human. They're human, yeah. They're very human. And, and that's Hollis says that, you know. Yeah, so um, I, don't, I don't like that. Because you see the comedian get killed. I mean, he's going through brick walls, and, I and think, he's still like, And unfortunately, you know? I think Zack Snyder turned that up for the people that were going to the theater to give them a little bit more action. I don't like that, but I will give him that because this ending, um, adapting it from a fucking, you know, one of the greatest graphic novels of all time... And I think that he made that fucking ending better. And that takes balls to do. And I think it makes sense. It serves the story. It serves Dr. Manhattan's character. And that's all from a screenplay standpoint, man. And so I had to give him... Understanding the needs of the film while not stepping so far away that it destroys the story. Yeah, brilliant. I think it might be the best example of doing something better from for an adaptation. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna agree with you necessarily in saying that he made it better, but I think both endings yeah. stand independently and strongly. Um, See, do I, yeah, I do. I really do think it's better though to turn the the world on Doctor Manhattan. You know, to blame him for this the killing killing of millions of lives. I think it's there's no other in my mind. I can't even. Go back. I think it's kind of corny to see this alien thing, and there there might be a little bit of deconstruction there, you know. Well, there's uh, a but, lot more to uh, in the graphic novel. I mean, they he's uh, Osmandius is kidnapping artists and writers, uh-huh. and creative thinker. You know, there's there's an, an entire yeah, yeah. other element tied to that ending that's absent in the film. Uh, so, and, finish, so I, re- finish so, yeah, reading no, the book, and then yeah, we'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah. So as of right now, I mean, because I, I just know the, a, a little bit about that ending. Because uh, I haven't got there yet, but I mean, I've done a lot of research on it. And for my opinion now, without actually reading it, I, I love this fucking ending. And I think it's a it's a great way to change something, but by making it better. And uh, yeah, being so s- slavish to that material, um, I think that he produced something that I don't think anyone will be able to do better than that. I, I think it looks great. So yeah, that's my screenplay. Best cinematography. Whew. <laughs> uh, again, it goes to The Watchmen. Okay. So this yeah, is best cinematography slash animation is kind of what I put yeah. out there for you guys. Uh, to me, I have never seen such a... I mean, I know it's, it's set in the past, but in a way it's almost futuristic. And I, I have not seen such a bleak, dark, depressing atmosphere since uh, Blade Runner. Yeah. That, that, I think that's you good. Know, yeah. And Watchmen, it's it, almost as good. Mm-hmm. You know, I, like, uh, tip of the hat to the Incredibles. Looks good. Everything's great. But to me, it, the Watchmen, it pulled me in. I believed in that reality. You know, it's very bleak, very dark. It, I believed it. It just looked great. You know, that's a yeah. good comparison, too, because I don't think Blade Runner did very well when it came out, but then it got no, a cult didn't. following. Um, but no, not even well, when a cult came back follow- out with the director's cut. Not, even, that, not even a cult following. Now it's considered one of the best science fiction movies ever made. I'm really surprised Watchmen hasn't gotten more love because it came out in 2009. It's had, a, it's, had its shelf life now to become yeah. a Blade Runner, well, and honestly, I'm very surprised it hasn't. I don't know why that is. When I rewatched no, this, watching it. 
Yeah. That's it. There's, no one's rewatching it. Oh, yeah. If I didn't rewatch, I, I barely remember watching bits and pieces of it at one time, Watchmen. But rewatching it, I was like, that's one thing I thought was, my God, why didn't I watch this before? I just didn't know about it. You know, I whereas Blade people, Runner is in your face. Don't. A lot of people don't know what the movie has to offer because they were expecting something different the first time they watched it. Uh, this was a year after Iron Man came out. and uh, see, I wasn't expecting, expecting anything when I watched it. I was that's, just like, okay, where great. the fuck is this? That's great. But a lot of people I know sat down to watch it, and they were expecting a superhero movie, and they had no idea what The Watchmen yeah. was. I mean, most superheroes are Superman, are The Flash, are Batman. Have some you know? kind of power. To... Yeah, they're, they're very... Watchmen is a deconstruction of everything that they understand, so they saw only like the negative aspects of what superheroes stand for, and they didn't understand it. I I, I do not like to say that yeah. to, uh, uh, about people. Um, you know, I do not like to go to, well, you didn't like it because you didn't understand it. This is one of those situations where it applies. I don't <laughs> think people knew what type of movie they were watching. That makes sense. Right, what was yours? Uh, also, Watchmen. <laughs> uh, interestingly enough, you, you're, you're, you're praising the darkness of the film. That was actually a negative from a lot of people. Because really? the, cause the graphic novel was so bright. That's one of the, the complaints that fanboys have. I definitely got to read that. <laughs> but I agree with you. <clears throat> I think, again, this, this speaks to the changes that were made for the movie that made it work. <clears throat> it is a different telling of the graphic novel brought to film. And I think it worked. I liked the darkness of it. I liked the shadow. I did too, because you've got dark characters. You've got a dark, bleak situation. Doomsday is, you know, an inch away from being right up your ass. You need to have a a bleak, dark uh, uh, atmosphere and scenario in which these people live. That color in uh, the Watchmen graphic novel was praised for being different than other things in, in the graphic novel medium, right? So what we've done with the Watchmen is essentially taken it back to the form that's more accepted. So he brought it back mainstream a little bit by going darker. And I think that that worked. Uh, you asked the question about tone, about dark yeah, yeah. versus light. It applies so well to Watchmen that it makes sense. It enhances the atmosphere of the things that are taking place on screen, the, uh, the, the cynicism, the negativity you get from the world, that bleak ending that you know is right around the corner. It's all enhanced by... The darkness, the lighting of, of of the movie, and then beyond that, I mean, I love what Zack Snyder does with the camera. A lot of the time, I really fucking like it. <clears throat> when Rorschach's walking into that uh, uh, military base, oh yeah, that yeah. fucking shit's awesome. He's I running up the ladder, I, and yeah, he runs good. up the ladder, really he did. climbs it. Um, when he's breaking into Moloch's building, um, just the, the the his movements, the way that he mm-hmm. captures them top down, he shows the fluidity of the movements of the characters. And, and follows them the way he sets up those shots. It's, it's almost beautiful. like he's bouncing up on air. I mean, he's it's, it's just very. But it, but it looks natural. Yeah, doesn't it does. It? It, yeah, it looks, yeah. It looks. It's like, like oh, he's like, hey, I can do that. that. <laughs> uh, and he captures all that in a really awesome way. Uh, right up to you know, in, a lot of a lot of my praises are coming from the Rorschach scenes because I love Rorschach. But when he <laughs> when he pulls himself up with his gun and he lands on the windowsill and we we yeah. just sit on him for a minute, that's some beautiful stuff. Uh, so I mean. You, t- you take into account the lighting and and, yeah. and the way the movie was kept dark while also capturing them in those still panels. You know, he captured the panels of the graphic novel yeah. just in a different color, yeah. just in a different from a different perspective, a different emotional perspective. Yeah. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. Yeah, um, there, I don't think there's any wrong answer here, though. I, I like how you just put that, though. I mean, he was so slavish, but that is hard. That's hard to get those shots so perfect, and I think he did. 
Um, uh, Watchmen still holds up for me. I think the cinematography is great. Um, he does a little bit too much slow mo for me. That's one. Thing I, I, I like his slow mo. Do you? There's just I think it right now it's just kind of See, normally I I, I thought so he did it at just the right moments. When Rorschach comes perfect. out of Moloch's apartment, he's dragging those matches uh, across the floor, yeah. pulls it up, and starts. Yeah. Shooting. Some of it works. Yeah, some of it, some of it works. And when the comedian doesn't. was getting killed, I I thought he just, he did like so the whole fight scenes. He slowed down at just the Even right now. moments. Yeah, Sp- speeds it up for you the see, impact. You see, like an impact shot, and then zoom back up and back to full speed again. I, so normally, I don't like Zack Snyder. Yeah. I really don't. But this, I think, he it, really shown. I think on this. what's important it, though, too, is that from for being two thousand nine, you know, it still holds up really well. Like, oh yeah. um, there was a couple scenes where Doctor Manhattan, you could tell, was a little dated, but still, with you know, fucking eight years of of, of improvement. I still think it holds up, and it needs to, you know, to be considered, uh, you know, uh, yeah. one of the the best. I think because some some of that time is that takes me out, you know, when something looks kind of shoddy. Mm-hmm. And for being eight years later, I think the movie really does hold up. Um, with that said, so I think the cinematography is great, but I'm going with animation. Um, and you already kind of hit on it a little bit, and I almost thought you were going to go with this because you hit on it. Um, but uh, with the Incredibles. Um, it was one of the first times that they had to really animate CG humans, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, that was a real fucking hard job. There's actually a quote here from a supervisor, uh, the, the technical director. Uh, he said that uh, the hardest thing about the film was there was no hardest thing. Uh, this is the first time that they worked with uh, challenges like fire, water, air, smoke, steam, um, explosions. Um, it was the, uh, the the biggest story that Incredibles ever done. Uh, it was the, the most lo- uh, locations. Um, and just all together, I think this movie looks fantastic for 2004. Um, I think oh, yeah, it's, it I think it still it holds does. up, and this is like Pixar's fourth film. So from an animation standpoint, I think they they fucking nailed it. I think uh, everything looks great. See, I, I, I'm with you. Yeah. I think it looks good, but yeah. they had four. They had four the four times four times the number of locations from any Pixar movie. Yeah, that's, terrain. Yeah, <clears throat> terrain did not stick with me. Right, <clears throat> especially with the Omnidroid fight in the end. And what was it called? Well, that's what I'm the saying. The first one was the Omnidroid. What was the second? The second one had a different yeah, name. Yeah, I can't remember what it was called. But when they were fighting, um, there was there was one particular scene where it was just like a green grass, and then you had the water's edge, and then there was a road, and I saw all that, and it looked like a fucking Lego set just put together. Yeah. Yeah. Too smooth, didn't have any texture to it. Um, not not to no, say no. that, that uh, that's a fault of theirs. Um, they were focusing on other things, I think, and that probably didn't need the attention that they were giving to other yeah. things. But I saw that, and there were there were a couple times that the terrain was just so smooth that it pulled me out of yeah. it. I was like, and I might wow, be, there's, I, there's this movie's age. I might be a little bit more forgiving because it's animation and not cinematography, but I remember doing the Disney marathon and with the Disney marathon, you know, like we had movies in there like fucking Lion King and fucking Aladdin and best animation went to Pinocchio. You know, it's one of the first times that they had to deal with water and waves and there's some great, you know, scenes in that third act and uh, uh, they had so many animators working on Pinocchio and, you know, that looked junky compared to today when you're watching some some great animation. Um, but I think that the Incredibles kind of paved the way for some of the the, the great movies that we're getting now, like fucking you know Toy Story three, you know looked fucking amazing, you know with lighting and everything. So I think uh, going back, you know this really, I mean with with CGI humans and, and fire and smoke and and really trying to, to iron that out, I think they did a fantastic job. Especially when you know I love that quote where it's like uh, the hardest thing about the film was that there was no hardest thing. So um, I had to give them some credit on that. I thought the animation, you know, for the most part, you know, holds up and uh, yeah, I thought it looked pretty good. So uh, went with animation. But I thought both both were really good there. So that takes us to Best Supporting Actress. 
Uh, this one's going to be a little weird for me. <laughs> I uh, I went with the Incredibles, and I loved Edna. I loved her character, all this, and to much to my so fucking surprise, <laughs> yeah, fuck it. We want to do a transgender thing. I'll fucking do it. <laughs> I, I to much to my surprise, I looked it up, and it was Brad Bird, and I sat on this. That's so funny. And I it was came to this close to getting a rubber chicken award. It really did for me. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? He, yeah, it's it's a he. But the character is female, and I'm going to fucking stick to that. So I, I, I gave it to Edna by Brad Bird from The Incredibles. That's funny. But that's an actor. <laughs> Playing a female. <laughs> but it's not best female character. Are you assuming his gender? <laughs> it's, can I just You got me there. <laughs> not that I believe in that, yeah. but I'm going to play it. <laughs> uh, again, one of those situations where there's not a lot to choose from. Uh, can, can I comment on that real quick, though? Because we always have trouble with best supporting actress. damn it. And the first time <laughs> I we know, actually have, have a good, good supporting actress, you look it up and it's a fucking man. I, I feel like the voice. Prick. I looked at it I'm like, oh my god, am I a sexist pig here? What the fuck? <laughs> and I thought, you know what? I'm gonna give. I was gonna run it by you guys. If you accept it, great. If not, it's a rubber chicken award. <laughs> but that was the only. Like, yeah, it's definitely played by a man. But it was the only female part, or supporting wise, that was good. Uh, so if you yeah. guys will accept it, great. If not, I'm gonna rubber oh, chicken it. Your vote, your vote. <laughs> I'm good with it either way. Um, I actually went with Carla Gugino as Sally Jupiter. You go. She she's got a small role, but I mean she is a really significant tether to the comedian. Uh, probably the biggest one oh, with yeah. uh, with Silk Spectre, and I couldn't vote on Silk Spectre. I I think that she's got an interesting character and she's important, but not much but is done. She, not a lot is done with her character in the movie. Mm-hmm. There's just no getting around that. However, Sally Jupiter. Um, the, the, the aging makeup was a little, yeah. eh. Yeah, I thought that was the worst either. part of it. But her performance was fine. And especially when mm-hmm. she was playing the younger version with the comedian scene. Yeah. Know, Go ahead, I'll catch up. You know, I, it felt very real to me. Uh, so I, I thought I was watching Marty McFly's mom from Back to the Future 2. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she, but right down to, uh. In the end, or the, in the uh, the the recreation center, or wherever she she lives, when she says, "You know, the future just keeps getting darker, but the past keeps getting brighter, even the grimy parts." That was that was a powerful line, and it was valid to the character, to the comedian, to um, Lori's growth. Uh, I, I thought she was serviceable, um, and you guys know that I don't like to give out rubber chickens, so mm-hmm. I found the one that worked for me, okay. and it was not Silk Spectre. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Wayne, um, I think it's funny that you named it that, because I actually, on my notes here, it's the transgender-inspired award. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, it's so funny, because I was watching Incredibles, and Incredibles was, uh, <coughs> was the first movie I watched, and Edna hit the screen, and... I was done. You know, there's a couple of words that you always just, you just you watch and you're like, I don't think anything can beat this. It's done. You know, uh, she had me laughing. You know, I thought she was a fun character. And I was like, man, who plays her voice? You know, uh-huh. and I look it up and it's goddamn Brad Bird. But he's, an, he's it's a male. That's why, not a best that's why it's, actor. I, I, I pulled the transgender thing just because I didn't know what else to do because I wanted this to win. <laughs> I wanted that, wanted that award but to she was so, it was, she was, she, see, I'm saying she. Edna was so good. Yeah. Okay, in, in, in the defense of this, Lily Tomlin was supposed to be Edna. 
Okay, she actually brought Lily Tomlin in, and she's like, what do you need me for? You, this is great. And she didn't do it. And it was just going to be a temporary track until they found, you know, that, that filler. And yeah. Lily Tomlin came in and was like, no, you're, that sounds great. I'm not going to do it. You know, and uh, no, it was my number one. And then I had to fucking look it up and I was like, God damn it. <laughs> Out of all the support, we, we sometimes we erase this category because there's no yeah. women for this. And that's not, I didn't know what to do with it. But I, I loved Edna's character so much um, that, I, that I had to change it for that. So that's what I'm going with. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Man. That's awesome. Did you watch it though? Did you, did you think, man, that's a great supporting character? And then did you look it up and it was Brad Bird? What was your experience with that? Well, I, I knew it was uh, Brad Bird because you guys in your oh, yeah. what happens if <laughs> you started that conversation. But, th- th- okay, my personal opinion, uh-huh. I disagree with <laughs> casting this vote under Best Actress because it's not about the fucking character, it's about the performer. <clears throat> so I would say <laughs> that you now have Brad Bird competing with the likes of supporting characters from The Watchmen, and you didn't fucking like that because you wanted to give credit to Edna. She was so good. See, well, she, she, she's so good. Yeah. When you first but met, it's I thought, the character you're talking about, not the performer. No, but it was the voice, the performance of that voice, because I, I I was sold it was female. When For I saw me, inbox, this feels like your wild card award. <laughs> should have called, called it transgender. I was like, what the you fuck is she Edna talking about? And Brad Bird couldn't compete with the supporting characters, the other male supporting characters. It should have gone the transgender. Should wild we change card our wild award. card then? I could. But who? They, no, you don't have to change. And it. then I'll just rubber chicken them. <laughs> <laughs> but that takes a point away. You know, that actually does have an impact mm-hmm. on the point structures. So, but that, that's my two cents. I was, I was just like, what the fuck is he? T-? I thought maybe I'd miss something in the movies, and then I looked it up. I was like. Okay. If you, if you guys agree with me, I, here's what I say on this: We don't get to appreciate transgender. We don't get to appreciate <laughs> males very often. So, so we, that's right. we're, tonight for episode 200, <laughs> we will support the transgender community. All right, way to go, Video Land. Are you, are you, are you, <laughs> we <applaud> you. <laughs> are you eliminating best supporting actress and making a transgender? Is that your goal tonight? We are. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Because it's episode two. Oh, wait, let's get the fuck away from this and let's go to best supporting actor. Let's <laughs> <you> do that. <laughs> Mine, oh god, that's no. Uh, honestly, he wasn't in it very much, but I loved his performance. Uh, the Watchmen. I go to Amalek, uh, Matt Fuhrer. Okay. He play, especially oh, just yeah. uh, his retired part. It was really just good. amazing the way he spoke. You could tell this man was done. I didn't know maybe if he turned to good or any of that bullshit. You know the kind of cancer you get better from. Exactly. Not, not, not that, that kind. kind. He was facing death. Maybe he was, re- you know, he didn't. He didn't get personal with Rorschach for obvious fucking reasons, but you could tell. I mean, he was just like, you know what? Whatever. I don't fucking care. <clears throat> that scene shows the force that a small person like Rorschach has because he's standing exactly, behind yeah. him when he puts him in that fridge. It's just so fucking fluid and natural. Oh yeah, yeah. And and I love, like I said, the way he spoke, and you can just tell. I mean, just like I say, wasn't it very much, but his presence and his attitude just spoke of a man. Who was done? Who was yeah. beaten down by his, yeah. you know, his villain role? Uh, exactly. The comedians. Exactly. And you could tell there was. I mean, there were some other. I'm sure arch enemies. The comedian could have went to drunk and crying, but he went to this guy. And the way he's like, I, I pissed my pants and all. That. I mean, it was just the way he spoke, the way he acted. Like I said, small part. Definitely. Was it in the? Because I watched both cuts. Was it in the director's cut of theatrical where you actually see him dressed up as? 
um, the the mm-hmm. villain from the from the forties. I think it was in this one. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was theatrical. Okay. It was. I love that yeah. scene. I love that scene. It's real quick. It was real quick. The black and white. Oh yeah, and you can actually you know he's got like a. Uh, it's the comedian standing next to him with a big smile. Yeah. It was black and white. Like, yeah, it was black so, and white. Another similarity: they both have black and white scenes showing the past. We you know we made like our an, point on that. If anybody wants to argue with it, you deserve the what the fuck award. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Okay, so where'd you go? Um, best supporting actor. I went with Patrick Wilson as Night Owl. Okay. Um, he literally is a crutch that everyone leans. Who do you see as the lead in this? <clears throat> Yeah, I see Patrick Wilson as the lead. I, I do too. I that was well, maybe. maybe. I see Jackie Early, Hay- Early yeah. Haley as the lead. I honestly do. Yeah, um, that's rough. But it could have gone either way. I just feel like he was he was literally supporting. Do what you want, Josh. Every character. <laughs> he was supporting every character. Uh, he was Rorschach leaned on him. Uh, Lori leaned on him. Uh, even Osmandius, he had. The meaningful dialogue where he went and he told Rorschach's uh, crazy idea to Osmandius, the richest man in the world. You know, he was the link that tied all of them together. He was down to earth, and, and he he did all that well. You you mentioned uh, you referenced the the pushing his glasses up thing. He's constantly cleaning his glasses. You know, he's in fucking character the whole time, and he's believable. He's I'm 100, and he gave all to the physical scenes in the uh, the prison fight. You know, when they were doing all that stuff, it was all convincing. When he comes down out of Archie and he's got that, that fucking awesome Batman land that he does when he, when yeah. he jump, jumps down in the street. That was I mean, another Batman moment for me with him. I was like, God damn. He embodied, he embodied the role. No, so. That's why I gave my best character. Like, I thought it was a great um, deconstruction of Batman and Clark Kent. You know, yeah. I thought it was just fantastic. Um, yeah, anything else you want to add to that? No. Okay. Awesome. Uh, my best supporting actor was um, Watchmen. And uh, it's Jeffrey Dean Morgan. It, I love um, him as the comedian. I thought he was great. This movie actually made me love Jeffrey Dean Morgan. You know, I, I look for him to pop up in movies. And see, I, uh, I'm an in the closet Supernatural <laughs> fan. Oh, uh-huh. so I, I've, I've I've loved him as Sam and Dean's okay. dad. This was my first. I think this was my first um, uh, kind of like experience um, of the Jeffrey Dean Morgan experience. You know, and I want to read a quote <laughs> actually from uh, Snyder. He said, "It's hard to find a man's man in Hollywood. It just is." And Jeffrey came in and was grumpy and cool and grizzled and he goes I don't know if he's an ass but he came <laughs> but he came but he came off like one um, and then he goes and I was like okay Jeffrey is perfect and he is he is yeah. perfect to play the comedian um so not only just my love for Jeffrey Dean Morgan um, but he's also as a supporting I think that uh, it, it's it's a perfect award to give because he's important to every era of this film yep. uh, if you look back in 1940s oh, right. you, look at, you look at uh, Vietnam you know mm-hmm. you look at the beginning of the movie it's, he's the driving force you know um, so well he was a member of the original movie exactly yeah so I you know I he's the link to the past yeah and yeah. I love being disgusted by him like he is a vile character and you, you see get, his outfit but yeah, in the minute yeah, so that's when Moloch took yeah. place before Very he became the militant works for the government yeah. version of himself you see both sides of that yeah. uh, in, in the way he presents it. And I'm glad that they kept... Can you imagine? Like, that's what my what the fuck was. Johnny Depp being the fucking comedian. Oh, God. I, like, I like Johnny Depp, but fuck yeah. no. <laughs> and I think, um, you know, we've, we've... But he's being directed by Tim Burton. <laughs> we, we gave so much fuck. love to the Watchmen. <laughs> I'm sorry, I cannot imagine what a giant pile of shit. We gave so much <laughs> love to the characters of Watchmen. Um, I want to give love to the actors, though, in supporting cast, because, man... One of the things that I don't think that the reason they could remake this is I can't see anybody else's Jeffrey D. That's a that's a good sign too. I yeah. can't see anybody else's Jeffrey D. Morgan. I can't hear anybody but Billy Crudup, you know, as um, Doctor Manhattan. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Ozzy Mendez, um, I, I forget that guy's Matthew Good, I think. He is perfect. I love his look, his length. Everybody and, fit the role in that Yeah, movie. everybody fit the role. And, Excellent. Yeah, Rorschach, the guy who plays Rorschach, um, what's his name again? Uh, Jackie Earl Yeah, Haley. Jackie Earl Haley. You say Jackie Earl Haley, the first thing I think of is Rorschach. Yep. You know, um, so I you can remake this. I don't. I don't know, man. I just. I'm connected I to the. I I'm not connected to, to the I, actors and the actresses in this. I think. I think they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, I want to give that some love. But I also want to give a runner-up, Samuel Jackson as Frozone. Yeah, yeah, he was did good. fucking awesome. I hit on it earlier where Brad Bird hired him because he wanted the coolest voice, and it is every time that he speaks in Incredibles is fucking cool. It's yeah, cool. He's, he's got your attention. He has your attention. He commands like, it. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. And again, he's not in it very much. I think that was kind of a bum deal too because like yeah. I really would, I hope that in Incredibles 2 that Frozone gets a little bit more time. Oh, that'd be great. I think that would be awesome. But uh, for the, the time that he was there, you know, he he was awesome. Yeah, he yeah. sold it. So, Golden. Um, best actress. Uh, you know, I really liked uh, Carla Gugino from The Watchmen as Silk Spectre too. I thought she, she looked like her mom but she was... I mean, oh, who'd you say? Uh, Silk Spectre 2. Okay, so Malin Ackerman? Because you said, who'd you say? Isn't it Carlo Gugino who played that? Silk Spectre 2 is uh, Malin Ackerman. The, the, in The Watchmen, right? Yeah. Not, yeah. 19, not the 1940s that got raped by a comedian. Yeah. You're talking got, about her? No. Okay, so you're talking about Malin Ackerman. I must have got the name switched around then. Okay. My apologies. You're talking about the one that goes around with Nido. <laughs> yes. That's Malin Ackerman. Yeah. So, okay, uh, wow. Okay, I got the name switched around. My apologies. Lori. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I just I loved her as Silk Spectre yep. too. Uh, the way she interacted with Night Owl, uh, and honestly, it's so unlike her mom. You know, she was almost innocent, not quite the uh, lack of a better word, floozy that her mom was. And like she seemed to feed off the other characters, no matter who she was around. Uh, whether she was talking to Rorschach, you know, she was a different character. When she was with Night Owl, she was a different character, and she played each one of these perfectly. Almost like she wasn't one person, really. You know, and even when she spoke to the comedian, she almost had a different tone in her voice, a different way of moving. I, I thought she did beautiful in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, she so. she was great. Uh, I fixed that shit. I'm all over. <laughs> <laughs> I went with Holly Hunter as uh, Helen Parr, Elastigirl. Uh, she did a terrific job uh, as as the mom. Uh, she was there when when she needed to be for the kids. But the thing that really it, where it shined was on the plane when the plane was going yeah. down and she's yelling at them and you know eventually she apologizes for yelling at them but explains to him I this is a real situation yeah. this is not like your TV shows <clears throat> she hit so many different elements of that character by playing the concerned mom at the school the the loving wife she's talking it's leftovers night you know she covered the whole spectrum and she did it well she did it believable and uh, None of the other female actresses in this versus really did anything for me on that level. No. So, uh, for me, it was uh, Holly Hunter. Okay, yeah, and I'm right there with you. Um, I went Holly Hunter as well. Um, and it's funny, too, we have another Zack Snyder connection, but uh, Holly Hunter was Senator Finch in yep. BVS, yep. and I fucking hated her. There's some, <laughs> I could not stand the way that she talked. It sounded like she was fucking swallowing her tongue the whole goddamn damn time. She's the one that drank, you know, She fucking. talks that same way in this. She does, and that, that surprised I, I me. I knew it was her yeah. immediately. It, that's in my notes. I was surprised by how much I loved her in this role because I did not like her as Senator Finch, but there's there's warmth and family in mm-hmm. her voice, yep. and there's so yep. much voice acting going on that she totally embodies it. Um, 
Um, she really brought um, Elastigirl to life for me, but um, it's it's all in that voice acting. Just so much warmth and, and care. And I've been talking about how I think the themes of this movie are, is important too, and it's at the core of that duo that I gave, you know? And you can hear it in their voice. Uh, so I give it to Holly Hunter. Um, my runner-up was Malin Ackerman. Um, Ackerman actually described her character as the psychology and the emotion of the film. Uh, the film. I don't know if I agree with that, but uh, to stick out, uh, she does stick out for me yeah. in a man's movie. Like, I mean, you have Dr. Manhattan, fucking Rorschach, and you have all these powerful fucking players, a comedian. Every time she's on, on, she on the her set, fucking ground. every time that she's on the set, um, I buy her 100%, and that is hard when you're dominated by a male cast. Um, I thought she did a fantastic job, but um, overall, I had to go with the powerful voice acting of Holly Hunter. So, uh, that takes us to best actor. Uh, funny, uh, Josh hit it. Uh, Patrick Wilson, uh, uh, Watchmen as Night Owl. He did such an amazing job uh, out of the mask and in the mask. And you could tell, I mean, there were some little moments he kind of mixed the two together. But for the most part, he was just two different people, even with the, uh, the Night Owl mask on. Uh, his actions, he was just such a different person, but still good. Yep. He wasn't awkward anymore. When he put that suit on, and speaking of the sex scene, he was not awkward. I mean, he was confident. He was in charge. He was kicking ass. Uh, now, out of the out of the costume, he was uh, a little awkward, yep. maybe even a little clumsy at times. Uh, you know, I around women. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? He was just uh, well, not himself. But yeah. when he had that, you know, night owl mask on, different person, and he played that. Beautifully. No, I love Patrick even Wilson the, his in this movements. Movie. Yeah, yeah. Right when he's sitting at the the console flying Archie and she's going around and the door explodes or the the window explodes and all that stuff. He fucking turns around like it just that that superhero action style and he mm -hmm. he's, he turns into that moment. He does that a lot when he's looking at his dials and he looks up at Archie. I mean, it's just sharp movements, almost bird like. Interestingly mm -hmm. enough, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know if that was intentional, but. Um, all the way through the Antarctic scene, when he's finally got that suit on and we're out doing stuff, he his movements are more sharp and, and, and quick and just confident. That's yeah. the perfect word. Well, where'd you go? Uh, Jackie Earl Haley as as Rorschach. It's a good pick. It's a pick. Uh, yeah, he was my runner-up. <clears throat> Mine too. Completely embodied the role, raspy voice. Yeah. Uh, movements, obviously the physicality that went into uh, the stunts that he did. Well, the um, anger on his face too, like even when they you know took his face off and yeah. he flipped out, you could see it. And and the mm -hmm. the emotional moment in the end when he says, "Oh yeah, kill me." Of course, you have to protect protect Vite's new utopia. What's one more body amongst the foundations? Yeah. What are you waiting for? Do it, and then he just screams, "Do it!" And so much power, ferocity, and he is Rorschach. Exactly what you yeah. did, you said. You know, there is no other person I can possibly think of they could play that role uh he he just completely embodied it that was so hard for me man i went back and forth on this um uh i think i'm gonna keep keep it the same um runner up was watchman jack Earl haley like i like i said earlier you say his name and i think watchman but I think it was so inspired casting. I love inspired casting. You pick someone that you hasn't worked for a long time or hasn't done anything that was really relevant. And uh, bringing uh, in Craig T. Nelson 
as Mr. Incredible. I thought it's so inspiring. You know, like he has a superhero voice. Almost all the love that I gave Holly Hunter for, you know, he has that warmth and that that heroic voice. And um, it took him, I was looking into um, his voice acting and what all he had to do for it. I guess uh, Jason Lee recorded his vocals like in four days, but uh, uh, Craig T. Nelson showed up for the span of two years working on that voice. That's a long fucking time. Yeah. And I usually, like, you know, if we recorded different things in the studio, that's hard to get that dialogue right, too, you know? Mm-hmm. That's more of a, you know, producing thing in a, in a, in a studio thing. But um, there's just something about his voice that I buy as very heroic, like classic hero. You got, yeah. you give him his, your best hero. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and I you hear that in his voice. There's a very... That was a part of it. I mean, his voice was part yeah. of it. I mean, it's part of the persona. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I fell in love with his voice. Um, but at the same time, that uh, that Jackie Earl Haley was, was a great yeah, pick. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, Great T. Nelson, man. I would never expected to cast him. You know, yeah, um, come from the guy who played coach or who played the lead. In yeah, Poltergeist, exactly. And he's and now he's bam. He's I told like, yeah. I told my son that's the guy from Poltergeist, and he was like, <laughs> "Really? I couldn't. I you can't. He couldn't believe it. He yeah, had to it look it, to... he had to look it up. You know, because you know, I don't know. There's just something. Well, about I did it. too. To be honest, I heard that. And I thought, is that Craig T. No, I wasn't sure. Uh-huh. It was just like. Well, fuck, so I, I looked it up, I'm like, I'll be goddamn. Yeah, because you could go with, like, a Bruce Campbell or a fucking Patrick Warburton, right? Yeah. Those are your go-tos, you know, when you're creating a hero um, animated, right? Yeah. Someone who has that, that heroic voice, you know? Uh, but to grab Craig D. Nelson, I thought he was so, so inspired, and um, I, I love him. I thought he was fantastic. So that's what I went for best actor. All right, and, and you know what? Rorschach, when you talk about Rorschach, I think there's a lot of... Um, Voice acting there too. There's a lot of models. Yeah. There's a lot of voice acting. Reading you only, his journal. Yeah, you you hear that more than you see him yeah. on screen. So for me, best actor really did come down to voice acting. You know, uh, when he does take off that mask, though, there is a lot of, oh, of God, ang- yeah. anger and acting that he is doing. A so, lot of acting. And you can tell. I, you know, I almost got the feeling that well, when the the police had the apartment surrounded, Malik's apartment, and he's freaking out, going, "No!" I, it almost seems to me, no, no, that's no, his fear. No, no. Not going to prison. But them taking his mask off, that almost seems to be his fear more than being, ca- you know what I mean, yeah. part of being captured. Well, that's that acting I see when I, when I was talking about how he, he wants Dr. Manhattan to kill him so he doesn't go back. I, I get that because of his facial expressions. That's where I get that from because it's more of a like a goddamn to me. I don't want to fucking do this, you know, but I'm in this this fucking gray reality that I'm not used to. I don't want, I don't know what the fuck to do. That's what I get from his voice there. I might change that, man. You should change what to Rorschach. I'm gonna I go, feel I'm gonna, like I have an opportunity to sway you, and I yeah, think that, I'm gonna. And that's what Versus is about. I'm, come to the side. I right. love the inspired <laughs> casting from Craig T. Nelson, but I'm gonna go with Jackie Earl Haley. I'm gonna change that up because I love that final scene where he. That's where I get that. There that are so many about. elements to that character that he brought to life, and you're talking about Rorschach behind the mask when he's speaking. Yeah, the emotion he's able to carry via his voice without you seeing anything that's taking place other than the movements on the cloth. And then you've got his journal and his actually his actual acting as what we'll call... Yeah, I'm going to change that. I like that. I'm going to go with Jackie. That sounds better. I like that. I can sleep at night. <laughs> Jackie Earl Haley. I like that. No, that was good. All right. Best scene. Uh, to me, like I said, just so many of them. But uh, my award goes to the Watchmen. Uh, comedian jumping out of Archie. That's to, cool. To the song. The, 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 even the song was uh-huh. perfect. I'm your boogeyman. He was the goddamn boogeyman jumping out of that yeah. thing. And he, he doesn't even hesitate. What's the first thing you do? He punches a woman in the face. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's just like, he just like gets up and everybody's like, well, you know, who gives a shit? He's a watchman. He's one man. And this lady gets in his face. And he's, the first thing he does, just 
knocks a bitch Shows out. Shows her who he, she's messing with. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, uh, uh, Night Owl's and Archie going, oh, this is heavy, man. We all assumed he was firing, like, rubber bullets or some shit, right? Uh, I, no, not from the way things. There was people, I mean, like, I'm sure it would knock a person unconscious or anything. But there were people laying on the ground, gone. I mean, they were just gone. I think he was firing 12-gauge shotgun rounds. Oh, my God. Up and, I mean, to me, that's what it looked like. I'll have and to also, rewatch that scene. Yeah, I've, I've always wondered, like... Look, look at it. There's people just... You know, I mean, it seems very comedian that he would do that. You know, I, I mean, no they're, they're not to crawling away in pain, like, oh god, that hurt like a but motherfucker. Doing it dead. in front of Night Owl. I mean, I, I well, that's why Night Owl just was like, uh, and that, and even the scene continues. He jumps down. He's like, "What about the American dream?" And this is the one thing I agree with on the comedian. He's like, "This is it. They it came got true. it. It came true." And I, I believe that to be so fucking true. People are going to get everything they want, and they don't realize that there's there's a well, and the well's going to run dry. No. You know, like Fury Road again. No. Oh, yeah, here's all the water. I mean, it's going to be the greatest month of their life. <laughs> yeah. But then all of a month. sudden, that, that one part of the day isn't going to seem so fucking bad anymore <laughs> once that month's over, you know? <laughs> and that's it. You know, they got the dream. They got everything. The well's dry. Yeah. And, of course, they're going to just start blaming everybody. And I love that whole scene from them. He jumps down. The music's going, yeah. <laughs> and it, I, I'm rooting the evil guy here just because, I mean, he's having fun doing yeah. it. And that's the thing and about the comedian. Like, yeah. <laughs> the comedian is the one character in all of The Walking Dead <laughs> that I don't fully understand. Mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like I fully understand. Just when I think I do, he does something, I'm like, oh, whoa, I was fucking right, wrong. Right, because they jump <laughs> around with his humanity mm-hmm. and his complete and utter lack of regard I don't even think he life. understands himself, really. It, I don't think he tries to, yeah. I, I think he doesn't he, question it. He just goes on his He's instinct. reckless in the way he moves through life, and mm-hmm. he finds a way to just deal with the shit. He's so broken that he puts himself together by being this this mockery of Well, he even threatens Night Owl in that, in that scene, because he's like, hey, man, and he just, he's like, don't you fucking touch me, yeah. And I thought, shit, that's, that's going to go down, but even Night Owl, until... Uh, uh, you know, he shot that person against the wall. It was a beautiful scene. No. What's yours? Uh, so, this might be a cop-out, but I don't think so, because it's the one thing that we have talked about a dozen times uh, during this conversation, and that is the ending of The Watchmen. <clears throat> that whole segment is so powerful. Mm-hmm. From the moment where... Dr. Manhattan asks him, what's that, some new ultimate weapon? He says something like that and turns on the TV. The whole atmosphere of that segment changes. Everybody realizes what's happened. And then you see all of them start to turn inward about what are we going to do? How do we respond to this? Lori says, we're not going to do this. Dan says nothing. Rorschach says, I'm leaving. And just that ending. That, that, that internal question yeah. that everybody's forced to ask themselves, and specifically outside between Rorschach and Dr. Manhattan. The snow stops. Those two are looking at each other. Manhattan's eyes are pale, and, and you know there's nothing there, which, which speaks in and of itself to the type of man that's behind those eyes. Yeah. And he's not willing to, to see things from any perspective, and Rorschach knows it. The end is there. The writing's on the wall. I, I mean, the ending of The Watchmen, the movie, the graphic novel, one and the same to me. They're just so powerful. To me, when he turned on those TV, that's when, to me, it seemed to click with everybody. This is real. I mean, there was some fighting going on up to the point, some serious shit going down. 
But when he turns on the TV and you see all the news and all the Two media superpowers going on over this, other. it's like, this is fucking real. It happened. You know, I think that's when it all sets in for too, and that causes a chain reaction to Rorschach and Manhattan. Even Dr. Manhattan really might have... All through there. When, <clears throat> when Manhattan kills Rorschach and Dan hits his knees and screams no, he fucking rushes back inside and Ozzy just takes the hits. Oh, yeah. You know, he's like, you haven't idealized humanity you've 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 mutated it mm-hmm. you you know you've destroyed it. <clears throat> it i can't say enough good things about the ending of that movie and the conversation that it generates is just mm-hmm. limitless yeah it's fucking phenomenal we've been back and forth about it oh, who's who's the bad guy mm-hmm. uh it's just too powerful to let go and it is the most powerful scene in the entire verses uh, between these two movies right on um i talked about this earlier um i'm gonna give it my runner-up is um, the argument between Bob and Helen? I love that scene. Um, I think it's great where he has that rubble on his shoulder yeah, and he, yeah. you know, he's trying to. Well, the building was coming down anyway. Oh, there's a building. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love that scene. It, it is a terrific yeah, scene. I think mm-hmm. it's a great scene. Um, that's my runner-up, and then I also love the uh, scene between uh, Bob and uh, Lucius. You know, or Frozone, where they're talking yeah. about the monologue, and we've talked about that. But um, I love that where he's like, he starts monologuing. Um, he starts like this prepared speech about. Um, how feeble I am compared to him, how inevitable my defeat is, how the world will soon be his, yada, yada, yada. Just yammering. I mean, the guy has me on a platter and he won't shut up. I think that was a pretty cool yeah. scene. I'm and showing, he was monologuing. Yeah, showing them as a duo, which you gave, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so um, I thought that was a great scene. But my favorite scene was the vintage-style newsreel. That was um, fucking good. This was, again, this is 2004. You know, I gave my best animation um, to, to, you know, Incredibles. And uh, I just think it was... Uh, this is 2004. You see this black and white scene that paints this world before, which we we see almost the exact same kind of scene in, in Watchmen. But you see the uh, uh, the flashbacks of uh, you know what Incredible did to Mister Sandsweet, breaking his neck by slamming him through a window. Um, it also sets up the world for uh, the peeping Tom X-ray vision guy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's in the papers. Uh, you actually see like some some newspapers, uh, Dinah guy in court. You know, so it kind of sets up all these old um, superheroes, you know, and kind of how this world has shifted because of the collateral damage. You know, you see the L train scene there, uh, you know, speakers uh, talking on a podium about, you know, why they're passing this. And I just thought this vintage style newsreel was just so refreshing for 2004. You know, I thought the animation there was great. And it's, again, it built that world for me. I really, really enjoyed that. I have to ask. Uh You honestly would put that scene over the opening of The Watchmen? Times they are a change in maybe fair question. (laughs) Won't we just wait to see what my defining moment is? (laughs) (laughs) Touche, good sir. (laughs) So that takes us to uh, good goddamn answer. (laughs) So that takes us to defining moments. Because I do want to go first. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. Uh, My uh, my runner up uh, was at the Watchmen was what you had said the ending of the Watchmen. To me, that was the ultimate question of what's right and what's wrong. But uh, in the end, I, I went with The Incredibles. Uh, Mr. Incredible admitting that he is weak without his wife. Uh-huh. I mean, this is Mr. Fucking Incredible. Yeah, yeah. He is a, even superheroes look up and go, God damn, he's incredible. You know and yet I mean? you wouldn't give an award to an actor. Look up, Josh. And then, uh, you know what I mean? This guy, he throws trains. Uh-huh. You know, nothing gets to him. But he looks at his wife and he's like, I'm weak without you. Uh-huh. I can't fucking do it. Yeah. You're my adventure and I almost... You know, and exactly. I, 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 I mean, that's such a boom, such that, a momentous scene. I love the way that she felt the honesty 
in him when mm-hmm. he said that. Yeah, yeah. You know, because he, she walks in, she sees him hugging Mirage, and she gets all fucking snooty about it and shit, and he turns it around. We didn't go through some, she's mad at him, doesn't believe him, or exactly. any of that bullshit. The she truth spoke it. for itself. And to me, it's also in the, the, the superhero world, like his superhero life and his human life just collided into one moment. And, and at you that know? point, I think she realizes as well yeah. that that's the way it has to be. Exactly. He, he can't deny who he is any more than he can be without his family. Exactly. They are one and the same. He, he can't be Mr. Incredible, but he can't be, you know, it's just... The whole that's thing was just—that's a good pick. I, mean, I like that. It was a real heart heart puller, you know. I mean, like I so said, this guy, like I said, he's he's a superhero among superheroes, yeah. but he cannot do it without this. Yeah. He's and that goes nothing. back to how I think, um, you know, I was so surprised how some people were just like, "Yeah, there's come on, it's Watchmen." Yeah, there's different themes going on there, but I think that's you know, you got some deep deep stuff going on in Watchmen, oh, which yeah. I prefer. Um, at the end of the day, too, but man, there's some powerful stuff just on on marriage and relationship and, and, and family. You got to look a little deeper into it. And again, I mean, it goes, it goes back to the tone too, you know, yeah, like yeah. the darker tones of Watchmen or the lighter tones of Incredibles, you know. So, um, yeah, what was yours? Uh, so, in, in in trying to keep with that reality that that these are comparable, um, despite people's attempts to deny that. Um, I, I picked the scene where the Watchmen are meeting with Ozymandias, the map. He's got this plan of how they're going to attack crime and all this stuff. And the comedian stands up and laughs and sets it on fire and says Ozymandias here is going to be the, the smartest man on the cinder. That is a pivot moment, right? It is. It is the past meets the present and thinks about the future. It is the change that our heroes take. And that's something that happens in both movies. You have the film reel separating, you know, that transition um, uh, in Incredibles. You have that same thing happening in this one. All of our characters are completely different after that moment. And in in the case of the Incredibles, they're retired, but he still wants to get back in. It's kind of the same thing there. This was just before the Keen Act happens. Rorschach's a slightly different person. Nightwing is still invested. Uh, Lori is Silk Spectre is is still innocent. She hasn't been touched by any of that stuff. You know, she's still fresh and new to the game. And then we get these older, more just defined versions of broken versions of them later. And I think it shows the progression of that's a pivoting moment where it shows the progression of our heroes within both of these yeah, stories. Yeah, let's go. And it just it's relevant to both. I can have a conversation <clears throat> about both. But the one that did it for me was seeing the comedian in the Minutemen. And then he shows up at the meeting for the Watchmen and just fucking laughs at him. Yeah. You know, he just laughs. It's all a joke, and, and he leaves. Yeah. It shows that age of the superhero. I thought it it really said a lot about both movies uh, in that that moment. So yeah, uh, my defining moment, Josh. <laughs> earlier tonight, yeah, Josh. <laughs> earlier tonight, I really wanted to celebrate. Hallelujah. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I really wanted to celebrate that vintage style newsreel. I love that scene. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for that, my best thing probably wouldn't have went to, you know, the uh, times are a-changing. And, uh, but I love that vintage style newsreel. So I gave that my best scene, all right? And very two similarities here, you know, the opening of that and the opening of Incredibles. And uh, there's just, man, the times are changing. It just, it sets the nature and the that tone. That is one of the best yeah. title sequences. Pantheon of, of, title of, sequence. Of anything yeah. ever. Um, you know, it starts off with. they took the time. To do it, yeah, make it real. They didn't just half-ass that yeah. shit. It was, it was thought put into it. Yeah, so the opening credits montage set to Bob Dylan's "The Times Are Changing," but um, it shows you like Hollis Mason 
dressed as the night owl. Mm-hmm. Um, it shows you the uh, the Minutemen posing in 1940. Um, all the celebrity the lookalikes. Old costume. Yeah, all the celebrity lookalikes. Um, I thought it was great. And I want to read a just a random blog entry I found, and I I, I looked at this. And I was like, I can't come up with anything better than this. I'm going to read his blog. Um, I don't have his name. It was just something I was reading. I just copied it off. Um, so if some that person... So at the end of this, copyright Brad Hawkins, continue. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so I said... <laughs> so no, this, this random blogger, um, whoever he is, I, thought, I think he fucking nailed it. He said, Alan Moore is keen on calling his original graphic novel unfilmable. But I dare say the first 10 minutes of this movie, in all its splendor, is unwritable. So he mm. goes, take that. And it's so true, yeah, you know, like yeah. I, you can't like even though the, the the music is in the graphic novel, like it's displayed, isn't it? Um, to where uh, you can't hear it. You can't a graphic hear novel, it. Though. And um, like you just I think it's a pantheon um, opening montage. It is. It, and is. it absolutely is. You can't you know, you can't write that. It's feels. You know, hot on the heels of that is Dawn of the Dead's opening sequence. And yeah, so no, I will do or don't like about that movie. That's the best part of the movie. The fucking opening is is wonderful. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think he nailed it. Yeah, you can't you can't write that. You know what yeah. he gives you in that first ten minutes of, of Watchmen. So that was my defining moment. So uh, for best kill, uh-huh. right? I, I there were so many. Yeah. <laughs> I literally I just went to YouTube and I typed in uh, Watchmen kill count. Mm-hmm. And I watched a video <laughs> and I'm listening to times they are changing and I hear this ding, ding like five fucking times during the opening segment. The movie's just starting and people are dying in the opening credit. <laughs> it's fucking wonderful. So I said I but it covers yeah, so much so territory. Much. Yeah, it does. And uh, silhouette. I mean, they linger on the bed, right? And then you hear a ding ding for <laughs> and her partner, yeah, yeah. you know? That's funny. Um there was uh when uh this is off the, uh-huh. the beaten path that you're 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 uh, you're both there but when uh Ozymandias kills all the scientists it dings like fucking twelve times, <laughs> but I thought that was that was it was funny that I'm watching this opening montage and I they, they do it start to finish because oh. all those kills take place in there. Yeah, it, it does. It covers so much territory and so much depth of the world. I I, I like that a lot. It's yeah. unwritable. Yep, unwritable. So that takes us to we have three left. So if you're with us this far, this is our longest one I think so far. We're almost we're almost drink a whole pot of coffee. We're at two fifty seven right now. So, um, director, Uh, you know, coming from the guy who made the worst, one of the worst fucking remakes I've ever seen, I I thought this guy might get a what the fuck award at best. But I'll give credit where it's due. Uh, The Watchmen, Zack Snyder. Uh, I've never been a fan of his. It's kind of reason why I never really rewatched, you know, The Watchmen. Uh-huh. But it's like, God damn, he nailed this. He 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 did a just a splendid fucking job on this. You know, Incredibles, good, really good. Zack Snyder just nailed it. I mean, perf- almost perfection <laughs> as far as directing goes in this movie. Yeah, that's really all I got to say about it. I mean, it's, no, it's just... pretty good, pretty damn impressive. <clears throat> I want so bad to give this to Snyder, but I can't. Then do it. <laughs> I had to give it to Brad Bird, and I had to give it to Brad Bird because of the challenges that he set out. No compromise on what he wanted. Yeah, he did really good. And he demanded it of Pixar when the technology wasn't there, forced their, their hand, wouldn't give in. I think there was only one thing that he caved on. I don't remember exactly what that was, but, I mean, they had to pursue... Uh, human animation, they had to pursue smoke and explosions, all the things that you mentioned before. They had to raise the bar, and he demanded it, and he got it, and they nailed it. And I think that that is more 
deserving of the director award than Snyder simply because Snyder didn't fuck with it. <clears throat> Snyder had it, a storyboard in the greatest graphic novel of all time, already prepped for him, and he didn't alter it. Now, I don't think that that's a bad thing. We've talked yeah. about that, how I think that him being consistent with it, but I don't think it challenged him. <clears throat> I think that what we got was Zack Snyder really does well with other people's work when it's well-structured yeah. and they're ready to go for him. Batman versus Superman, I'll even reference, is a different experience because he took so many pieces of so many special things and tried to put them together that it didn't it didn't have the structure. But Watchmen, beginning to end, he just fucking took it and brought it to life. I don't think that challenged him as a director. I think he was the right one to do it, but I don't think that it necessarily <clears throat> pulled the truth of what he he himself brings to the table out of him. And I will reference the fuck out of something. You know, this may be why I love his, his, my, uh, his favorite, uh, my favorite movie done by him. Because he didn't do jack shit with it. I think that that is absolutely accurate. (laughs) I think that Zack Snyder did well with The Watchmen because he already had so much of the work done for him. All right, so I can still say he sucks and look at myself in the mirror, all right? (laughs) (laughs) So I went with Brad Bird because he he came to the table with nothing and demanded something, and he got it. He got that out of his team. He was happy with him when it was all said and done, and he created what is considered one of Pixar's masterpieces. So. Brad Bird. Yeah, I'm gonna give Brad Bird my runner-up. Um, for a oh, direct, no shit. <laughs> for, for, my, for Brad Bird to come in and nail comedy, to nail drama, um, to nail sentiment, and to nail um, just some dark spots. No, seriously. Yeah, I think I think he nailed it. You know, and then to de- de- deconstruct and and create this parody. I think he did a lot of great shit. And then coming up with the 1960s um, comics, you know, um, or even, you know, tapping into Marvel, tapping into Fantastic Four, tapping into Watchmen. He you know, even the though whole he, world of it. Even though he never read it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, uh, just but, heard about it. But then de- putting the spy film spin on it, too. You know, I thought, I thought he did a fantastic job with it. But overall, um, for someone to come in and do what Zack Snyder did with Watchmen... <clears throat> I think, arguably, um, I don't think it can be done better, you know? Um, and it takes a lot to, when you're making something, adapting, especially a graphic novel, a lot of people want to put their own spin on it. I mean, look at all the adaptations we have. And they come up with storyboards. His storyboards were straight from the graphic novel. He didn't say, oh, okay, let's storyboard this stuff and then see what we're going to do. No, he used the graphic novel as storyboards. And this was 2009. A lot of people were using green screen. There's a little bit of green screen in here. Yeah. But for the most part, anytime he could build a real set, he did a, a real set, and I think that's what's going to give this film <coughs> longevity. Um, I think uh, there's a lot here that looks really fucking awesome. You know, that's, is, I think it still holds I, up because I, I, I agree. I think I think for a lot of it, um, using those practical sets over green screen for the majority was a smart move. Uh, but then um, sticking to that, uh, changing that ending to Moore's like aliens, octopus squid thing. I'm gonna play devil's advocate. Uh-huh. He didn't write it. Yeah, but do you think he me. had? You think he had anything to do with that? I'm sure not. he did. I do not. That, really? thing, that script went through so many different iterations from the '90s, and the two guys that wrote it back in the '90s were still the ones credited with the writing for it when it was completed with <laughs> Zack Snyder. I think that work was done. I, and I'll say this: remove that from it, and I'll still give it to him because we talked about earlier. What would the Terry Gilliam movie look like? You know, what would the Tim Burton movie look like? <laughs> and it would have felt like their movies. Zack Snyder didn't come in. He did put his slow mo. There is Zack Snyder influence on this. Definitely, he's got a signature on it. But to put most of himself to the side and like, no, I'm gonna make a faithful adaptation. Do you think that was his choice though, or do you think he was along for the ride? No, I think it was his choice. 
Yeah, because okay. I think uh, when he came in, he had a lot of creative control over this. I don't want to be sitting here trying to pull a vote away from Watson, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I, I honestly <laughs> feel like Zack Snyder is not the quality of director that we see in Watchmen. Yeah. I feel like but his I think supporting he, cast and the work that yeah. was done before he got there is what made then, this movie stick. You know what I'll argue with? 300. You know, he was the first director to come in and do 300 and Watchmen. I think this was this was before Sin City, wasn't it? I believe so. Robert Rodriguez and cuz I mean before we did Incredibles versus Watchmen, it was going to be Watchmen versus Sin City. You know, for Robert Rodriguez, Zack Snyder coming in and, and sticking so close to source material. Um, you know, I think uh, a lot of directors would have changed that. But you see him sticking to, you know, 300 and, you know, using the storyboards. That was all him right there with the storyboards and uh, not creating his own, you know. And this thing, like, we already have storyboards. You know, why fucking make some? Um, but I know, I think uh, Zack Snyder just fucking nailed it, you know. And I'm not a Zack Snyder fan at all. Yeah, so. I'm yeah, I would have loved to give this like Brad. I like what Josh back. had to say, but I I, I got to back Brad up. Yeah, so um, I'm going with Zack Snyder, and that takes us to our new category called Wild Card. Um, it's our 19th award. We've always had 19, um, so this is or yeah 19. Now we have 20. A Wild Card is something we're trying out, which you can beef up one of your categories. Um, you can uh, it can be an effects holder because we don't have an effects category. I've always wanted to give. Best picture two points, so I can use it as a giving my best picture a second point if I think it's going to be close. Uh, you can do a lot of things with this. So, Wayne, what is your wild card? Well, I wanted to fit the theme, uh, the superhero theme that we had kind of going on here. So, I went with uh, best costume. Oh, cool. And uh, mine was The Incredibles. Oh, wow. Syndrome. I, okay. I, I know you said you didn't like the way he looked. I loved it. Just that spiral represents madness. And that's what this guy was. And as far as his hair being all over the place and stuff. Like I said, I think he was still trapped as a child. Just that moment. Now, I think probably a little crazy to begin with, but that moment when Mr. Incredible just, like, just got stern with him, I work alone, fuck off. I mean, you might as well just told the kid to fuck yeah, off, yeah. right? And this kid idolized him, and he snapped, and he just stayed that way. Like I said, his costume That's and his hair, it just, to me, represents... Insanity and madness. That's why that's why you gave me the look then when I said I didn't like. Um, his, yeah, his look. I did. I kind of gave Brett like, well, fuck, that might be awkward later. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Uh, so I, I just asked myself what else I wanted to make sure I talked about, and um, I mentioned earlier that I think that every single character in Watchmen is amazing, and I don't feel like I've given enough credit to Doctor Manhattan. So my wild card is the best character. And it is Manhattan because okay. the scope of that character, the, the, the powers, the power set that he has, the way that he perceives time, the way that he, he exists yeah. differently than all of us. That's really cool. And yet the way that they have to pull him back yeah. to reality, to humanity in that moment that he does it with Laurie on Mars, I think is magnificent, is beautiful, it's touching. Um, but... Again, I said it earlier, in the graphic novel and in the movie, both, that, that segment where he goes to Mars and he's self-reflecting yeah. differently than we do because he's simultaneously living every moment of his life at the same time. He's there. He's not He's not even remembering it. He is physically there. Um, that, it's just so mind-boggling. And then the, the references to uh, his father being a watchmaker and him showing how to put all the pieces back together. There's just so much going on there that I absolutely love about Manhattan. Right. <clears throat> that I I just had to I had to bring him up. Okay. I had to talk about Manhattan. It's funny, um, Wayne, you said costume. I made my wild card the costume award. 
Right. Yeah, so that's that's really cool. Um, but that's why I love the wild card. You never know what to expect. See, from I didn't this. know what to make out of it, so I thought, you know what, our, our theme here is super. Cause mm -hmm. I, I almost wanted to make it effects, but I thought animation versus this. Tell thought, me, tell me, yours is birthday costume. suit. No, no, mine. <laughs> is, no, so it's it's for, it's for Watchmen. It's for Watchmen. Um, but I went with um, overall just the costumes. You know, um, in general, I guess. thought the. Hmm. Nail. No, Damn no, it. no, 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 it's, it's going to be one that probably will hit you. Molly. Yeah, nope, not, not at all. So <laughs> I'm going to give it to all of them. I love all the costumes from the comedian to, to Night Owl to, you know, all of them I thought were fantastic. I really love the costumes here. Some of my favorite costumes. And he nailed uh, superhero costumes yeah. before anyone else, in yeah. my opinion. But what I, the reason I'm giving this for is for, for all the costumes, okay, but one in particular, okay, is um, Ozzy Mendeus's. Okay, really? which is a par which is a parody. To me, that almost looks like the worst one, really. The, of the watch. That's minute. why I love it because there's, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's it, that it sounds funny. It does, but, no, but it's because you know there's it's a parody of the superhero movies that came before it. Like his suit was influenced by Batman and Robin's 19, 1997 suit. And I just think it fits him perfectly because, like, Batman had the um, the Batman bat nipples, you know. And, and <laughs> no, but check this out, Ozzy Mendez, um, he has that same kind of thing going on. See, I thought he looked like a Flash reject to me. You know what's really interesting though? <laughs> what is he into? He's into um, Alexander the Great, and you look back at that kind of history, and those superheroes were. I mean, the the reason that um, I forget the director um, is it um, for Batman and Robin? What was who was a Schumacher? Schumacher. The reason he went with that look, and it didn't work for Batman and Robin, was because back in the day, the, the heroes and stuff they were chiseled out, and you could just it was like you know watching Three Hundred, you know. And uh, that's uh, Zack Snyder was like, you know what, I'm going to give him that same kind of look. And there's just something that. That just stands out when I see, but Ozzy Mendez, he, he fits that perfectly, especially with his love for Alexander the Great and how that he fits that and how he wears that. I just I love him in that suit. Not too many people could pull it off, but he does. I just love the rubbery look to it. I think it's it's something classical for him. Extra tidbit about that. I, I'm glad you brought that up because I noticed um, when I watched it uh, two days ago, three days ago, um, when they were zooming out. Uh, after all the aftermath of the stuff at the end of the scene, they were zooming out. He was in his suit. <clears throat> I thought it was a really cool element. It just shows how much they really put into the yeah. fucking the suit. <clears throat> his his boots are boots, but if you look at them, they've got like a, a, a light section running down the middle right to where, um, right between his, his big toe and the next toe. <clears throat> To mimic the look of a sandal. I mean, yeah, and that, he, uh, that's awesome. he's fucking wearing sandals like they used yeah. to wear back in Greece, yeah. you know? And I thought that was just a really nice touch. Yeah, I think that that suit. I think that parody to Batman and Robin fits really <coughs> awesome in Watchmen for some reason. I just, I really connected with that. That was really neat, so that was mine. Where for your vote? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then number 20, our last award is Best Picture. Wayne. Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, you know, I, both of these movies were great. Really, I can't say anything bad about The Incredibles. But when it comes down to it, I loved The Watchmen. It represented to me a more... I mean, The Incredibles had a much more lighthearted, <clears throat> happy-go-lucky almost feel to it. But that's not how I see reality. Uh -huh. To me, reality is very dark. People are, as a whole are ugly Fucking creatures it captures that. It does. It, it, it just it just it does. It grabs humanity's dark side, and I think in the end, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. It's ugly, and it just sucks, to play devil's advocate with is. you. Okay, just to throw you off a little mm -hmm. bit here. 
last episode, you gave your best location. Repeat to, after me. No, fuck that. <laughs> to, to raid, right? No, fuck that. <laughs> did, did, did you give it? You gave your best location to raid, right? Yes, I did. Okay, because it was escapism, and mm-hmm. you didn't like the reality. So explain yourself. I will gladly. <laughs> because I, it, like I said, it's it's not reality, but it represents it. Okay. And it's a fantastical story, and a fantastical setting, but it's still looking at humanity. So the raid, the raid, it as escapism, then? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Uh, just uh, it's there's some reality to it. I mean, you know, I mean, but for the most part, there is more escapism in it. Like the characters, the scenarios. Like uh, Nixon's not going to run for five fucking terms. Uh-huh. There's not a guy running around with a, a literal Trump Rorschach may. mask. Hmm? Trump may. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how that works later. <laughs> uh, but for the most part, it yeah, the humanity part of it is realism. And that's like I said, that's what sucked it into me and got me into the escapism part of the Watchmen. Okay. There's no Watchmen. There's no fucking superhero group. There's no Moloch. And there's never going to be. It's a fantastical way to tell a true story. Exactly. So, okay. justify that. Okay. <laughs> what about you? Incredibles. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't make me laugh. I'm going to pee remember. Watchmen. <laughs> it, it is, I mean. I can't say enough good things about it. Uh, I, I'm not going to say that it's a perfect movie, but it's damn close. It touches so many different topics, subjects, emotions, um, <clears throat> criticisms. It's a, it's a parody of, of us. It's it's amazing. Uh, <clears throat> we have covered so much material during this entire discussion. I mean, you pull any one of those those points out, and it only reinforces this movie being quality. It, it, it's good. It's good. It does not get... <clears throat> and I'll extend that to say that a lot of people won't understand that because a lot of people, I don't feel, knew what kind of movie they were watching when they watched The Watchmen. No. I don't. This is one of those instances I where I believe that the Rotten Tomatoes rating accurately represents people's sentiment about the film. But I think that that is the case because people didn't know what they were watching. What more could you want from a Watchmen movie if you're into it? You know what I'm saying? I don't. Exactly. I really don't understand that. And that's what I think it is. Is uh, there's an affinity from people who understand the story that they see the the quality of the adaptation. Um, but outside looking in, it's just so bleak. A lot of people don't want anything to do with it. You said this to me one time, even about Blade Runner. Blade Runner is a really dry movie. It's a hard movie to get through. It's not a movie you're probably going to put in and watch on a regular basis. But there's no (laughs) fucking denying that it's amazing. So uh, Watchmen is is one of those types of movies where you can just sit down and watch it and be mesmerized by it. All three times I watched it, literally within the past few weeks, I took something different with me each time. I, I really feel like it takes a conversation like we've had the depth of conversation oh, yeah. that we've had like this to show somebody what to look for. No. I, I firmly believe that. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. Maybe maybe some people think that that is a, qu- a negative quality to a film. I, think, I think it just shows that it's got more for you to learn and, and grow into yeah. after every viewing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I went with Watchmen as well. Um, I think it stands up to repeated viewings. Yeah. I think it stands up to repeated viewings. Um I didn't care for it in 2009. Every time I watch it, I like it a little bit more. Um, yeah, it is long, you know, but I think that it's it's, it's worth, worth the time. it's worth Sitting the time. Sitting down to watch exactly. the Watchmen is yeah. an event. I think it's worth you know uh, that that conversation that comes afterwards. Yeah, too. I don't mind really long movies if they make it worth my yeah. while. And the Watchmen, without a doubt, fucking did. Yeah, that. and it's 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 surprising me too. There is a large gulf 
of you know between like the people who like it and the people that that hate it. You know, it, it's it's really interesting to me because I don't understand, especially now in in you know 2017 after we get kind of the same superhero movies that this hasn't become like the new Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Like it hasn't really hit the because it's a classic. It's it's a it's a cult classic for sure. But it's not... Blade Runner has passed that. It's passed cult oh, classic. It's, it's one of the best science fiction movies ever made, generally speaking. Yeah. And I'm really surprised that this hasn't grown stronger legs, you know, than what it has. And it, it's it's one of those things that just really surprises me. You know, honestly, me. I don't think it's marketed nearly as much as Blade Runner. Look, it doesn't you know? exist in a lot of people's eyes. Yeah. They don't even... Yeah. What the fuck is the Watchmen? You know, I read, I read somewhere, right, that if you released it today, um, Watchmen... If you released it today, split it up into 10 episodes and slapped it on Netflix or HBO, all right? They'd love it. Don't tell people that Zack Snyder directed it. It would be considered a classic, you know? You know, Pe- that's actually... People would just be... Would, yeah, would, pretty fucking Would good. be watching it like it's fucking Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad. <laughs> the Back. argument has been made before that Watchmen would have been a better series yeah. of any kind than movie, but I, I honestly reject that because I think that the movie put it in a wonderful package. It just... There's a there's a beginning, there's an end. I think that if you break it down into a ten episode series, you're gonna get a lot of fucking fluff. No. I, I, I do. I, I think a lot of I think potency. it works as both, really. I think the start to finish element of the evolution of the characters carries the weight that you would lose in a ten episode run where you have to remember what happened four hours yeah. ago, you know. I just I think that it's a wonderful. You know, movie. I, I really don't understand who put the stank on it either, because it's like you look at something like World um, uh, World War Z. You read, the adaptation. You read the book, right? World War Z is fucking amazing. The book, okay? Okay, as well. Yeah, no, the, and, the, <laughs> and they shit on. And the World, movie's even fucking better. Yeah, the, the movie sucks so bad. People are like, why couldn't you stick to the book? And in this case. Zack Snyder stuck to the book, okay? People were up and people are like, you're too slavish with it. You should you should expand yourself. You do something new and different, you know? I, I don't I really don't understand it. I think it really is What he I, nothing I, he did was damaging to the story. Yeah. Uh, he preserved it. Yeah. And he made it work. He had the right actors and the right roles. And I'm gonna surprise you guys tonight, but um I like Incredibles. But I don't think it's the masterpiece. I think if there is one at the table tonight, it would be Watchmen, and I think um, Incredibles is slightly overrated. I like it. I like it a lot. I think they're doing a lot of great things in Incredibles. But at the end of the day, I think Watchmen is the better film. And Incredibles, you I surprised like, me, good yeah, sir. Yeah, no. When I'm when I'm talking <laughs> Pixar, when you're looking at Toy Story, you know, um, and, and a few other their movies, I might even go back and look at uh, fucking. Um, I think that Incredibles neglected the world. Metroville is mm-hmm. is. I, one of my favorite scenes, and I'm glad that we came to this because I wanted to comment on that as well. One of my favorite scenes in The Incredibles is actually when they land the fucking RV, and they're arguing over what way to take to get yes. to, the, to the cataclysm. You know, well, don't take, this, take this way. No, that'll take me downtown. And they're arguing. Don't about, take this exit. Take that. One. A super, <laughs> what? What is one of the most important things to any superhero? Hmm. Their fucking city. You know, they're they're talking about the city like they understand it, but yet I don't know shit about Metroville. Yeah. And I feel like, and this goes back to the the smooth, undetailed surface of of the grass that was there. I just don't think they put a lot into the world that they're in. The family's great. Yeah. The structure's there. The characters are there. I don't think that the world exists. Kind of like Dread. Does that not kind of eliminate the stakes? <laughs> you know, so I, I don't know. All right. We, we are going so long. When we get into Pantheon and when we get into... Um, the poll, we're just going to skim over the poll tonight because we are so long for episode 200. Um, but I think, I'm going to end with this until we take our break. I think that I know the reason why some people don't like it. Watchmen. 
Yeah, I think it's penis envy. Well, <laughs> 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 you hit the nail on the head there, but okay, so let's take a break. We'll count the golden idols and we'll see who is the winner and we'll go over the, the poll briefly. All right, so let's take a break. We'll be back in a second. The world will look up and shout, Save us. No whisper. No. We are back, and before we tell you the winner, let's take a look at some of the poll results, all right? Um, Earlier this week, I asked people about tone, kind of prepping this episode up. Um, So who was the winner on tone? Is there anything you want to read from that first poll? Uh, Well, you you set it up between dark and lighthearted, what people uh, prefer, and... Dark pulled ahead uh, 23 to 18. Oh, wow. Lighthearted. So people prefer the darker movies. That's kind of odd to me. I figured people would go towards the kind of like the MCU route, you know? That, very that, lighthearted. That isn't. It's intriguing because uh, the MCU is lighthearted and it's the most successful. Uh, but in the collection of uh, AV members here, I guess, prefers darker. Uh, darker superhero movies. Why do you think people prefer darker movies? Well, maybe it's a part of escapism. You know what I mean? Uh, a lot of people, they don't acknowledge that dark side of themselves. You know, they don't want to. I mean, let's face it, it is an ugly part of... I don't care how good of a person you are. You, you can be, you know, a holiest person in the world. You have a dark part of you. It's in your DNA. And a part of you is intrigued by, you know, that dark part that you don't acknowledge. But you're watching somebody else acknowledge that part. It's, it's almost like your way of letting that, you know, dark self... Out yeah. by acting through others, whether uh, like Rorschach, okay, uh, say what he does, good or evil or whatever. But when you see him say hack a pedophile with a machete, there's a part of you. I mean, because he's doing kind of a good service, but it's evil and it's dark. Yeah, so and you're and you're, you're able to justify that through Rorschach. So you're almost like comparing it to playing like you know Grand Theft Auto or Halo, where some people can sit down and play a video game, and that's that's kind of like their. Um, Channeling it, channeling that anger that might be, or why we Into love a productive, why we love horror movies so much. You yeah, know? Exactly. I think that's very interesting. For me, there was a couple people in the poll that said I like them both. You I know? Don't, yeah, and it, mm-hmm. to that point, uh, I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer to this. So yeah. I'm going to read three of them okay. off of this list. We're going to be a little think, bit shorter mm-hmm. on our poll comments and pantheon tonight because we are no, going I'll just so run long. right yeah. through these. Uh, <clears throat> both sides are represented, and even the medium is is represented here. Tyler Taylor said he prefers them lighthearted because the real world is dark and depressing sometimes. He goes to the movies to escape from reality, not to be continually smacked in the face with it. The opposite side of that, Nathan Plantengus says he prefers them dark. The real world is dark and depressing, and he wants art to be reflective of that. Bobby Chastain says, I like my dark superheroes to be in dark superhero movies and my lighthearted superheroes to be in lighthearted superhero movies. I think all of those are... Fair and reasonable. Yeah, justifiable answers. I mean, yeah. That's... <clears throat> yeah, and you know what I say? Like, I always tell everybody when it comes to movies in general, right? I don't like DC movies. I don't like Marvel movies. I don't like Star Wars movies. I like good movies. And that comes with my tone, yeah. you know? If it serves the character, then give me a dark fucking movie. You know, like Logan. I thought that served a dark character making it rated R. Um, they're talking about Which is why I believe I believe one of the people in the poll also said that that's an unfair question because yeah. you're you're asking a question about tone without context. Yeah. So I mean that is I think so. Valid. Yeah. But I wanted to kind of see cuz there are some people that you know really do like lighthearted movies and they prefer that, you know. Um, for me, 
if it serves the character and if it's a good movie, you know. Um, I think that should come first. Does it serve that character? <laughs> yeah. Like a Spawn movie. I don't want to see a PG Spawn. Um, Logan oh, was kind of give or take, but I kind of see him going more rated R. Venom, I see him in a rated R movie. You know, uh, fucking Iron Man, rated R? Now I don't that know. Man, open, we have a chance to explore the characters maybe yeah. in the format. That Deadpool, rated R. You know, let's go dark with him, you know, so if it serves <laughs> the character. But I don't want to see a rated R Superman movie. You yeah, know, I... exactly. Um, while you read the next one, can you look up the original poll in Adventures in Video Land for best, you know, like Incredibles versus Watchmen? There was a laundry list of people. I want to really hit on Nathan's. That's the one you commented about uh, Rorschach and Nathan commented on Ozymandias. So I'd like to read those two. Real quick, can you read um, the comment from Natalie Still? Okay. Uh, first she says, uh, I was just discussing this with Brian. I am not sure how the plots of these two movies are comparable. They are incredibly, no pun intended, different aside from the fact that they are superhero movies. Okay. I want to talk about that real quick because I thought this was a very good versus. Um, I spent uh, probably about two weeks, you know, uh, looking up as much information as, as I could. And there's literally pages upon pages upon pages um, how these these two movies are two sides of the same coin, you know? Yeah. And uh, there's I, I, so many compare. I, I don't, you know, you, may, I think maybe Natalie or, or Brian, whoever, needs to really rewatch them. Maybe they've forgotten the similarities because memory can fuck with you. Yeah. You know, you really need to, to rewatch these to give it a fresh perspective. And maybe see a lot of things that you've forgotten about or maybe just didn't catch the first time around years ago. Yeah, we hit on a lot of those at the beginning, but um, who won that poll? Uh, the poll, what I have right here, uh, says Incredibles 28, uh, Watchmen 14. Hmm, that's very interesting, isn't it? Yeah, considering how uh, the dark won over the light, but in the movie poll themselves, the lighter movie won over the yeah, dark. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, it is. I wonder it if there's is. a couple people there that didn't vote. Um, I always like to bring Sarah in here for a little bit at the beginning, you know, because she's she's in here listening to this whole conversation. Which one did you prefer, Sarah? I prefer The Incredibles. Okay, so do you prefer prefer lighthearted or? Depends on my mood. Yeah, so kind of like what we were just talking yeah. about. Okay, so that's interesting. <laughs> what do you think about um, the tone? Did you find those the original comments? You wanted me to look up the character. Yeah, uh, the movie. <clears throat> but I think your guys is talking about the character. Where was that at? Uh, the one where Nathan and I had oh. the exchange was in uh, Favorite Watchman character. Okay, awesome. I forgot about that poll. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, so I want to talk about that real quick. Um, what do you think about the similarities, though? Uh, Natalie Steele saying there's no that this was a bad versus. Uh, no, no. I mean, uh, I think we covered it pretty substantially in the uh, in, in this this recording. Uh, there's obvious sim- similarities. They're doing the same thing. They're just. Different tones. Telling a different story in a different tone, different context. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the word deconstruction applies to both of the superhero genre. That's more than obvious. Yeah, when there's more, when there's scenes where your first heroes, the first thing they do is save people from a burning building. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things you can do. You can save a fucking cat from a tree. You know, you can he stop. Did. You can you can stop. <laughs> exactly. At the you shook the shit out of that. That was, but that, scene, that was the glory days. You know, but the first scene when they're when they're trying to relive those glory days, you know, when they become heroes again, is saving people from a burning building. The whole cape thing, you know, that we talked about. You know, um, two unlikely heroes, Elastigirl and and fucking you know Mister Incredible, have a kid together, have a family together. It's worth mentioning though that uh, the criticism of this versus comes from the fact that these movies are so fucking different. Uh-huh. They are different. They have the same themes, but they are completely different. Types I, of atmospheric movies. speaking, they're. <clears throat> You know, polar opposites. And that's valid. But that doesn't mean that subject matter yeah. 
isn't comparable. Oh, I mean, yeah. my best scene and my defining moment were both montages that pretty much covered, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. a little bit different, more of a um, collateral damage versus, you know, um, uh, kind of what was going on uh, with the Minutemen and everything for the my defining moment, you know, with the, the Times Are Changing song. You know, but both were very clever, constructed montages as well. I don't know. I, there's so many similarities. What did you think this was a good versus Sarah? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's very interesting to me. Um, can you read the comments between you and Nathan? And would you want mind looking up the poll um, that had like the thirty comments for Incredibles versus Watchmen? There's one thing I want to hit on that. Uh, well, I mean, the discussion between Nathan and I was regarding. <coughs> we you were guys both, were both right. I liked what both you said here. And I, I I think that that's that's the answer. There is no yeah. right answer. There's no wrong answer. There's a moral. Uh, approach to this and, and, and where you stand at the end of the day. I mean, you you had the same reservations about calling Ozymandias the villain yep. in this movie. Um, There's no right or wrong answer to that to me. I mean, Nathan, Nathan here says he picked Ozymandias over Rorschach, but the margin between the two is pretty thin. They're both total deconstructions of classic heroic archetypes. Ultimately, however, he thinks Ozymandias appeals to him more because he's a total reinterpretation of what it means to be superhuman. Despite having no special abilities, he's capable of catching bullets, fighting off Rorschach and Night Owl at once, and even manipulating Dr. Manhattan, all things that you touched on as well. Uh, He appeals to him a lot. Vite inherited a fortune from his parents but gave it all away to prove that he could make something of himself on his own. And he followed in the footsteps of Alexander the Great and Ramses II. He championed liberalism and charity. In the end, he's the true hero of the blackest gray morality world of Watchmen. The only person who ever saw the greater picture and the only person who was willing to make the sacrifices required to cure the disease rather than simply fight the symptoms. Um, And then, I mean, uh, he responds again. uh, I I said that... uh, (laughs) Uh, snarkily, a great write-up, except for the being wrong about who is the hero part. <clears throat> I mean, that's because I'm, I firmly believe that Rorschach's in the right at the end of the day. I, I yeah. For reasons we discussed here, the hope, the, the inhumanity and stuff like that. Exactly. <clears throat> let us make our own mistakes mm-hmm. or let us live with them, you know, whatever it, it comes. <clears throat> um, he goes into, uh, I don't know how much of this you want me to, to read Yeah, off, just, yeah, but, just the, the, the bones there of it. Um, he goes into uh, some write-up that happened um, after some something relating to Ted Cruz, where he basically covers that uh, people missed the uh, the basic message of of Watchmen uh, if they're allying with Rorschach. I reject that completely. Um, <clears throat> hear that, I, Nathan? <laughs> well, he he knows it. We've had yeah. I, we've had this conversation. I gotta finish. So this isn't the times. first time you guys have argued about this. <laughs> yeah, no, we do this all the time, and I love when it comes up because I know neither of us are wrong, just as neither of us are, are necessarily right. There's there's a gray to this. Yeah, there is. But I, I stand firmly behind the fact that Rorschach is fighting for a liberty. Mm-hmm. Um, you may not like what he does, but. At the end of the day, he's standing for the freedom of choice, and Ozymandias stole that from you, yeah. and put everybody in. A, yeah, and the question that that often comes up is Rorschach as a villain because he's willing to go and tell the world and break this false truth that Ozymandias has now established. The question I'm asking is, should he have done it in the first place? They're all in a position where he's already fucking done it, so he knows he's got them by the balls. And that's that speaks yeah. to his brilliance. He's got them by the balls. They can't say anything because 
they will break it. He's already done the damage, so now they just kind of have to help him yeah. stop the bleeding and preserve this false world that he's built. They, they I have to accept the decision he's already I, made. I, I ally with Rorschach in my belief that he is the good guy because he's saying this never should have happened and I'm going to let everybody know that it did mm-hmm. because I would rather they, they ring true. The truth of what happened needs to be told because we're not free, we're not us yeah. without that truth. I think that's wonderful. I don't necessarily know that I can say one's right or wrong, but okay. that, that's where and, I stand. And real quick, I also want to point out again that Incredibles did win over Watchmen in the group vote. Um, Kyle Brown said, I'm not surprised it's close. Uh, each has their merits and their downfalls. Um, and then Brian Steele said, uh, comparing a live-action superhero graphic novel turned into a film masterpiece to a masterful kids' animated film. <coughs> he didn't agree with that. Um, and I think that is where he's missing that, to a masterful kids' animated film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's for kids, but there's a lot of adult content that we went oh, over yeah. in our episode. Yeah, suicide and everything else. Yeah, I mean, suicide. There's a lot of darkness here. These kids aren't even safe in this world. Like, a henchman oh, yeah. gets these kids and they are dead. It's a fair assessment, though, to say that the weight of what Watchmen is attempting to do is greater. The scope of it is greater. Oh, and yeah. I think that might be where he's coming from. Yeah, and that's where I go... And that's why I want to do this psychological um, study and tone for the group and see where everybody you know was at. So it was more of that for me. I kind of wanted to see if in Incredibles one, there's a lot of people that would rather sit down and watch Incredibles than Watchmen, but that could be for a lot of different reasons, not just tone. Um, but then I said that Incredibles is the one that's considered a masterpiece, which it is. It's ninety four percent, ninety seven percent, ninety seven compared to like sixty five, generally speaking. And uh, so I go, Watchmen is. Watchmen is considered the mediocre at best, generally speaking. I'm playing devil's advocate, not trying to argue. I think it comes down to what people want from the tone of their superhero movie. Um, and then I also wanted to say that uh, he thinks, Brian Still, that this is, is ludicrous. I can't possibly see an instance where someone would turn off Incredibles and say, man, I just have to see the Watchmen film now. I disagree with that. I don't. Really? I don't, I don't disagree with that. See, there's so many similarities, No, there's though. nothing. There's nothing. That's the thing about this. <clears throat> the truth is that they are both studying the same thing, mm-hmm. but they are not... <clears throat> you, you're not going to watch The Incredibles and think, wow, that was just like The Watchmen. <clears throat> they're, they're disparate enough that you're not going to make that connection. I think that's a valid position. Yeah, but it take. sounds also sarcastic. Would anybody <clears throat> shut off... Uh, where he said, what did he say, Incredible, someone would turn off Incredibles. Do you think anybody would turn off Watchmen and say, let's go watch The Incredibles? Or I think it goes that way easier. Yeah. I think it goes that way easier. But again, I don't think that the way that they're presented, they're so disparate that there is no yeah. perceived connection between them. Until we sit down and we talk about those individual moments yeah. and draw those parallels, uh, it's not something that, yeah. that, that Most prevalent. people would do. Yeah, most people would do. But for us, when we get so excited about these different verses, you know. <clears throat> then you're able to see it. You're yeah. able to see it. Yeah, I so, couldn't wait to pop it in. So it for, doesn't for one, invalidate. I did say, I can't wait to pop that in. So <laughs> it doesn't invalidate the, the discussion that they're similar. We have established that they are. They have those elements. But I do not think they have a connective tissue uh-huh. that, that someone outside looking in would immediately say, hey, I saw that in... Watchmen. I saw that in Incredibles. These two are. That's just not a conclusion anybody's going to draw. I didn't. Yeah. I certainly didn't when you came to me with this. But then you read me that list, and I realized, well, holy shit. Yeah. Let's see what's going yeah. on here. And then so you when just we did it, and I, the surface a little bit. Yeah. And I saw the cape thing. The cape thing alone. Just I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, <laughs> I I wanted to think that they stole that from Watchmen, but yeah. he says he didn't. So yeah. Um, and cousin Wayne. Yep. Joel White didn't vote for a movie that he didn't watch. Good for him. 
<laughs> we gave Joel White some shit last time uh, for for doing that with uh, yeah. what was it? Reed, uh, Raid. Raid. Yeah. Watch Raid. So he was he was pretty cool this time. So good job, Joel. Excellent, <laughs> excellent job, Joel. I hope you watch both of these and come up with a conclusion on your own. <laughs> <laughs> and so the last one I want to end with is with um, real quick. Joel White said he didn't care for the music of the film. I don't have his quote in front of me. I lost hmm. it within all the quotes or comments. But he said he didn't care for the music. Um, he, th- he said the music it, of it, it didn't or? fit the Watchmen. I think there was an really? argument between Brian and Joel where he was like, not an argument, but um, he was telling them that, hey, that music is actually in the graphic novel. And, you know, so it actually does fit. And uh, I think Joel said he was going to look more into that. I've lost the comments on that. But, um, yeah, I thought the music fit great. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I think that I think that that's a knee-jerk reaction. Uh, personally, to the, the idea, kind of like voting for the a thing film that you haven't watched. <laughs> <laughs> the movie comes like right, right on the heels of the Vietnam era, and then you end up with music like uh, along the Watchtower that just seems shooed in, but yeah. it's relevant to it. And the I music believe of the that times one, too. That one, I believe that one's even uh, in the graphic novel, so um, it makes more sense than than what he's giving it credit for, I would say. Yeah. But it does... I can see why he would feel like it was forced in. Okay, and so I want to end with Nathan. He says, the Nathan Ryan Planiga, he says, The Incredibles uh, is a great film. I know a lot of people talk shit about the Watchmen film, but it is one of the most faithful adaptations we've ever had. True. And I think it's solid. But even aside from that, Watchmen means something. Um, we could talk about the themes, the social commentary, and the morality of the characters in that book forever. Uh, Josh and I will go to our graves arguing about whether or not Ozymandias <laughs> is the hero or the villain. True. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, wake up when the Incredibles achieves anything close to that. All of that's valid. I'll, I'll give that last part. But I can't deal with about yeah. the graphic. No, I don't know about you guys arguing all the time. But uh, as far as uh, the Watchmen achieving so much more than the Incredibles well, did, I will agree with that. The Incredibles was. Fun. Incredibles is a nice tight. But package. see, this is, is this, this bothered this one bothered Great me a little movie, bit actually, just but... because Nathan is is one of the marathon men and he's used to breaking down films, you know. And so just to to kind of throw something so under the bus so quick just because you like one film, he did yeah. the same thing with Dread. I'm not, you know, I would tell Nathan this to his face even if he's listening to this. But um, with this, I don't know because I I go devil's advocate, Nathan. I go, um, I'm surprised you would brush off a film that breaks down two genres and was a great achievement in animation. What about the themes of family, marriage, and friendship? Surely those are important themes as well. There are important themes, more complex themes maybe in Watchmen, but I don't think you could just throw um, something like The Incredibles under the bus just for having maybe themes that you just aren't as close to you. I don't know that he was necessarily doing that. I think actually that what he's saying there is exactly what you just said. Watchmen is more complex. It covers all those things. It covers family mm-hmm. and, and the fractures that occur. It just does it in a different way. Yeah. But Watchmen covers something that digs down to the root of us, the, mm-hmm. the depth of us. And the family thing is a nice element. It's a great way to sit down and watch something with your kids and have a discussion about that that's specific uh-huh. to your home life. But Watchmen asks you about yourself, your position in society, what you think and feel about things that are going on. I mean, you could take a lot of the themes that are in Watchmen and parallel them straight into the, to the outside world and and ask yourself, put yourself in that position, where do you stand? Yeah. It, it's got so much more scope to it than, than Watchmen. And I think that's what he's saying. Not that necessarily The Incredibles is bad shit and doesn't... Uh, 
cover anything useful. Yeah. It just it sounds like for me from a lot of people that were like you know Watchmen is this and I, Watchmen got my golden idols tonight you know but I think that uh, some, some people should really give a little bit more credit to Incredibles yeah. on, and I even said Incredibles is overrated. So, you know, and which I do believe, but I think with when it comes to themes, I really think that they're doing a lot there, especially when, um, and this is deconstruction, though, of comic books and within the spy genre. That's a hard thing to do. Yeah. And uh, I think that uh, overall this was a really good versus, and um, I think that Incredibles deserve a little bit more respect. I think it got... Yeah, Incredibles was a great movie. It really was. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's some of the poll. I thought that was a really interesting conversation right there. Um, that was some of the, the, the highlights of the poll. We couldn't hit on... Oh, sorry. I couldn't... I, we couldn't hit on everybody. I'm sorry, guys, if you're hearing this, Wayne just shit his pants and we're all laughing. <laughs> I had to go real bad. <laughs> okay, so that was the poll. We didn't get to hit everybody like we did last time. There was like 40 comments, I think, just in that one alone. Uh, so thank you, everybody, for participating. Uh, I think our next one will be Toy Story 1, 2, and 3. We might bring the Versus and the Marathon Men together on that one. Not for sure yet. Still up in the air, but that is definitely our next Versus. So, guys, the moment of truth... All right, Watchmen is our Golden Idol winner. Yep. All right, it's the only film that matters right now. We're not talking about Incredibles anymore. It shit the bed. <laughs> <laughs> Much like I just shit the chair. <laughs> you guys, you guys had equal scores on. So Nathan chair. was yeah. right. It ain't no Watchmen. <laughs> <laughs> In short, way to go, Video Lander. <laughs> <laughs> you hit the nail on the head, Nathan. Well, we're gonna argue with you anyway. But <laughs> <laughs> fuck anyway. <laughs> Okay, so guys, it's the only one that matters right now, all right? Let's start with Josh on this one, because I think I know what he's going to say, all right? So <laughs> what we what we have here is a Pantheon Council, all right? If we say, all three of us have to unite tonight and say that it is Pantheon worthy. If we do say that, it gets kicked up to the council for uh, what, about three weeks, and, and there's nine of us, and we kind of go back and forth, and we have to have a two-thirds majority vote, which is uh, a six out of nine. Okay, so those that's that's what's what's going on right now. So do you think if it's not, if it doesn't, then it just goes away until someone nominates it, you know, at some other time in the future. Okay, so Josh and real quick, Incredibles is knocked out for an entire year. Okay, because of our versus rules, so no one can nominate um, the Incredibles. That's fine. It's no Watchmen. Yeah, it's no Watchmen. So (laughs) Josh is Pantheon is is Watchmen Pantheon. Uh, So I've actually been back and forth on that. Quite a few times, uh, it was not apparent to me one way or the other. Um, <clears throat> but I've now rewatched this on I think three occasions for this group for AV, and it's every time it gets better. It, it, it's it's it grows. It <clears throat> it's faithful. Um, I have to speak again to the adaptation, the quality of the adaptation, and <clears throat> the dedication to not altering it, respecting the source material, doing something that, I mean, fanboys are all over the place whether or not they want something new or they want something exactly like it was in the comics. I think, fuck them. This is the first (laughs) time that it landed where it needed to, and it still carries all the weight of the the discussions that it's having about society, about politics, about people, about good and evil, right and wrong. All that stuff's in full force, present, it never diminishes every time that I watch it. It's 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 an event film. I sit down and I'm I'm engrossed in it. So absolutely for me, uh, this is definitely a pantheon level film. <clears throat> and before we kick it over to you guys for your <laughs> answers, <clears throat> I want to remind that there is 
if you're unsure, you can kick it up. Right? <laughs> that's, so that's one of that's our rules. That's sell. If you're unsure, um, Wayne is actually um, hopefully going to be on our council uh, for season three. Okay, so um, if, if you wanted to, you could kick it up, okay, to the council. Um, um, if you, if for me, since I'm on the council, if I do kick it up, that means I don't have to necessarily vote yes. I can just kick it up and change my vote to no, you know, um, to give it a chance to get up there. If I think, um, I, I need to think about it a little bit more, but I'm, did we, did we tally our awards here? Uh, I had 16 for Watchmen and three. Yeah, for I think um, I had 12 to 7. 12 and 7, yeah. 12 to 7, which was funny. Mm-hmm. Wayne and I actually had the, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I think our awards are probably different, different but, the but 12 was... to 7, which was, was amazing. And your wild card was the same as mine, costume. Yeah. <laughs> different movies. So, yeah, that's but, fun. So, um, 38 to 17, I think it yeah, is. Yeah, so, yeah. So that's a pretty big fucking difference. Yeah, it is. Now, granted, you got to think about what you're going up against here, but we covered a lot of categories. White House we Down. Covered, we, we covered. <laughs> White House Down beat. What's the other White House movie? Um, what? For Versus. White House Down. Oh, and Olympus Has Fallen. Olympus Has Fallen. White House Down kicked um, Olympus Has Fallen's ass, but it's no Pantheon. Right. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I'm, 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 referencing, I'm referencing the difference in the scores, but I'm also going over the specific categories that we went through. We went over characters and we agreed that all of the all the characters in this film are potent and powerful the soundtrack was spot on um i think two of us enjoyed the cinematography but you guys voted Zack snyder for best director i mean i'm selling the fuck out of this because <laughs> i think that more than anything this is something that the pantheon group can experience and learn from even if it doesn't make it if it goes up it's an assessment that we as a group should make <laughs> Well, I'm going to go first. Uh, I cannot speak for Brad here, but uh, this is, without a doubt, a Pantheon movie. Fuck yeah! Uh, I loved it. I I just loved the absolute fuck out of this. Uh, This is an extremely rare five for me. Oh, really? A five? Yeah, yeah. I think, like I said, there's maybe a dozen movies I can give that to. That's fucking awesome. And I I, I do this. It's an ugly, ugly movie. It is. I mean, it, it shows a side of people that is hideous. I mean, you've got heroes... With evil traits, and, and it, it just shows the ugly side of America. And no matter what other superhero movie may get in there, whether it be a Batman or Superman or whatever, those are good guys. These guys are heroes, but they've got some major fucking. They're dirty, dirty heroes. You know, I like that. Uh, it just shows everything. It really does. This evil side of politics, and even kind of almost the good side of politics. There's all dark and light in this movie, mainly dark, but it's got such a complex story. Such great acting, and the best fucking characters I've seen in a long, long time. I, I would not hesitate to, to vote this for Pantheon. Okay, so if I say no tonight... You're a fucking prick. It fucking, <laughs> it's dead in the water. If I say yes, then it's going up to the council for three weeks, okay? For oh, us to, man, to analyze he loves this shit. Right oh, here. I love it. He gets his jolly <laughs> Okay, so... I'm telling you. I'll be quick about this, but... Um, the, no, profe- the, the professional went up, right? And sometimes yeah. when I'm writing my review, um, I find, whether it's Pantheon or not, in my writing. Because you, then you're going over everything, you know, and you're like, wow. I didn't, man, I didn't realize how good these fucking movies were, you know? And uh, there was a, a person in the group that was pissed because professional didn't make Pantheon. You know, we had two people leave over that. And I told him, it's like, well, dude, I mean, yeah, it was okay. You know, Wayne, I didn't, yeah. I know Wayne didn't care for it at no, all. I, didn't. I was so bored with I it. I give it just... probably, you know, I wrestled back and forth between 3.5 and a 4, okay? And when I wrote about it, I was like, man, there was a couple categories that were missing. You know, score was missing. 
Um, supporting actor uh, for Gary Oldman was missing. Um, and then cinematography wasn't that great. Okay. So for me, I, I explained to someone that a Pantheon movie to me is something that is unique. Okay. Or a five-star mm-hmm. film or that is fi- firing on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. Okay. So with Watchmen, um, characters, okay. Characters are, fuck man, I couldn't even, I had a hard time picking the yeah. right character because they're so in-depth and so interesting, you know. Um, the characters are amazing. Um, the acting, I, I couldn't cast anybody, you know. I, I don't think this movie could be better cast with Jeffrey Dean Morgan oh, and Patrick yeah. Wilson and, and Jackie O'Haley. Um, the ending, it's, it goes with one of my movie rules where, yeah, they changed it, but they had a reason to change it and they made it better. You know, I think that's fucking awesome and it's a rarity, you know. Um, I completely support this ending. Um, the I got my best picture. Um, it got my best director, and I'm not a Zack Snyder fan. And the music is definitely Pantheon. Oh God! If yeah. I talk about scenes, there's definitely Pantheon scenes. There's um, the montage scene. I think was my defining moment. Um, so there's a lot going for this. And when I break it down individually, I do think it's firing on all cylinders. I really do. Um, so with that said, I'm not for sure how I'm gonna vote, but I will kick Jesus it up. Fucking I will kick it up. I will kick it up. Okay, I don't know how I'm gonna vote yet because there's something about it still that you know, like because every time I watch it, I like it more. That's why I'm going to kick it up. I have a feeling I will say yes, okay, because it is firing on a lot of cylinders. But there's always something. I don't know if it's the length or or because it is so dark. There's always something just there, and I need to figure that out. I need to figure out what that is. Um, I will help you figure out what that is. <laughs> I, I will probably give it a pass. But penis I want, envy, right? I want to think what? Penis envy, right? Penis envy. Yes. It's penis envy. <laughs> so I will give it a yes to kick up to the council with a probably a yes, a probably a yes, but I will hold that off until I watch it one more time, but I will give it a kick. So it's going in front of the council for the next three weeks. Big question here. Yeah. When we kick it up, is it the theatrical? Oh, good call. I, I'm up for debate on that real quick. I watched both. I, I like have the yet director's to see cut. the director's cut, so I, I, I can't put my... The only thing I can say is the original cut... Everything fit perfect in it for me. Okay. But, I, like I said, I have not seen the director's cut. Maybe it only seemed to fit perfect. Maybe the director's cut's got a little extra something in it that, oh, you know, yeah. added a little extra shine to the perfection. You know? so, so I think we should stick with the theatrical. Okay, well, let me, because um, I had a problem at first finding theatrical, and I it, watched it, director's. So let me, really, no, it's not. You got, seriously, <laughs> so I went to disc replay. I'm going to give them a plug. And they had like seven or eight copies. It was 333, and they were... All just regular theatrical okay. cut. Can I let me throw this out there and see what you guys think? Um, again, going back to professional, I didn't care if it was international. I know this changed with you a little bit, Josh, but with uh, international or um, you know the director's cut, um, the different cuts. So I watched two different cuts of this fucking thing, and at the end of the day, it still wouldn't have changed my opinion. You watched both cuts too, didn't you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it didn't change your opinion, did it? Overall, nope. <laughs> um, second time around. I honestly so think, painful. for me as a voter. I would vote yes. If I vote yes, I would vote yes for the theatrical or the director's cut. There's a couple things in the director's cut. There was nothing that threw me off. It just gave me a little bit more. So either one that went up, I would say yes. There's nothing that took away or added that much to make it that that extra level Pantheon film. A lot of what's in the director's cut is world building stuff. Okay. More signs. But it's also longer too. So do you think it would hurt? Twenty four minutes. Do you think it would hurt the chances more? Because that's a long fucking movie to get the council to watch. They have to watch it regardless. But that's a long. If you're asking my opinion, yes, I think it would. The directors. You want to do director's cut? I think it would hurt the chances. Okay. So if we went up with the director's cut, and I say that because spoilers to anybody who is listening to the tail end of this, the scene with 
Oh, man. I don't Would you really be comfortable giving it to the council with the option of watching either? We wouldn't do that with every movie. Go ahead some, and give a spoiler if you need to. I'm good Because there's some <laughs> movies that change drastically with a director's cut. If that's all it is, is And I think Watchmen's one of those. Really? And I think that they've recognized that the director's cut is a superior version of the uh-huh. film. They, that's why they haven't released the theatrical on Blu-ray. And see, for me, I would if I vote yes, it will it would be a yes for either one of them because I'm happy with with it to that level. So I would suggest There's only giving one them... scene in the director's cut that worries me, and that is a scene that was added with Hollis Mason. And that's my favorite scene. Really? Yeah. So okay, well then. Yeah. I mean, if that works for well, you, that director's cut all the way, buddy. <laughs> I I I like it. Okay. I, I prefer the director's cut to the original because I think it adds more content and more. Just more of more of everything, um, but I'm also not turned off by watching a long movie. Yeah. Like I said, either one's down, down to you, watch, right? Yeah, sitting down to watch Watchmen is an event for me. Uh, I, I I was legitimately disappointed to hear that we were watching the theatrical for this. Um, not just because I have the the directors on so on let the me, Blu-ray, but so let, let's break this down real quick. I would say yes to either one. You would say yes to either one. He's only watched the theatrical, and he yeah. would say yes. So I think that we should announce that hey. We would like you to watch the theatrical. If you can, watch the director's cut. Because all of us at this table would say yes to it, regardless. I, I think we should go, I mean... Give them the option? Yeah. Because uh, there's nothing that distracts or takes away, right? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, we uh, base the awards on the Star Wars version, is a big fucking so. difference when you're talking original trilogy compared to the updated George Lucas. There's nothing like that, I think, that takes away from Watchmen. I don't... Th- if you have not... If you're not familiar with the theatrical cut, you're not going to miss it. Uh, you're not going to know the difference. Um, it is just as potent and, and valid in the director's cut as it is in the theatrical. There's are just you, extra beats. Are you confident with putting it up as with the option a theatrical or director's cut, whichever one you can find? Yeah, I have no problem with okay. that. Okay. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, I'll watch the director's cut and tell you what I think. Okay. So we'll put that up there. We'll give them the option, whichever one they can find. And we think that... Um, Either one. I can give that to you this pan- week. We'll say either one is Pantheon worthy. Right? All yeah, right. just make sure it doesn't say ultimate cut. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Unless you want. It's <laughs> up there for five fucking Unless hours. you're really fucking brave. <laughs> yeah. So, all Which, right. honestly, I'd be good with watching that. <laughs> this is our first um, kick up, um, what, in four episodes? Yeah. This is my first, first Pantheon one nomination. Yeah. Hey, Christ, I don't know how long. So I'm reserving my vote, but I'm, I'm feeling comfortable. Young Frankenstein did not did not go up, right? Yeah, yeah Young Frankenstein didn't go up. Ray didn't I... go up, and that yeah, was you... the last one we got close on. Yeah, and King Kong. Didn't yeah, go he up fucked either. us on that one too, didn't he? Which and one? <laughs> Young Frankenstein. Oh yeah, I did fuck you guys on that one. <laughs> Watch. No, you did too. You said no to Young Frankenstein. You you did, did you really? Oh, I did. That's right. Oh, you <laughs> both <laughs> fucked me. Okay, that's right. Yeah. So no to Young Frankenstein, and then no to King Kong, no to Raid, but we got to kick up for the Watchmen. So. Let's see how the council goes with it. All right. All right. So thank you for listening, and yes, we will be back <laughs> with Toy Story. So, Wayne, where can they find you? Uh, Facebook, Instagram, all over the place. AV. All right. You, you can find us on adventuresinvideoland.com. Um, check out the website. Pretty badass. Um, but all our conversations begin and end on Facebook. So until next time, my good people, peace out. Yeah.